World's Finest Podcast, Episode 100. your host James Doe and as always and for the last time at least for this podcast is my co-host Michael David Sims. Hello. Well sir um, <laughs> it's been quite a journey hasn't it? It has it, it definitely has um, and here we are I mean this is it's both exciting and sad and exciting. <laughs> <laughs> oh did I say that twice? <laughs> I didn't mean to imply anything. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> but no, I mean, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's finally here. Wow. Wow. Episode 100. And, uh, we should let our listeners know that, you know, we don't know how long this one's going to be, you know, probably will be the longest episode of WFP ever. Um, might not be, we'll see, but good chance it is. If only because when you count all the voicemails, um, and Ian's segment, just those, just those, the show will already be 55 minutes long. Then count the fact that we have a ton of emails to get through before we can even get to our thoughts about the DCAU and WFP. So yes, strap in, strap in, folks. You know, just real briefly, real briefly, what's going on uh, with you these last couple of weeks? Um, I have been so concentrated on this episode and my my retrospective column that will hopefully hit the the main page sometime later this week. I think I should have it done by then, but uh, I've been desperately trying to go back over favorite and not so favorite episodes of DCAU shows, uh, back over WFP episodes. Uh, just note, I have, let's see here. I'm looking at my thing. I have five pages of on Microsoft word here of just stuff to talk about today. <laughs> And and as for my article, that's another probably five or six pages already. Which and that article, I, I kind of mentioned it uh, in a previous episode, but it's going to be kind of like the chronicles of WFP. You know where it started, ha- uh, how it started, and uh, just how how I feel the the podcast went, and just really all, everything you'd ever want to know about the inner workings of the show. Yeah, as, as James said there, it may go up a little late. Uh, there's a couple of reasons for that. One, you know, he's busy. Two, um, my schedule this week is hectic. We're recording this Sunday night. Normally we record WFP on either Monday or Tuesday before the Wednesday it would go up. We're obviously doing this one earlier to give me more time to edit it. So um, I have to edit WFP 100. I have to uh, record and edit Bigger on the Inside 60. And I have to finish editing um, Earth 2 Detonate the show. I believe it's going to be 439, the Dark Knight um, review that James, Ian, and myself did a few weeks ago, which will go up this upcoming Saturday. Um, I believe, what is that, the 19th, James? Yeah, the 19th. Um, And I have to do all that before Thursday because starting Friday is a pretty big comic convention called C2E2. Uh, It's coming into town, into Chicago. 
so I'll have no time to do any editing on um, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So i got to get the podcast stuff done. So even if James gets his article to me on time, I may not have the, the actual time to edit it and get it up by the end of this week. So hopefully by the end of this week it'll get up, but it may actually be early next week. Um, but we will keep you guys updated about that. Um, and, you know, along those same lines, um, I was going to say this at the end of the show, but I'll say this now. I hope that, and I know I've said this in the past, I hope that even though WFP is ending, people stay subscribed to the iTunes feed, to the RSS feed. Because every now and then we will make little updates. Um, it, you know, when when we get around to reviewing the DC uh, animated movies, um, I'll post a little thing saying, go over to earth2.net and look for earth2.net the show episode, whatever, for that episode. Um, you know, so, so definitely stay, stay subscribed for little uh, bits of news. I don't know how often they'll come through, but they'll come through often enough that it'll be worth your while. Um, anything else going on besides trying to get that article done and stuff? Uh, just an update that I will have the uh, the main page awards uh all the, the balloting, the tallies, those will be done very soon. The only reason they've been put on the back burner is, well, uh, gee, can you can you guess why that might have uh, gone to the back burner a little bit there? But yeah, uh, they should be done uh, well before the end of the month, and then we can get that episode of the show recorded soon. Yeah, based on things I already have recorded and other episodes that I know will be recorded, um, do you think we might be able to get it up by the end of March. Possibly. But I wouldn't be surprised if it has to go into April. Um, and that, that would all fall on me. You know, where last year, and I'm not throwing you under the bus because <laughs> you took the blame for this, last year was really delayed because you just fell behind on it, you know. Um, this year, if if it's delayed, it's more my fault because, again, just I have other things scheduled. Um, but, yeah, it will, it will definitely get up um, soon. Mm-hmm. I would say right now I probably have half of the awards done, like the actual oh. winners of certain things done. So probably about half of it left. Okay. Um, well, yeah, really nothing going on with me. Just uh, wedding plans. You know, a couple of uh, I don't know, maybe like a week or so back, uh, it dawned on me. I was like, I was like, a hundred days. In a hundred days, I'll be married. You know, <laughs> and that's great. It's a hundred days. It's a big number. That's far off. And then uh, a, a few days later, Sheena's like, um, yeah, it's like, it's like three months. And I was like, yeah, three months. Whoa, three. Three's a lot less than 100, you know? <laughs> I mean, even though they come out to the same amount of time, you hear 100, that's big, that's a lot of time. Three months, you're like, no, no, that's, that's not a lot of time. And, you know, I still have to find my ring, I still have to find my suit, you know? And I was like, oh, 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 nose. <laughs> like, I gotta jump on, I gotta jump on this real quick, <laughs> you know? Um... So yeah, that, that's what I've been doing this past week, is just trying to uh, look online for any kind of suits I might want to wear, because I don't think I'm going to go with the tux. Tux isn't really my style, uh, but also trying to find rings I might like, and uh, having some success, just haven't nailed anything down yet. Um, yeah, outside of editing and whatnot, that's really where my attention's been these last uh, last couple of weeks. And again, of course, prepping for this episode, as you said earlier, for yourself. Um, in fact, I'll say with the reviews, or pardon, with the episodes that um, I looked back on to rescore, mm-hmm. it seemed like it took me longer to watch them than it, it did any other episodes in the past. And I don't know why. I wasn't analyzing them any deeper. I wasn't putting any extra thought into them. I was giving them the same critical eye I always do. 
but it just seemed like it took longer to, to, to get through them. I don't know. I don't know. It's just a weird little thing that I noticed. But oh well, um, should we get into um, our last batch of emails here? Now, of course, you know, we should let our listeners know, you can, after this show is over, you can still send in emails and voicemails, but they, there's just no air to read them on. <laughs> um, but what we'll do is, you know, you can continue to send emails in and we'll respond to them um, instead of on the air, obviously, uh, in writing. Um, you know, I'll forward them to James so he can respond. I'll respond from the world's finest podcast um, uh, email account. So you can definitely still get in touch with us. Just uh, this is it. This is it. We have a, we have a whole slew of them. Like always, we're going to do the emails first. Then we're going to do the voicemails, and then we are going to do Ian's segment, and then we are going to get into our thoughts about the DCAU and World's Finest Podcast. So, James, let's get going. Alrighty. First of the last batch is from Christian, who writes, Hello, Mike and James. It saddens me that this phenomenal show has come to an end. WFP more than lived up to its name, and with its passing Wednesdays, will never be the same again. While I enjoyed every single episode the two of you recorded below are my top ten favorite episodes of WFP. Number 10, episode 20. This was the first of your awesome series of retrospectives and Ian's clip montages. Also, was a nice farewell to both the then-recently-deceased Heath Ledger and to Batman the Animated Series. Number 9, episode 50. The first episode of WFP I ever listened to, and another of your great series retrospectives, as well as a sad, heartfelt one given what a hit-and-miss series Batman Beyond was. Number eight, episode 63. For whatever sadistic reason, I'm a sucker for episodes in which you two had to suffer through multiple bad episodes, but got a happy ending in the form of getting to review a much better one at the end. This one was unique in that you gave Toys in the Hood the harshest thrashing of any episode, making your reviews of the terrible trio and other pieces of shit look tame in comparison. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) To be fair, I mean, you were harsh on Toys in the Hood too, but I think I was the one that was much, much harsher, harsher on that one. Believe me, that that episode will be discussed in depth during this recording. I I can guarantee it. (laughs) Um, Number seven, episode 35, the longest episode ever, or at least to date, complete with lots of interesting emails and awesome reviews of the two best episodes of Gotham Knights and the worst episode of Superman the Animated Series. Number six, episode 67, yet another awesome series retrospective with Ian's longest and funniest clip montage yet and nice uh, lookbacks at the lesser-loved series of the DCAU. Number five, episode 24, by far one of the funniest episodes of WFP, which is saying something, especially with the beginning in Bizarro speak and Mike shouting, but she was in a coup! Are you a dumbass? (laughs) I forgot about that. Oh my god. Yeah. Number four, episode 90, the best and most heartfelt of your series retrospectives, this time focused on the Teen Titans. In continuity, naysayers. Uh, number three, episode 95, a great companion piece to the greatest part of the entire DCAU, and also has the best outro of any episode in the form of the best moment in all of the DCAU. Number two, episode 77, ditto for the best movie-slash-three-part episode in the DCAU. Number one, episode 33, I've listened to this episode more times than any other. I never tire of your discussions on why Superman Returns sucks ass, the astoundingly poor quality of Critters, the monumental stupidity of Superman being able to pull a spaceship out of a black hole, and finally the awesome that is in Brightest Day after having to endure four bad episodes. And note these 
I sent this as of episode 97, so I'm sure episodes 98, 99, and 100 will make this list. Hope this email isn't too long. Gentlemen, it's been an honor. P.S. Please, please, please review The Batman and or Batman Brave and the Bold in some form or another. I know you both have busy lives and lots of other plans for Earth2.net, but be thankful that no one thus far has been evil enough to ask you to do that Smallville podcast. Um, well, actually, people have asked us to, and it was actually... I actually considered it a few times. Actually, I really did. And I, I, yeah, yeah. But thankfully those plans fell through. (laughs) Um, By the fact that I've never watched an episode of that show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) We'll just leave it at that. All right, next one is from Ben, who writes, Hey guys, I'm so sad that it is the last episode of WFP. I have every episode of WFP, and and I have to say that you guys rock. But I've always wondered how you guys actually met and why you decided to do a podcast on the DCAU. And what are your favorite characters in the DCAU? Just out of curiosity. Anyway, thanks you two guys for making this podcast. P.S. Batman rules and can beat the crap out of Superman and everyone else, period. Um, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> he's a great fighter, but he's human. I mean, I'm not going to do the whole, Superman can fly into the sky and use his heat vision to vaporize him. No, because Superman wouldn't do that. But... No. <laughs> no, it just doesn't work that way. Um, you've got the Flash, you could take him down in a heartbeat. You've, you've got Superman with his super speed or super strength, even if Batman whipped out the kryptonite, could take him down before the kryptonite truly started to affect him. Uh, you got Wonder Woman and Aquaman who are so much stronger than him. you got Zatanna who could just use backward sleep to just tell him to go bugger off. Um, Martian Manhunter. Uh, yeah, gets in his head, knocks him out. Um, Dark side. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, well, ne- you know what? Never mind. I'm not even gonna. That one actually happened for a little while. I'm but... not even gonna open that can of worms. <laughs> but no, no. I mean, if, if you're a Batman fanboy, that's that, that's cool. It's it's appreciated. But uh, I'm not a big uh, proponent of the whole Batman can win any fight, no matter what, given epic amount of planning Um, because sometimes he's going to have to go up against someone who he can't plan against and that could be the person who takes him down hero or villain Um, so yeah there's and also you got to keep in mind uh, Batman will get old he will age Superman Wonder Woman and some other characters they just won't they're always going to stay young they're not going to get slower Um, eventually Batman will and uh, that will be his downfall uh, now, as for the rest of the email, I'm trying to skim it right here. Uh, how did we meet James? I mean, I know, but I'm asking you so you can tell us. Um, well, we haven't actually met in person before, which I th- we haven't mentioned. I don't think we've mentioned that in, God, like 60 episodes of the podcast. So pe- a lot of people might not know that we have never actually met in person before. Yeah, yeah. We long discussed trying to record this episode right here. Um, when I say live, I'm putting that in quotes. Um, but, you know, just together in the same room, because we had never done that before. Uh, but, yeah, definitely never have never, ever met. But, yeah, it was, it was another chat forum that we met at. Mm-hmm. The Oratory, which I still frequent every day because it's got the best sports discussion on the Internet as far as I'm concerned. But uh, it, it's, you know, it's a wrestling fanboy forum, basically. And I don't watch wrestling anymore and haven't for quite some time. But I still go for the, the sports discussion and whatnot. Yeah, I haven't been to the oratory in, sadly, a long time. But um, I really do believe in what they're doing over at that site. 
Um, and later on, because um, Kellen's, you know, he sent in a voicemail. And one of the things he says is that initially it looked like Earth 2 was a spinoff site of the Oratory. Though it wasn't a spinoff, it was the Oratory that inspired me to start my own chat forums. So, you know, I have to give credit to Dave and everybody over there. Because, um, yeah, definitely if it weren't for the oratory, chances are Earth2.net, therefore World's Finest Podcast, would not exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, let's see, the seventh anniversary of Earth2.net just passed. And I think I was at the oratory for like a year or so before that, before I opened Earth2.net. So we've known each other for about eight years. Mm-hmm. Would be my guess. So Jesus Christ, wow! And it, we've never met. As we both said, wow. <laughs> it is pretty fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, as as far as how we decided to do the podcast, um, just in a nutshell, it's kind of funny. This podcast really wasn't going to be a podcast at first. All we were going to do was talk about our top ten favorite. Batman the Animated Series episodes, and even before that, it was another idea, and I'm going to get more in-depth on this in my uh, uh, Chronicle, my WFP Chronicle column. Ooh, you tease. (laughs) So uh, I'm not really going to say anything else on that. I want uh, people to read just really every little private message or column idea that went into forming what would become WFP. Um, and of course, you know, we're asked, you know, what our favorite DCAU characters are. We won't answer that now because I know that's going to come up later. Mm-hmm. Um, in my notes, I got us talking about our favorite voice actors, our favorite characters, and several other things. So we will get back to that. Next one is from Ryan, who writes, Hello there. I'm a newish listener to the episode, or to the show, I'm sorry. Uh, I started listening when I think you guys were on episode 75 or thereabouts. So I ended up having to play catch up with the podcast. But that was okay because this is and was a fantastic show. You guys have done a very wonderful job reviewing and analyzing the world of the DC Animated Universe, from BTAS to Justice League Unlimited, with a few stopovers in the Zeta Project, Gotham Girls, (laughs) and the Teen Titans. I've enjoyed the ride. Every time there is a new podcast out, it is like reconnecting with two old friends or two cool nerd brothers I don't have, the downside of being the only boy in my family. And while I may not have always agreed with you guys on the reviews of my favorite episodes and characters, I'm a sucker for the clock king, sue me. I've enjoyed your insight and, dare I say, wisdom behind your reasons. So thank you, Mike and James, for bringing me so much joy, laughter, tears, both from laughter and happy slash sad events, and all the wacky hijinks, Ian's clip shows, Stoner Mike, James's tirades, and so many more that have ensued on this grand adventure. I salute you, gentlemen, and wish uh, you a wonderful future in podcasting and your personal lives. Sincerely, Ryan. Thank you, sir. Next one is from Dimitri, who says, Congratulations for graduating. I have only two <laughs> things. Can you please rank all of the shapeshifters in the Ooh. DCAU? And somewhere in the Static Shock reviews, James had said uh, he would love to do a podcast devoted to South Park. Are you still considering it? Thanks, and sad to see you go. The shapeshifters, huh? Yeah. Okay, who are there? There's Madame Rouge... Martian Manhunter. Ink. Uh, Clayface. Okay, how would you rank them? I mean, I assume we're being asked to rank them in terms of their shape-shifting abilities, not anything else they can do, right? I, I was assuming it was just how our favorite to least favorite. I guess the first one would be Clayface, just because Ron Perlman um, is fucking awesome. <laughs> and, uh, the, and really, the character has... He's the, the focal villain of one of the most tragic episodes of 
any show in this universe. And um, after that would be Martian Manhunter, just because, I mean, hell, if it wasn't for him, they, the entire league would have been slaughtered by Amazo and uh, the, the White Martians and whoever else. Uh, after that, it's, you know, Ink and Madame Rouge, uh, both of they're kind of even. I'm not really high on either one. I think Ink could have been a great villain, but she was written terribly in at many points. Um, I guess I'd r- rank Madame Rouge third out of the four, just because she had better writing and, uh, better, a better, uh, villainous cast around her. So, uh, yeah, I guess that'll be my one through four. Yeah, I mean... I'm not really disagreeing with that ranking. I mean, I might switch Ink and Madame Rouge, um, but no, I, I, I'll leave it the same way you have it there. Um, oh, in case and in case anybody brings it up at the forums or an email, we're obviously not counting Annie because she was an extension of Clayface, right? Um, and as far as I can remember, she didn't do any shape changing on her own. No. Um, the closest she came, I think, is when dirt or mud got in her and it absorbed into her which is where we really found out what she was yep um so yeah she doesn't count if we forgot anybody we apologize you know bring it up over at the forums or again through email um as for the south park podcast anything is possible i haven't really thought about it in quite some time uh so this this email really just kind of reminded me that i had said that (laughs) but i would love to do a south park podcast somewhere down the road i absolutely would because as far as I'm concerned, that show is doing nothing but getting better and better, even in its 14th or 15th season, whatever it's on right now. So I would I would be thrilled to do a South Park podcast. I would just have to get uh, you know a co-host or co-hosts that uh, have as much love for the show as I do and the time. Yeah, I can I can tell you that probably wouldn't be me because I like South Park. Don't get me wrong, but I just. I'm not so in love with it that I'd want to do a podcast. You know, it's like there were a couple of seasons, maybe like four or five years ago, where I was watching every episode and I was loving every episode. And then I just stopped watching it, you know? So, yeah, like, 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 like I said, I can, I can kind of take or leave that show. So it definitely wouldn't be me, guys. But James, if you want to, if you can find some co-hosts and the time down the line, you know, just just let me know. All right, next one is from Kevin, who writes, Hello, Mike and James. I've been frantically trying to find a reason to write in for about a month now. In case I don't get a chance later, I wanted to leave you guys with some general thoughts about the show, the DCAU, and other random crap. Firstly, I love GL's line <laughs> in the leash. Sorry, sorry, that reminded me of that email from the last tirades. You guys have the – I love your sh- – I forget what, the, what was it again? I love your I love sh- your shit. I love your shit. Your shit is the best shit on the web. It's <laughs> <That is> great. <laughs> Uh, uh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> fantastic. Oh, yeah. Firstly, I love Jill's line in the Legion of Superheroes episode about how he likes the Legion ring, but he prefers his own, especially since I own and wear regularly both a Legion ring and a Green Lantern ring. Next, James, I love the new Tranquil Tyrant show. Keep up the good work. Uh, next, have either of you played DC Universe Online? It's awesome. No, I don't have a 360 or a PS3. Um, I think it's only PS3 and PC. Oh really? Oh, I assumed it. I just assumed it was on the Xbox 360. Um, but no, I I, I don't. I just I, I really don't have the time to play any sort of video games like that. Anyways, like every now and then I'll play like a web like Flash game or something. 
but I, I just don't have the time for regular video games. What about you? Have you played it? I have not. Um, obviously, I don't have a PS3. I, you know, of course, oh. I do have a PC, which is uh-huh. obviously what I would get it for. But yeah. it, there's, I believe, there is a monthly fee, and um, yeah. I don't have really the time or money to devote to that when I'm desperately trying to pay down my credit cards. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. I, I mean, if if and when it drops in price sometime down the road like the just the base game i may pick it up i i because I, I am intrigued by it i would like to play it but uh not right now not not for the oh, foreseeable future here's the other thing with me even if i did have a ps3 i still don't think i would play it because i am not a big fan of multiplayer games MMORPGs. especially especially multiplayer online games they are just not my thing i very much prefer playing a video game by myself um, I'm not even a fan of doing it with a buddy in the same room. Um, it, I, I don't know why that is. It's just how I am. I mean, when I had my Xbox and I had Xbox Live, I rarely used it because I just, I just didn't like going online to to play what, whatever what was that that flying game. It was a plane game. It was a really good one. Uh, I forget what it was called. It's like a, I don't know. It was something like everybody like loved Ace it. Ace Combat. No, not not that. It, it, I mean, it doesn't matter. But I would go online to play that every now and then. But I was like, eh, what do I care? I'd rather just play the computer and beat the missions and get to the end of the game more than anything else. Uh, and besides, I, I have uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3 right now. And, you know, I, if, I, if I want to play that, I can just get online and have uh, DW kick my ass from <laughs> ne- ne- till next Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> um, Literally, I played that with him uh, a couple weeks ago. I did not kill a single one of his characters. Yeah. He, he just slaughtered me. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's okay, well, though. You... If we played Rock Band, ooh, ooh. <laughs> well, I think he admitted that on the last uh, Extra Lives, I think episode 18. You know, he, he had said that pretty much that exact same thing. So, you know, you're good at one thing, not so much the other, and he's the opposite. So it balances out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next, I want to thank you guys for years of awesome podcasting. Yours was the first podcast I ever listened to. I started in at episode 51, but dedicated a solid week to listening to the first 50 episodes before Jesus. I... Jesus! <laughs> I always love hearing that. Uh, yeah. Before I started in on the new episodes. Because of you guys, I'm now a regular listener to the Tranquil Tirades, Earth Through at the Show, uh, formerly for your uh, ears only, uh, DJ Comics, Cavalcade, and Extra Lives. Wrapping up this email, I'd like to leave you with a thought. If Alan Scott's weakness is wood, and the Green Lantern Corp's weakness is the color yellow, then technically all Green Lanterns could be taken out by a number two pencil. <laughs> thanks, um, thanks and good yeah. luck, Kevin. <laughs> to, yeah, the Joker could do his little magic trick on any of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you see that image I posted in the randomness thread the other day? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's just say, people, it's not safe for work. And it's not a pencil the Joker makes disappear. <laughs> I love the look on Batman's face when the Joker says it. And he's like, uh. <laughs> like, yeah. no, no. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, go to the forums, go to the randomness thread, and uh, it's, it's, it's deep, deep in there, people. You'll yeah. like it. Yeah, the randomness thread is basically our place for posting th- just everything we that comes to mind at, at random moments of the day. And uh, stuff that are, are, is generally not suitable for daily lives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's funny images, too. It's random thoughts. Just whatever. Just whatever. If, you want, if you want one of those fake motivational posters, there you go. Right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Next email is from TJ, who writes, 
Mike and James, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. I can't believe that WFP has come to an end. And what better send off than episode 100? I'm sad to see this show end, but glad that I had the chance to be part of some, uh, something like WFP. I've been with the show since episode 24, and I've loved every minute of it since, even the Zeta Project era. I've emailed in a few times, but I've never taken the time to actually thank the two of you for the product you put out there, for free, no less, for us to enjoy. In fact, a few years ago, I had a painful ear infection for a couple weeks that really bummed me out, but re-listening to the first 28 episodes of WFP really helped me out. Over the years, the two of you have made me laugh, helped me see different viewpoints to think outside the box, and to further immerse myself into the world of comics, which has taught me a lot as well. I'll never forget the hilarious rants that both of you have had or the masterful work of Ian Wilson spending what I can only imagine is countless hours putting together those clip segments. I will call him a clip wizard, not a clip monkey. Plus, wizard fits more with the whole British thing. So let's not waste these precious last moments debating if it is in continuity or not. Let's just spend what little time we have left discussing what we all love, the DCAU. Thank you very much, guys, for the wonderful show and all the hard work over the years. I think the end of WFP will affect me more than the end of MASH. As long as you guys don't start waving at the end, I'll be okay. Not that it makes a difference since it's an audio program. Cheers, guys. Long Live, uh, live long and prosper. TJ. Wow. Um to have WFP compared to the ending of MASH. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, I've seen the last episode of MASH, I don't even know how many times, and I always well up um, at, at the end there. It, it always hits me. Um, it's just a great finale to an awesome program. So I don't know if we deserve such praise, but thank you for it. Wow. Yeah. Indeed. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, next one is from William, who writes, "Hey guys, well, 100 episodes. Do you remember how long, how your long and winding journey became or began as a segment on Earth2.net, the show? To your average person, it sounded like you recorded in a tunnel, but there was something special <laughs> underneath." No, I, I think there were fish bowls on our heads. <laughs> That's uh, what it really was. Well, with me, it was probably like a metal bucket or something. <laughs> yeah. uh, on your way, you have walked, talked, and thought. Yet through all of this, you've never lost your courage. You've grown steadily stronger, though you've experienced the pain of battle many times. So as you continue on your journey of podcasting with your next big projects, I want to wish you all good luck. I'll be here ready to listen. That all said, I have to thank you guys for getting me to Earth 2. I probably never would have learned uh, about the excellent community we have on the boards and all the splendid podcasts the site has to offer. So for me, what I will always take from the show, outside of my incontinuity t-shirt, buy a shirt, kids, <laughs> is a sense of belonging that I get from this site and all of its podcasts. Mike, I will be buying you a drink at C2E2 as a congrats for surviving 100 episodes. I'll probably also be buying Ian a drink since he had to put together two clip segments in four weeks' time. James, I'll buy Mike an additional drink since you won't be there, but it'll be in your honor. Thank you, sir. Uh, oh, and by the way, for anyone looking for a podcast to fill their WFP fix, well, then why don't you try to listen to Earth2.net's very own Extra Lives? I swear I'm not pimping it just to win a contest. Thanks for all the memories, Will. Oh yes, yes, uh, yeah. Let's let let let's do that right here. Um, we'll, we'll help Will win this. Um, yes, over on Extra Lives, they're having a contest to see who can uh, basically promote their show the best. Um, I forget what does what does the person win? I don't remember. Oh shoot! Um, but it's gonna the winner will be announced, I believe, in episode twenty. Episode nineteen comes out the Thursday after this episode of WFP. So make sure you go back and listen to eighteen, listen to nineteen, and hear the rules for that. Um, so if you do listen to Extra Live starting now, um, write in to DW and Aaron and let them know that it was Will's email on WFP one hundred that um, you know brought you to their video game 
program. Um, so so he can uh, win that contest they're having there. All right. Next one is from Brian, who writes, Hi, Mike and James. First off, in regards to episode 99, I also hear the voices of many of the actors when I read comics with the characters they portrayed in them. Now, on to general thoughts on WFP. I don't recall where I had heard about WFP, but I'm pretty sure it was my first Earth2.net podcast. I do remember, though, I didn't start listening at the beginning. I'm not sure what episode you were on when I started listening, but I started with episode one. And the day I caught up, I was excited because then I'd be able to leave feedback and not have to worry that someone had already mentioned what I did in an episode that I hadn't heard yet. So I not only want to thank the two of you for a hundred great shows, but for also being my gateway to the other awesome Earth2.net shows. While I may not have always agreed with some of what you said, you did help me look at the episodes in a new way, see things I hadn't noticed before, and give, even gave me an appreciation for Teen Titans. I'm still on the fence on the continuity thing. Pause for Mike to mention buying a shirt. But I do enjoy this show more now than I did before WFB. Thanks for all the time, dedication, and hard work you put into this show. And if anyone doesn't think some of it was hard, may I remind them of episodes such as The Terrible Trio and Toys in the Hood? I've... No, please don't remind us of those ones ever again. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's just going to be brought up again and again. Uh, I, know, I, I look know. forward to hearing more stuff from the two of you, whether it be projects with the others, such as Tranquil Tyrants or Bigger on the Inside, or projects the two of you do together. Thanks for an awesome show. P.S. The question is awesome and needs his own spinoff. If the DCAU crew were to ever come back and say, yeah, we are going to get Jeffrey Coombs or Combs, or however his name is pronounced, and do a question spinoff and it is in continuity, I'll be... Getting, I'll be, I'll be sending James a private message at the forum, going WFP's back, baby. So if you want WFP to come back, <laughs> write Warner Brothers and Paul Dini and Bruce Tim and all those guys and say, hey, we want our favorite podcast to come back. So please continue the DCAU with the question show. Please resurrect it, please. <laughs> I hope there's a question movie, a TV show, a cartoon, any sort of question material with Vic Sage as the lead, preferably with, um, again, I'm sorry, guys, I can never remember if it's Coombs or Combs, but with him uh, either in in the part in some capacity, actually, as the actor uh, in a live-action show or him doing the voice. Because he's just a question for me. Absolutely. All right, next one's from Patrick who writes, Hello, after months of listening to your podcast and loving your reviews of the whole DCAU, I want to say that your show will be missed. I kind of wondered if you guys plan on taking the animated Marvel universes like the 90s Spider-Man and X-Men. That would be a great podcast project, but that's just me. To me, WFP was a way-back machine to the good, the bad, and the crappy of the DCAU. James's impression of Natasha Fatal from Rocky and Bullwinkle, I mean the witch from JLU who wanted Lex, was funny. It was like channeling June Foray. I think it's kind of funny he mentions the Wayback Machine because that's the last sentence to the intro of my WFP column. Oh, nice. nice. Damn it. <laughs> oh, uh, here are some things you may have forgotten in some of your reviews. In the Teen Titans episode, Don't Touch That Dial, the trap Beast Boy uses on, the, on Control Freak is none other than a reference to Superman 1 and 2 when General Zod and the other two villains were in prison. Mother May I is voiced by Billy Hayes, who was in the classic Sid and Marty Croft kids show H&R Puff and Stuff and Lidsville. Summer Gleason from BTAS first appeared in, in a Tasmania episode, Is It Taz, as one of the people working on the show. And Batman's line, Don't You Have a Tall Building to Go Leap, is a nod to Superman's famously tall building single bound. Well, obviously. Uh, I like WFP, and it will be missed, but I still down, I'll still download the series in back episodes, Patrick. Next one is from Garfield from the forums, who writes, Mike and James, first of all, sorry, Mike, for sending you that spoilerific email a month ago. I knew not what I did. It's sad that we're finally at the end of World's Finest Podcast, but we all know that it couldn't go on forever. I'm grateful for all the time you've given me to uh, 
for all the time you've given me to kill time with listening to. You've both also greatly affected the way I watch television now. I can't let a plot hole pass without not or with not without commenting on it. It's all your fault. Since we're at the end, I thought I'd mention the highlights of the show and the podcast. First of all, the voice cast deserves a lot of attention and credit for what it accomplished throughout the run. A few of them come to mind. For one, Kevin Conroy can't be overlooked in the DCAU, though honestly, I don't think he was the best actor of the whole franchise. He did fit the role like a glove, though, and honestly, getting both the lighthearted Bruce Wayne and the gruff Batman uh, was not easy. He mastered that by the end. Michael Rosenbaum did a masterful job as Wally West. I had never held much interest in his character, but he hooked me with the performance. He's the most likable character in the DCAU, with the only possible exception of Beast Boy. We can't uh, go through this without mentioning Tara, uh, Tara Strong as Raven. She gave so much life to a character that was dreadfully flat before Teen Titans became a show. It's such a shame that she wasn't given such a personality in the comics since, uh, since, but that's neither here nor there. She also gets props for playing Batgirl, a feat that Mike is no doubt well aware of. Hinden Walsh was great as Starfire and made her lovable beyond measure and showed that sometimes the girls can be the best characters on a superhero show. Also, Clancy Brown was fantastic as Lex Luthor. He even made the Trident episode of Teen Titans not a total disaster by being there. From Shawshank Redemption and Star Trek in live action to the DCAU, Avatar The Last Airbender, and even Phineas and Ferb in animation, he always plays a character you either have to fear or respect. As to the characters Raven, Starfire, and Beast Boy, uh, they deserve a lot of credit for making what could have been a disaster series into an awesome one. Mercy and Harley Quinn were some of the best villainous characters I've ever seen. Also, I'd like to say that, though everyone will mention him, Superman was a great character through the whole run. He made some stupid mistakes and been downright callous occasionally, but he was able to show the internal conflict Superman has always had. Before you count this out, consider how, the, how shitty those attempts have been before, i.e. Smallville or Superman Returns. Lastly, I need to mention my favorite moments in the show, Stoner Mike. Seriously, there needed to be way more of those reviews. I can't listen to those without standing up uh, and doubling over. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Does anybody want to supply me with the stuff that I need to make that happen? You know? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> uh, careful, Mike. <laughs> Any of the counts. Why did you stop the robot counts? There were way yeah, too fucking many of those in the show, from Hard Act to those shitty Slade bots. Hey. <laughs> the slave bots were not shitty. <laughs> well, I, I think the only time we really hated on them was in Things Change. Because it was a cheap way to get Slade into that episode, but it's not Slade. I think that, I, yeah, otherwise the slave bots were okay, I guess. But yeah, we just, I think we just... Kind of forgot? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it happens. Um, yeah, sorry. I to say that I mentioned Robot Alert one time during the Justice League reviews. Uh, but I can't remember. Yeah. Well, was it the one where uh, Supergirl, uh, where, where we first see Galatea or whatever her no, name was? No, this was back during Justice League, not Justice League Unlimited. Oh, okay, pardon me. So I don't, I don't remember what it would have been though. Maybe, maybe it was the the Manhunters from ugh, In Blackest Night. Oh yeah. I don't know. Oh well. Uh, let's see. Any time there was a bad static episode, those reviews were always fun to listen to. Both of your imitations of characters. Please tell me Ian will play clips of that. Maybe. And last of all, the, all the times both of you made me laugh, which was more than I can count. I'm honestly sad that the show is over. I wish there was more to do, but you've run out of material. So I have to say thank you for all the entertainment value you've given me. You've made me think more often than not about uh, these great shows. Good luck with your future projects, and I'm glad uh, I enjoyed a great show, Jacob. Thank you. Thank you. Next one is from Michael, who writes, Hey, guys. I know I said I wouldn't be emailing back, uh, 
but there are a couple of things I left out last time. First off, recently watching episode one of Young Justice. Awesome show, by the way. While watching even even though it's not clearly in the it's clearly not in the DCAU continuity, it still shares some similarities. For instance, Project Cadmus is broken into in the first episode. I'm looking forward to watching this show while it airs. Second off, I was curious if it is possible to make a Deathstroke slash Slade oriented movie. Sure it might have to be an eighteen A or R rated movie, but I, I wouldn't care. I don't know the origin uh, story of Deathstroke. I think he lost his son, but I don't know. As well, as, as well, I'm not sure your plans after WFP, but how about a Criminal Minds podcast? Yeah, I know the show is very repetitive, and it's hard to do a podcast while the show is still airing, but it's an interesting idea. If you did do this podcast, you could spin off into the uh, new Criminal Minds show, Suspect Behavior. While it has been a pleasure listening to you, I hope all, uh, I, I wish you all the best in your days to come, and Mike, have a happy wedding. Not sure if it's still the 11th, but if so, that's my sister's birthday. Thank you. It is still that date. Um... Yeah, I mean, Criminal Minds is that um, Law and Order? Well, no, that's uh, th- that's the show on. Uh, I think it actually originated on A and E. It's on Ion right now in oh, okay. syndication. It's got um, uh, Joe Mantegna and uh, God, who else? I'm trying to think of. Um, What's his name? Thomas Gibson, I think is his name. Uh, but yeah, okay. that I love the show, but he is right. It's it, it is very repetitive. The the, okay. the uh, storytelling or, or you know the scripts are very repetitive in their structure. So mm-hmm. it would probably be a pretty hard thing to do a podcast on. But I still love the show. Okay, yeah, I'm not sure I've ever seen it. Obviously, I thought it was a Law and Order spinoff. Um, now, as for a Deathstroke or Slade movie, you know the question is, would Slade be the lead? Because if he's the lead then you have to make him, you, you can't have him be a villain. You know, he has to be, at the very least, an anti-hero. Um, and then you start watering Slade down. Um, then again, when Slade's written right, he's not totally a villain, if you really look at him. If you look at the way Marv Wolfman was doing him. But anyways, um, so do you want a Slade movie where he's not just being a total badass? You know what I'm saying? Um, I'd rather have some sort of Teen Titans movie where Slade was going after them or bring Slade into the Batman continuity, um, into the Nolanverse. I know we're not going to get that in the Nolan films, but maybe if someone continues that continuity after Nolan, they could do it. And yeah, they can make it work. It probably would have to be, you know, an R-rated or 18A, as as the email said. But so what? You can you can have R-rated uh, um, comic book movies. Blade was R-rated. Punisher and Punishers are R-rated. You know, Blade's the movie that pretty much kickstarted the whole uh, uh, comic book uh, movie renaissance that we have right now. A lot of people really want to give credit to X Men and Spider Man, but you have to go back to Blade. You really do. Um, and I find it interesting that it started off with an R-rated movie. So sure, sure, there could be a Deathstroke movie. But again, you're going to have to water him down a little. Yeah. And I've long said who I'd want my Slade to be, and that's Kiefer Sutherland. Because I know that's the next natural thought. Oh, who's, if you're going to do the movie, who's, the, who's Slade? Well, Kiefer, for me. Yep, that could definitely work. All right, next one is from Jake, who writes, Hey, Mike and James, haven't listened from the very first episode and following along by re-watching my DVDs. It's hard to believe the show is ending. World's Finest was my favorite podcast to listen to. Not to say I didn't enjoy, or I don't enjoy Tranquil Tirades or Bigger on the Inside or the other fine Earth 2 shows. I do, but World's Finest was something special, and for that I'm going to miss it. There's dozens of favorite moments I have, but perhaps the one that makes me laugh no matter what is the time I wrote a letter to you guys pointing out Kirk Langstrom's wife wasn't wearing a shirt when she turned into She-Man Bat. 
I said it was uh, full frontal bat nudity, and for that, Michael called me a pervert. However, in that very same episode of WFP, Michael spent a godly amount of time trying to figure out the sex of Baby Doll's dog by looking for the teats. I don't know what goes through Michael's mind sometimes. I honestly don't. I don't either. I really, <laughs> really don't. <laughs> well, here's a little teaser for the upcoming episode of Earth 2.net, the show, our review of The Dark Knight. Do you remember that dream I said I had? Yeah. You might not remember. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember, like, as I was telling you guys that, they're just going to be like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was right. Once it came out of, my, out of my mouth, you both sort of sat there like, okay. <laughs> How did we find that? <laughs> yeah, and uh, just so you guys know, that is staying in the show. That is not being edited out, so you will get to get a little insight into my dreamscape. <laughs> <laughs> It is Inception. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, congratulations to you, James, and to you, Michael, for crossing the finish line and enduring so much. If, if I can leave you guys with one more interesting tidbit, now that you know Phil Lamar was the voice of both Static and Green Lantern, it puts a whole new meaning on the scene in the once and future thing when Kevin Conroy does double duty as Old Man Bruce and Batman interrogating Ghoul while Static tells Green Lantern it's all relative. Yeah, it does. Thanks again, guys. Thank you. All right. Next one is from Joshua, who writes, Hi, guys. Congratulations on finishing your podcast. I will miss it, but I thank you for the many hours of enjoyment. A few final thoughts on the DCAU. I applaud the creators for creating a tightly coordinated universe. While other series have a universe, such as the Marvel Universe of the 90s, it was not nearly as interconnected and expansive. Being as careful with continuity as they were was a big step forward for superhero media. Their only major continuity blunder, as far as I can tell, is that the Hoop Squad was not present in the climactic battle at the end of Justice League Unlimited. <clears throat> And believe me, that was a very welcome oversight. <laughs> My Can you imagine if they showed up out of nowhere? <laughs> I, I'm just trying to picture Steve Nash battling parademons. Oh, wow. No. Um, Shaq delivers the final blow to Darkseid. <laughs> well, Shaq wasn't even in the Hoop Squad. I thought he was in the Hoop Squad, no? No, no, no. That was Oh, that's right, because it didn't make alone. sense that he wasn't when he had already... Yeah, okay, yeah. But yeah. you were hoping they would, like get their zords to turn into captain shaquille o'neal or something yeah something you know <laughs> uh a few bests to mention most well-done characters the flash huntress and hawk girl I, I expected to love the mainstays like superman batman and wonder woman and i did but the team did a great job of making me love the lesser followed comic book characters uh the best characters with limited roles have to be zatanna uh, Raven and Starfire. Satana had little uh, had little screen time, but she was very well done in her limited appearances, giving you a great feel for her character. Raven and Starfire were portrayed brilliantly in the Teen Titans, and make this list for me because they appear only in Teen Titans, which was a tragedy. Ramad would make this list, but I feel he was done much better in, in the Titans than in Batman, where he was underused. It may well have been necessary, but it did hinder his development as a character. Uh, the character most improved by the DCAU would be Mr. Freeze, easily. He went oh, yeah. from a cartoonish Dick Tracy-style mobster with a cold fetish to a deep, thoughtful, sympathetic villain. Others were also improved, such as the Joker, in characterization at least, and Darkseid, but the radical improvement of Mr. Freeze forever changed even the comic book version of the DC superhero world. The best character original of the DCAU, third place goes to Mercy, who became a comic mainstay because of Superman the Animated Series, where she was a thoughtful but very flawed woman. Runner-up is Harley Quinn, who became a regular in the comics because of BTAS. She was funny and lovable and a little pathetic, clinging to the Joker as she did, a character you feel for and hope can do better. 
With respect to those characters, though, the winner for me is clearly Rosalie Rowan from the Zeta Project. She was a spunky, cute, smart, and just lovable on uh, about ev- any level you can imagine. Watching the series, you really rooted for her and hoped she could make a good life for herself. She was actually exactly the kind of girl I would fall back for in my teenage years, and she actually reminds me of my old high school girlfriend, so she has a special place in my heart. It was a tragedy that the series, while reasonably good, was lacking uh, in the same depth and powerful storylines as most of the DCAU. That, however, doesn't make her character any less lovable, and I thought she was portrayed brilliantly both in characterization and voice acting. A wonderful character I hope DC Comics or Warner Brothers will someday somehow let me see more of one day. I, let me jump in here. I really doubt they will. I mean, they're just now making a real effort to try to find a place for Terry McGinnis as Batman. So bringing in a Zeta Project character, a spinoff of a spinoff, and a poor, a, you know, a, a spinoff that didn't do so well, you know, I, I, I'm sorry. It's it's just never going to happen. I, I, I'm, I'm really sorry to burst her bubble like that. Um, all I can say is, if you want her in the comics, um, become a comic book writer and you know start working for DC. And I'm not even joking about this. Um, and maybe a few years down the line, after you've established yourself there, they'll let you do something with her. Because um, we see that with comics all the time. You know, the reason Barry Allen's back, Hal Jordan's back, is because people who are in charge right now grew up with them as their Flash, as their Green Lantern, and they want them back. And I think we're going to see, in another 10, 15, 20 years, the people who grew up with Kyle as Green Lantern and a lot of characters from the 90s, they're going to be being in charge, and they're going to bring those characters back to the forefront. So if you want uh, uh, Rosalie Rowan, there's really the only way to to make it happen. Yep. Um, I... I have to remind people we actually got an email from uh, the voice actress who uh, portrayed Roe, which again I thought that was one of the greatest moments really of WFP. I thought it was really cool. Oh shit, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, getting back into the email here. Uh, best voice talent. Honorable mention has to go to Maria Canals as Hot Girl and Rosenbaum, uh, Michael Rosenbaum as The Flash. Maria Canals, also known as Alex Russo's mom on The Wizards of Waverly Place, was com- complex and deep, and her portrayal was very heartfelt and genuine. The Flash was done brilliantly by Rosenbaum, who made an often shallow character one of the most lovable in the series. Overall, there is a four-way tie for me. Mark Hamill as the Joker was brilliant, and while others have done the Joker justice, I always compare any other's portrayal to Mark Hamill's. Tara Strong's Raven was deep, and the subtleties were done expertly, making you feel that Raven was real. Hendon Walsh's Starfire could not have been more perfect, combining innocence and determination to great effect. And Tim Daly was brilliant as Superman, providing the character's definitive performance for me. George Newbern was very solid, but Daly was far better, perhaps because he got the opportunity to portray uh, both Clark Kent and Superman, which gave him a better grasp of the character. It is worth noting that Newbern's performances improved dramatically after Starcrossed, where he actually got to portray Clark a little bit. I notably left off Kevin Conroy. I want to say that I'm not saying he was inferior, only hard to grade for me. He was perfect in Batman Beyond and the Justice League, probably the best actor of the bunch. However, early in BTAS, when the creator seemed unsure of how serious and mature to make the series, some of his performances were a bit cartoonish, such as the cringeworthy, I can't see, <laughs> declaration. I don't want to grade against him for that as much as... Uh, as it was much uh, as much the writers and producers' fault as his, but it makes his overall performance a little difficult to grade. He was, however, great. Best Mike moment: his review of War World. That stoner review never fails to leave my brother in stitches. 
Everybody loves that fucking thing. Uh, I do too. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm not knocking it. I'm just, I just, when I was doing it, I just didn't realize it would become like my definitive moment on the show. That's awesome. Well, dude, I got to tell you, I, I had to hold back laughter like hardcore during yeah. your during your stoner reviews because I was just like I had to mute my microphone I was laughing so much <laughs> uh, best James moment when reviewing an email about who resembles what DC character James said and I quote come on I'm fucking Kid Flash <laughs> Chris Hansen has been sent the clip <laughs> oh noes <laughs> uh, thank you for the hours of enjoyment and for keeping me company during my hours of boring work I wish you both the best and hope you guys can find ways to collaborate in the future either as a new podcast or on earth2.net segments a sad but grateful farewell Josh thank you Josh thank you next one is from Will who writes dear Mike and James I've been listening since episode 2 and have found joy with every installment of World's Finest to the point where it has expanded my podcast listening to accommodate the other Earth 2 shows I have a couple of quick questions for episode 100 given that I'll never be able to ask them again Number one, which characters would you have liked to see in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited who had not been introduced in a previous series, like uh, BTAS or Superman? Wow. Um, shoot. Um, I don't know. Yeah, me neither, i got to tell you. Because <laughs> <laughs> they introduced so many characters, even if it was just in the background. You know, um, Guy Gardner. I mean, we got pretty much all the other Earth-based Green Lanterns except Guy. I don't know what was going on with that. Um, you, are there any you can think of off the top of your head? Uh, God, not really. I mean, you know, if they could have gotten some of the uh, the other Teen Titans in there yeah. somewhere, that would have been cool. Like, if, uh, I don't know, Donna Troy or somebody, but... Mm -hmm. Uh, I honest to God cannot think of any anyone else off the top of my head. Um, I'll throw in shoot, I had someone and now I just lost whoever it was. Oh no. Oh, I'm sorry, I had someone because I think did we kinda of talk about this last time? Well, villains. I know I think we did some villains last time. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm at a loss right now. Yeah, I am I really am too. And I, I it pains me because I did have um, a, a character I thought they could have they could have used, um, but at the same time you have to think that if they introduced any more characters, they were going to have to find ways to use them, which means what we were given would have to change. And I really wouldn't change too much of what we were given. There's a few things such as Hawk and Dove. We can pretty much get rid of that goddamn episode uh -huh. and, and bring in like an Aztec Guy Gardner episode. It would be better than that Hawk and Dove episode was. Um, I can't imagine why you'd want to bring those two in into an episode. <laughs> no, no, no I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan or nothing. Before this email's over, if I can remember who I had the idea to bring in, um, I'll blurt it out, but I'm not sure I'm going to remember. Sorry. Uh, second question is, which of the shows uh, is your favorite overall? And while we're on that topic, which of the shows is your least favorite? We'll definitely be covering that in the back half of this show. Yeah. Uh, thank you for taking the time to do this podcast over the last few years. It has been a genuine pleasure to listen to you both, and I hope to hear you alongside one another for a new show in the near future. Will. Thank you. Uh, next one is from Reese, who writes, Hey, Mike and James, words can't describe my gratitude for your podcast. I was on iTunes one day and randomly searched for Justice League. I don't know why I chose to search for that. Justice League was a show I'd seen when I was younger and my only exposure to the DCAU. You opened my eyes to not only the rest of this fantastic universe, but also to Earth2.net, of which I am a loyal fan. Mike, I know you've said 
uh, Earth2.net is supposed to make people feel good about their geekiness, but I reconnected uh, with it through this podcast. Congrats on making it through the good times and the bad times. Thanks, <laughs> Reeks. P.S. Have you guys seen any of the trailers for Batman Arkham City? If you have, what do you think? Holy oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> that pretty I, much I, sums it up right there. Yeah, I finally saw the trailer. Well, is it a spoiler to say who's in that badass trailer? Um, I don't know how much of a spoiler that is. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's it's out there for people to see. It, it is a trailer, so... Okay, well, yeah, there's a trailer. I think it's been out since, like, Christmas time, too, hasn't it? Yeah, I just happened it has to just been around see it. for a while. Yeah, okay, this trailer's got Hugo Strange in it, and it is awesome. I mean, it made me... Earlier I had said, I don't have an Xbox 360, I don't have a PS3, I don't even really have the time to play console games, but this made me want to make the time and to buy the systems just for that game. It looks brilliant. Mm. Um, the, the voice acting in there was really good, the computer models were great. There's this real subtle moment where Batman just shifts his eyes because he realizes something is happening off to the side or behind him. And, um, I mean, it's just this real quiet little moment that they didn't have to add, but because they did, it shows you that they get what Batman is. If he hears something, he's not going to spin around. He's just going to do a real tiny little gesture to, to indicate that he knows something's going down. Something bad is going down at that. Mm-hmm. Couldn't say any better myself. And I, you know, I, I played and beat the first game. It was, it was great. It had a couple of flaws, but it was easily, easily the best comic book video game ever. Hmm. Wow. And I'm pretty sure that this game is going to eclipse that. Um, getting back to the email real quick, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad for you, Reese, that, uh, you know, you, you, you reconnected uh, with, with your geekiness through WFP, because you're right, that's what I've always said, w, or, uh, Earth2.net and uh, all its various shows are about is you know, making people realize that it's okay to be a geek and that we are all geeks about something. Even things you don't necessarily think are geeky. Like, James, you know, let, let's say you weren't into the DCAU, right? Mm -hmm. You're still really into baseball, if I'm correct. Oh, yes. Yeah, you know stats. You know these guys. That makes you a baseball geek. Just damn, plain and simple. Damn right it does. <laughs> but most people would say, oh, I'm a baseball fan. No. Like, watch, if you just watch baseball, then you're a fan. But if you know the stats and you really know, like, a lot of things about the players, that makes you a geek on the same level as it does James and myself for knowing things about comic book characters. Um, so, yeah, that's exactly what this show, or not just this show, but the entire site is about. So I'm glad um, that, um, that that worked out for you there, Reese. Indeed. Next one is from David, who writes, Dear Michael and James, from myself and the rest of us here uh, at Cool Shite on the Tube, congratulations. You've done something pretty incredible in this day and age. You've set out to do something epic, and you have achieved it. I stumbled onto your podcast after doing our little wrap-up of the DC Animated Universe in a single episode many years back now. I was looking to see if anyone had uh, really taken the time to give the DCAU the attention it so richly deserved, and if they hadn't, maybe I would try. But there, you, there were you guys taking it step-by-step, step, starting at at the very beginning, and really giving the episodes the time they deserved. I was into the Batman stuff, but really jumped on proper for Superman episodes because they really hadn't aired here in Australia, at least not properly. I love Batman Beyond and was so happy to see uh, that 
that it got some attention. It was ecstatic to see the love given to Return of the Joker, a film which is uh, still the high watermark for DC storytelling for me. It continued on through Teen Titans, which I had only skimmed but still loved, and into Justice League and JLU, all the while being entertaining and fun. I didn't always agree with your opinions, and I still think that you're uh, disagreeing with what the writers do with a character does not make it character assassination, but simply interesting writing. But that's an old argument and one which is really moot now. And hell, if we all agreed about everything, it'd get pretty boring pretty quick. Thank you for doing it all, from Gotham Girls and Lobo to some of the animated films which many would try to ignore. You didn't miss a beat, and I'm so impressed with you guys. You have looked at this Mount Everest and said, fuck it, why not? <laughs> for that, you have my undying respect. Cheers, lads. David. Thank you. Thank you, David. Indeed. Thank you very much. <laughs> Next one is from Sophia, who writes, Hey, Mike and James. Well, you guys finally did it. You have successfully finished World's Finest Podcast. Though it does upset me that this podcast will be going, like every other listener is, I want to thank you for all your hard work uh, for putting WFP together. WFP was my first podcast I subscribed to and started listening to, and it showed me the wonderful things you can get out of a podcast. You guys are hilarious in every way and very, very, very entertaining. Again, I'm sad to see this wonderful podcast ending, but I will look forward to the other podcasts you guys may do together and other podcasts on Earth2.net. Thanks again for your dedication to WFP and making my Wednesdays a lot more exciting. Thank you, Sophia. Uh, next one is from Doug, who writes, Hey guys, Doug here. Is WFP just now ending? It seems like just yesterday I found my first episode, which was episode 7. That soon uh, led to me sending in feedback and then joining the forums, which became a very big part of my life. WFP helped me through some very hard and dark times in my life and kept me going, so thank you. Thank you for every other week giving me 40 minutes to two hours of laughter. You guys did a terrific job at reviewing the shows, and I'm sure the creators of the shows will be proud to know what they caused. WFP is also really helped shape Earth2.net and made it possible for other podcasts to join and many more members to join. I know we will all miss your voices on our iPods and other MP3 players. Uh, good job, gentlemen. I hope wherever you guys go from here is, is as successful as WFP was. Thank you, Doug. Thanks. Next one is from Kristen, who writes, Hello, Mike and James. I would like to congratulate you both on an amazing job covering the DCAU for the past several years. I found your podcast around Episode 5 and have been laughing along with the two of you since. With the economy going south and the constant layoffs at my company, the antics, imitations, and general insanity you two have offered up has helped to keep a smile on my face. My childhood love of Batman and the rest of the DC has been resurrected due to you two gentlemen. I figured this will be the last time I will be able to ask either of you a few questions, so here it goes. I've been fascinated with the Andre character from, uh, Andrea character from Phantasm since I saw the first, uh, first saw the movie, and the flashbacks and epilogue re-sparked my interest. Where did the Andrea character come from? Is she strictly a DCAU character? No, she, she was a DCAU original. Uh, she did make her way to the comics, but those were... Um... Uh, uh, the DCAU comic books. Her first appearance, I'm just reading this uh, online here, was a Batman and Robin Adventures Annual number one. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, it doesn't look like she's actually made it into the uh, regular DC continuity at all. All right. Number two, if she is only a DCAU character, were the writers inspired by Kevin Conroy's antics in the sound booth? Oh, Andrea. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know what's going on with that, so I don't know. <laughs> the writer asks here, did she ever appear in any comics after the DCAU? Uh, as far as we know, no. Yeah. Um, thank you again, gentlemen, for filling the last two or the last few years with your wit, humor, and unintended joking. <laughs> Thankfully, <laughs> Kristen. P.S. Thanks to the clip monkey as well. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> Next one. So is many flubs. So many flubs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> 
Oh, Barbara does care deeply for Dick, after all. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next one is from Tom, otherwise known as Stavros, our good friend from the forums. Uh, hi, Mike and James. Well done, guys. WFP has been the standard for TV review podcasts, and 100 episodes is an awesome achievement. It's no wonder that other shows on this site have modeled themselves on this format. It was a clear winner from the start, and personally, it inspired me to go beyond the small sections of Batman and Justice League that I'd seen in order to keep up with the show. Not for Static or Zeta, obviously. We all have our limits. Although I'm glad you you two had the moral (laughs) fortitude to actually sit down and watch them. (laughs) The only reason I ever looked at Teen Titans was because WFP was covering it. And usual arguments aside, it was a really fun show. So thanks for introducing me to it. I'm glad that you guys chose to cover it. It's clear that WFP has brought a lot of people who didn't know about Earth2.net to the site. And of the fans that are out there, DCAU fans are probably among the best. There's certainly people who value good TV. Beats that Smallville crowd. I'm sure there's zero crossover there, and we wouldn't want fans of that show on our lovely site anyway. <laughs> uh, Smallville is the legend of Chun-Li of TV shows. Wow! <laughs> Those are some harsh words there, sir. Um, we were just lucky that the DCAU was there to balance out uh, DC's televisual legacy. Thanks for all your hard work. It's really appreciated. I can't wait to see your next podcast uh, projects, Stavros. P.S. It's not. It's just not. And every time you say it is, it's like you're taunting me personally. However, at C2E2, I'll try to stay quiet on the matter. What's the old saying? Never discuss religion, politics, or continuity. (laughs) That should be a new shirt. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Get on that, sir. Yeah. And the last email today is from Aaron, who writes, I toyed around with what to say in this email, it being for your final episode and all, and I thought about sneaking one last continuity argument in, but thought better. Finally, I figured it out. Gentlemen... It's been an honor, Aaron. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you, Aaron. Yes. Okay, so now, as I said earlier, we have a bunch of emails to play. We are going to start off... Oh, I'm sorry. What? Voicemails. I said emails. I meant voicemails to play. Uh, let's see. I'm looking at the list of them. Um, we'll start off with our pal, Glade. Hey, Mike and James. It's Glade. I wrote in to you guys on episode 50. I actually wish I wrote to you guys more, but the other listeners basically covered what questions I had and whatnot. So, I just wanted to say thank you for what you guys have done. More than just the podcasting, you got me into podcasting. Whether that be a good thing or a bad thing, that's a different story. But I just wanted to thank you, because if it weren't for you guys, it I, I don't know what I'd be doing in my spare time anymore. So, Thank you. And even though World's Finest Podcast is coming to an end, or is at an end, I'll still be listening to the rest of the Earth 2 podcasts. So, again, thank you. And in the words of Batman at the end of Justice League... This is the single dumbest plan I've ever heard. Sorry, I don't know how that got in there. Gentlemen, it's been an honor. Um, and you know what, before we respond to Glades, we're actually going to play one from Mike Blanchard. Hello, Mike and James. This is Mike Blanchard, also known as TFG1 Mike from the GeekCast Radio Network. Uh, I'm calling in for episode 99 of WFP. Um, wanted to point a few things out to you guys that you had brought up in 98. I wanted to give you something to think about, actually. Uh, first of all, Mike, I gotta call you out. You made a Batman Forever joke during the epilogue uh, talk back that you guys did. You had said when you were talking about Amanda Waller not having the, you know, the phantasm refusing to kill Terry's parents. And Mike, you had said if sh- if the phantasm had killed his parents, that would have tainted Batman forever. 
<laughs> I got a real chuckle out of that. I don't know if you guys caught on to that. Another thing I have to point out, uh, and this is just my own opinion, this is just my own theory of, of this, we all know there are multiple copies of the Brainiac program. If you go back and look at Twilight, that was one copy of the Brainiac program that Darkseid chose to make a deal with and ultimately, ultimately betray Brainiac. So the way I look at it is when the asteroid, the Brainiac asteroid blew up, Brainiac program melded with Darkseid's dead body, thus in Destroyer giving us Darkseid Brainiac. Because if you notice, that new design for Darkseid is, that's all Brainiac bits. All the white stuff all over him, and all the different compartments, that's all Brainiac tech, it looks like. It looks just like Brainiac tech to me. Whereas on the flip side, it was another version of the Brainiac program that had melded with Luthor in uh, Divided We Fall. So, you know, you guys can agree or disagree, doesn't matter to me. Uh, the other thing I'd like to point out is that my only issue with Epilogue... And I understand, I'll, I'll say this up front, my only issue with Epilogue, and I understand that that was their exclamation point to Justice League Unlimited, uh, because they weren't sure if they were going to get another 13 episodes, which they did. I wish they would have done what they did with the new Batman Superman Adventures, that theme that you absolutely love, James, and I love it too. I wish they would have done that with uh, the JLU and the Batman Beyond theme and mesh those two together, because... While Epilogue technically is a Batman Beyond episode, and yes, we do have the Justice League callback uh, during, you know, the Justice League flashback during that episode, I, I don't, I feel so out of place seeing the Justice League Unlimited intro on Epilogue. It just, it feels out of place to me. So there you go, guys. Um, great run. A uh, very awesome podcast. World's Finest Podcast is one of the first podcasts I had ever listened to. I, I gotta say, I think I've said this before, I'm not sure, but I originally thought World's Finest Podcast was done by the creators of the DCAU, Bruce, Tim, and everybody. Mike and his sneaky uh, artist titles with Project Cadmus. Uh, I, I honestly thought that this was a Bruce, Tim production, but, you know, I'm glad I've gotten to know you guys over 100 episodes, over, you know, joining the forums at Earth2.net and becoming a part of that community. Uh, just keep up the great work. Can't wait to see what you guys do next. And I will be sending in an episode uh, uh, voicemail for episode 100. See you then. TFG1 Mike's World's Finest Podcast, episode 100, voicemail. Hey, Mike and James. I cannot believe it's been five years for WFP. I looked in my iTunes feed, and episode one was released April 25th, 2007. Now, granted, I did not come in until, I believe, somewhere in 2008, June of 2008, maybe? I remember June is when I, June of 08 is when I joined the forums. I do remember Marathon listening to the first 20 episodes. Uh, you guys have followed me through three different moves uh, since 2009. I've listened to World's Funnest Podcast the entire time. It's the one podcast that I really was looking forward to every other Wednesday. Although there are some times I wish it was weekly, but I understand, you know, schedules and all that good stuff. I just want to say thank you to you guys because this is not an undertaking I could I would have even thought of doing 
Uh, and of course, I didn't start podcasting myself until 2008. Actually, I've told this story before. Outside of a few other podcasters, World's Finest Podcast was my stepping stone. Listening to you guys was my, is actually what's, you know, made my brain say, hey, you can podcast, just pick something that you like. And then, of course, the TFD on podcast came. But anyway, uh, World's Finest Podcast, you guys have done an amazing job. Regardless if uh, certain episodes are not in continuity, I'm sorry, I had to go there. Um, but, you know, I honestly, objectively, I'm glad that you guys did do Teen Titans. Listening to your reviews didn't make me want to go out and watch the series, but I did look up some of the episodes that you had talked about on YouTube Teen Titans just isn't my thing, and that's all I'm going to say on that. Overall, very glad, very happy with what you guys have put out with, uh, have given us over the last five years. I mean, you've dedicated your lives to doing the, what I've called since I first started listening, the definitive DCAU companion. I mean, it really is. So thank you. Can't wait to see what you guys do in the future. WFP 100. Woo! Gentlemen, it's been an honor. Uh, the reason I played these back-to-back -back is because um, they both had a similar theme in them, in that they, they, they said that World's Finest Podcast um, helped inspire them to become podcasters. And this is something I wanted to address later, but I'll, I'll address it in some part now. That's something I never expected. Yeah. Um, you know, when I started podcasting, you know, with Earth 2.net at the show, and then, you know, spun out in the World's Finest Podcast, and so on and so forth... I was just doing it because I was just fucking around, you know. I just I just wanted to see what it was like, and I really liked it, so I kept doing it. I never thought people would want to do it because I was doing it, or in the in the case of you and me, because we were doing it, you know. Um, so when I, whenever we get emails like that or voicemails like that, it it still even today it surprises me. I'm like, really? Wow, that's that's cool, you know? <laughs> that we've left that kind of legacy, that we've touched people like that. Um, it's it's like I said, it's it's always a surprise, even even all these years later. Um, all all I can say is, um, you know, I, I I think some people would expect the response to be "you're welcome," but more accurately, or at least, you know, for me, I should say, the response is actually thank you for uh, letting us inspire you and, and for writing in and, and letting us know that we inspired you to, to do that. Um, I'm, yeah. glad that I'm glad that the, our show's quality was so good, apparently, that it did inspire people. And mm -hmm. I, I like how, you know, in Stavros's email there, he's, you know, he's saying that our format has been, you know, copied many times because people people think it's a great format to follow so that that too is something i i take great pride in uh listening yeah. reading yeah i mean even over on um bigger on the inside you know i was like hey it worked over on wfp let's rip off the format you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know and then of course yourself off <laughs> yeah well, you know i guess so <laughs> and then you know i mean ian ian and dave they they took the bigger on the inside format for shaken blake um, where where it's really the WFP format with a twist, because, of course, the format of Bigger on the Inside is you've got this longtime fan of something teaming up with this newer fan of something. In the case of Bigger on the Inside, it's Doctor Who with uh, Ian and Dave. It's Shake, or it's uh, uh, Blake 7 for their Shake and Blake podcast. You know, so, you know, I didn't, you know, we did tweak the WFP format, but it's still essentially the same. So not only did they 
call a spade a spade, ripping off, <laughs> um, bigger on the inside, but also WFP. Um, it's 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 so cool when uh, when when I see that. But that that's fine. I mean, it's 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 a great. I mean, I'm not patting ourselves on the back. It's just a great format. Mm-hmm. Um, frankly, it's an easy format. It is. It really it is. Really is. <laughs> Synopsize it. Talk about it. Synopsize it. Talk about it. Just watch and repeat. You know. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, yeah. That you know. I mean, anybody that wants to use that format, it's out there. It's you know. I'm sure we didn't come up with it. You know, um, maybe we just made it a little popular for podcasting. Um, but whenever I uh, hear that someone's using it, I just go, okay, cool. That's great. That's great. They were inspired by us. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay, next up is one from James. Not this James, another James. Hi, um, this is James, long-time listener, uh, first time uh, actually leaving a feedback uh, message uh, of any sort. Um, uh, I want to start out by saying thank you uh, for all 100 episodes. Um, it's kind of sad. Um, also, uh, I kind of regret waiting this long uh, to actually send in the email, but, you know, uh, I guess after 50 and, you know, 20, 50, 75, it uh, just gets ahead of you and you just enjoy the podcast and you just listen to it. Um, but uh, this is just a thank you. Um, you know, uh, I remember the first time I uh, actually heard of World's Finest Podcast. It was a couple days after I got my um, iPod. And, uh, you know, being new to the whole podcast thing, I just went on iTunes and I looked up what I knew. And that was, you know, comics and Superman, Batman, and uh, I think three podcasts or so popped up. And World's Finest uh, just got me the title. And so I listened to it. And, you know, I was hooked, you know, going over every single episode of the BCAU. Um, you know, <laughs> it's such a geeky thing to do. And, uh, you know, it fit uh, for me. And I think, though, uh, if I'm going to pick any particular memory, um, it would have to be uh, when you all reviewed Heart of Ice, and I know that's going back quite a bit, but um, I remembered, uh, and I can't remember if it was James or Mike, but uh, you were talking about at the end, the last scene, when you have uh, uh, Victor Freeze, and he's in the cell, and you see the uh, the snow falling, and I think there's a close-up shot, and uh, you can actually see the, uh, the snowflake and just the detail that the uh, animators put into it. And I think at that point I knew that um, I was going to get something different, or at least it was going to be quality, you know, more so than I would get anywhere, that attention to detail. And uh, actually, and, and that's really been the case throughout all the episodes, um, you know, to look at the uh, programs not from a nostalgic point of view, uh, but just from, you know, uh, an artistic and, and, and the quality uh, being put into the program and uh, being objective more so than... Um, uh, just looking at it from a fan base point of view, um, I enjoyed every single episode, uh, including the the episodes that covered the series that I didn't particularly watch the first time around. Um, more than likely, Zeta and uh, Teen Titans. Though I caught a couple episodes of Teen Titans, and uh, but I thank you for covering them still because uh, it, I don't know. It gave me I don't know about Zeta, but at least Teen Titans it gave me a, a feeling that maybe I missed something here. You know the love that you all have for this series, that maybe I should go back and I should cover those again. Um, but just as much as I'm saying thank you to World's Finest Podcast, I just want to say uh, thank you to Mike uh, for Earth2.net um, because it's from uh, World's Finest that I got to know the other great podcasts that you have on there, and I've been fans of uh, a lot of those. Just uh, being able to go back and look at the past catalogs of um, different podcasts and episodes and just uh, for the amount of time and uh, effort that goes into that, I really do appreciate that. 
thank you so much. Um, I know World's Finest is coming to an end, but I'm sure there's stuff in the pipeline, and I'm sure it's going to be quality, and I'm sure you're going to cause me to look at things that perhaps I've seen before, but just to look at it in a different way. So thanks again. Uh, thank you for 100 great episodes, um, the time and effort, and just the um, dedication to the uh, the work as much as to the uh, listeners out there. Uh, we really do appreciate it. And I do just being one of the many. Uh, thank you again. Bye. Thank you, James. Um, yeah, I really hope that us, you know, a lot of times people would say we were nitpicking. And sometimes we were, but that was kind of the point of what we were doing here. We really wanted to dig in deep and analyze not just the big things, the obvious things, but those little things that on a first or second viewing, you might not notice, but on a third, fourth, and fifth viewing, you do start to notice and you do start to pick apart. You know, we really wanted to analyze these. So, sure, sometimes that might have been a little annoying for people, and I'm not, I'm not tr even trying to imply that James was implying that. Um, I'm just saying that it is out there. We did get some emails long, long ago where people were like, "Yeah, you know, you're nitpicking." It's like, okay, we are, but at the same time, I, I really do think that's what set WFP apart. We weren't just like. Uh, fanboys going, oh my god, everything's great. No, we were like, no, this this really sucks right here, and this is why. Or this little thing is bothering us, and this is why. So here's one from George. Hi, Mike. Hi, James. This is George W. over from the forums. Uh, well, 100 episodes, and you finally did it. You made it to the end. Congratulations. However, I don't think it would be a 100th episode without bringing this up regarding Teen Titans. Continuity is a consistency of characteristics of persons, plot, objects, places, and events. No, I'm just fucking with you. Anyway, I just want to call say congratulations, but I also had a question for you. Now, we all know the history of the Justice League movies and TV series and whatnot. And it's been rather difficult, especially trying to get the big guns in film together. So my question is this. Suppose they sidestepped it all and decided to make a Justice League Beyond movie. Now, my question is, well, who would who would you cast in it? Um, anyway, just wanted to say congratulations again. Uh, Mike, I'll see you at the C2E2, and I believe we will all raise a glass to the end of WFP even if we have to force thing into drink it. Anyway, congratulations again, and, well, can't say it and not be good. So, gentlemen, it's been an honor. So, James, uh, if they did a Justice League Beyond movie, so no Superman, probably not even Batman Beyond, because you got the Batman name there, no Wonder Woman, uh, who would you like to see in it? You know, imagine it's set 50 or 60 years in the future, so you can pretty much do whatever you want. Who would you, you know, what, what characters would you like to see there? Um, I guess, you know, they had in the call, the, uh, the uh, Batman Beyond episode, they had Warhawk and Aqua Girl, and um, I can't remember the Green Lantern's name, it was like Cairo or something like that. Yeah, I don't remember. I think all three of those would be, I would be very interested in seeing those characters mm -hmm. uh, in a in a Justice League like Beyond movie. Yeah, and um, as far as um, who would portray them, I 
I, I don't really know. I, I don't have anybody like picked out. Um, I would I would just say please don't have the kid from the last Airbender playing Cairo, <laughs> the Green Lantern. Please, please. Um, <laughs> just saying. Uh, but as far as the other the others, I'm I'm not really sure. But you know, you could have a, like a Superman character in there, I guess. If unless you, well, no, I take that back because that would probably uh, overshadow the rest of the league. But yeah, yeah. Um, but there are characters that you can have in there, like a Barda or mm-hmm. you know whoever else you want to put in there. Um, static, an oh, older Static, of course. Yeah, um, and Richie. Yeah, why not? I mean, there there's really no reason they both couldn't be in there. Richie could be their Oracle character. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know he went out there and super went out there and superhero, but he's not going to do that his whole life. He's just not. Um, eventually, he's going to settle down, but he's not going to stop helping out his buddy all the same. So yeah, make him the Oracle character. Um, you know, he's probably about let's say fifty five ish, sixty years old. Um, you could you could make him where he's still fun loving, but he's also seen enough battle where he's got that darker side of him. Um, static, definitely. Warhawk, I would love to see live action. Um, uh, the, the Green Lantern, the Aqua, the, the Aqua Lass or Girl or whatever. Um, I actually wouldn't even mind seeing a villain or two turned hero or at least anti hero, um, if only to create some tension. Maybe put ink on the team. Hmm. Um, again, not that she was the best character, but, you know, villains turn heroes sometimes. You, you're, you know, at least even for a little while, you could try to make that work. Or maybe um, Mad Stan, or whatever his name was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he would have to be the villain they go after. Ab- I'm sorry. Yeah, that's true. He has to be the villain. It would be awesome. <laughs> oh, you know who they could also put on the team? Uh, what was her name now? Hmm. Terry's friend. The girl... Sometimes a little annoying. How about she's on the team? Uh, are you okay there, Mike? Are you running a fever? Do we I might be having a fever, yes. Do we need to run do we need to record the rest of this later? <laughs> yeah, she could be the, the Superman like character. She gains superpowers. No, no, it doesn't work. Good, then she could be ten thousand times more annoying. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. But uh yeah, I, I think it'd be interesting if they gave it a shot. They probably won't. You know, um, but sure, um, it might work more as like one of those DC animated features. Yeah. You know, over at the forums recently, we were talking about. Um, I think Swab Star and I were going back and forth. Or what they should do is do an adaptation. Like, like let's say four movies a year: an adaptation and an, an original. An adaptation and original. There's no reason they couldn't do Superman: Red Sun, and then let's say this Justice League Beyond. And then adapt, let's say, All-Star Batman, since they just did All-Star Superman. And then do an original tale focusing on, let's say, Slade or something. Um, yeah, that, but that's probably the only way it would get done. But uh, I'd like to see know, them tackle cool to see. Lex Luthor, Man of Steel. Yes, that would be great, wouldn't it? That You're right. Okay, and our last voicemail is from Kellen. Hey guys, it's uh, Kellen Scrivens here. Um... Just a little bit out of phase for my usual Wednesday schedule. I'm normally not on a podcast on these alternating Wednesdays. I'm sure as many of the listeners know, I am the host of An Amazing Podcast, which is on every alternating Wednesday. I can't just use the Wednesdays that aren't World's Finest anymore, can I? As well as the host of uh, Anima- or sorry, of Avatar The Last Podcast. And I've also uh, written on this site since the summer of 2004, so... Uh, 
you might be thinking for those who are listening that what does it matter how long I've been writing for this website for that'll come out as I go through this um if if I'm pausing or whatever here I'm I'm trying to do this in one take because I I feel that this will get my words out there a little bit better and uh, Mike and James if I bog down this what I'm sure will you know contend with earth2.net the show episode 100 for longest ever on this site um yeah I'm sorry if I'm lengthening this out too much but I definitely gotta get this out and I gotta do it right um I actually just listened last night just to kind of get myself into the right frame of mind for this I listened to earth2.net the show episode number 90 and I remember thinking how far along this website was at 90 episodes of earth2.net the show and I thought it was kind of cool that you know you're going to do this segment where you're going to go through every episode of the entire DC animated universe. I mean, I thought that would take forever. I mean, especially as a segment on um, Earth2.net the show, since there's so many segments that were on there at the time, that it might have a little bit of trouble, you know, finding its time until you decided to make it its own podcast. And for the record, for those that don't remember. Originally, there's a little teaser where there's a form section where it was just said WFP, and people were encouraged to guess what it may have meant. And I thought, you know, Earth 2 Down to the Show was given the title of World's Finest Podcast. I was as close as anyone got. <laughs> I mean, going back to that episode, I mean, from this episode, we're within a week to four years to the day of when that episode came out to now. I mean, the first time I listened to episode 90 of Earth 2.0 of the show, it was on a bus from Winnipeg to Selkirk, Manitoba. That bus depot doesn't exist anymore. Um, I haven't been on a beaver bus in like three and a half, four years. I mean, it's it, it's absolutely crazy to think that it took this long. And not only that, but because when you think of so many internet projects that will be so ambitious but won't follow through. You guys, aside from a hiccup here or there, were able to go bi-weekly for four years. Think about that for a second, guys. That is absolutely spectacular work on both of your parts. Not only that you actually did it, but that you had the quality that you kept doing. I mean, I absolutely love listening to it because, as I used to always talk about, once this show ends, this will be the first time since I was like four years old where there was nothing DCAU related that was a part of my life. I mean, DCAU began, as I'm sure we all know by now, with Batman the Animated Series. And that started on Fox Kids in 1992. I was four years old. Now granted, I remember when, you know, Batman's coming to Fox Kids, I was thinking, you know, na 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 well, didn't happen that way. And, you know, when I was four years old, I didn't quite get this new Batman all that much. I really didn't. Um, it, it wasn't what I looked forward to Fox Kids for. I mean, there was Animaniacs, there was Power Rangers, there was Tasmania. But, I mean, as I got older, I started to get this show, and there were more episodes that I really started to get. I mean, it, I mean, it was Fox Kids, so of course I'm going to be watching it. I mean... There's no reason not to, and it was Batman. Batman was inherently cool. Even though, 
to this day, I've never seen Batman or Batman Returns front to back, but because they were there, Batman was at its apex of coolness. I remember going as Batman for Halloween one year. Um, so there was definitely that draw to it. Then there was the second generation of the DCAU, uh, the new Batman Superman Adventures. And my first memory of that was, because for the longest time out where we lived in Bel Air, we had just this giant C-band satellite dish and, you know, an antenna. And it would pick up, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and we'd get, you know, the Winnipeg Canadian networks. But for the longest time, there was nothing that showed new Batman Adventures or Superman Animated. And I remember there was um, a couple, a family friend that had a, a, you know, the cheater dish, the U.S. satellite dish. And they actually decided to just tape some Cartoon Network for us and send it our way. It may have been kids. I don't even remember what it was. But it had, you know, Batman Superman Hour on it. And, uh, shoot, I don't remember the episode names, but it was uh, the Cold Fusion Bomb from Batman. And it was, uh, shoot, it was the first part of the last two-part of a Superman animated series. And I remember watching them, it's like, man... And I don't know if it was that I was older, or if it was a, because of the different art style, but even just that one episode that made a click for me at that time, but I remember wanting to see that episode of Batman. I remember wanting to see more of that. Eventually, uh, New Batman did start airing on a local network, and that was really cool. Um, around 1999 was when our family got a satellite, like a real satellite dish, not, you know, a outdated big ugly dish. We got, you know, the direct-to-home Bell Express View satellite, and I remember having Kids WB. And at this point, I mean, I, I, I was a Fox Kids loyalist at the end, what can I say, but Kids WB was the hot new kid on the block. Kids WB took Animaniacs and took Pinky in the Brain and had Pokemon and had Batman Beyond. And Batman Beyond, man, I remember summer. Uh, they'd put this on in the afternoon and I'd watch it every day and I loved it. And even just the little touches, like the fact that they had the same guy that played Batman in these old shows, playing, you know, the old, grizzled Batman. The fact that it was the same kind of art style. The fact that it was very obviously a continuation of these older shows. Because you never, ever, ever got to see that in anything else, aside from, you know, maybe the other, you know, the Power Rangers series at the time. But even then it was, you know, it was just... It was a different season, had a different name, up until it got to a point where they just kind of, you know, stopped having it be anything. And then, I mean, you know, there was, uh, there was Zeta Project, which, uh, okay, I didn't really get to see too much of. Uh, Static Shock, though, was also a really fun one. And, um, and I know I'm mentioning these generations, they do kind of blend together, because there was some shows that would start and end to get a blend together, but then there was the fourth generation. There was Justice League, which... I mean, the fact that every episode was a two-parter just made it all seem so grandiose and epic in scope. And I love the fact that it seemed that whenever I'd catch it on YTV, granted, I don't think I was catching it in first run because when it was, it would be... One week would be part one, the next week would be part two. But they'd have it back-to-back, -back, so I'd get to see these full episodes. And I loved the show. And once again, it was very... I didn't know what the... I'd never heard of the phrase DCAU or DC Animated Universe, but... It was very much obviously that this was the same Batman from Fox Kids back in 1992, 1993. Um, I mean, even, I mean, we, we all make the jokes about Teen Titans. I mean, we all, you know, is it in continuity or not? Does it really fucking matter at this point? <laughs> um, even that show, it, 
I mean, Justice League and Teen Titans. I remember watching the end on a beautiful spring day in Manitoba. You know, everything's green, and I wanted to stay inside and watch this three-part episode that was on at, you know, two in the afternoon when I could have been out, you know, doing something productive with my life. Um, and then Justice League Unlimited. I mean, I can't begin to describe how important Justice League Unlimited was to me because that's what made this site, that's what made the Earth2.net forums something that I wanted to go to. Because, truth be told, up to that point, the Earth2.net forums, in my opinion, was just kind of an offshoot of the oratory. It was a nerdy offshoot of the oratory. I'm happy to have seen it grown to the way that it is, that we are our own entity. And I am so proud of you guys and all the other people that work here and all the other people that go to the forums. But at the time, it was still in its infancy, and a lot of the people were oratory guys. But we didn't talk about nerdy stuff over there. We talked about nerdy stuff over on Earth, too. So when, after every episode, Justice League Unlimited would air, and there'd be tons of discussion, nailing down every plot point, nailing down every great quote, um, it was just... Uh, fun and refreshing as a 16 year old at the time to see this kind of level of devotion from adults to a cartoon I mean because when I'm at 16 years old I'm kind of thinking to myself am I going to fall out of love with these cartoons as I grow older am, am I just kind of hang you know clawing on to my younger days I guess I still kind of am but I mean at the same time it was just this I, I don't know I don't know if I was going to stick around like that but people like that were on the site, people like James, people like Mike, you guys were kind of letting me come to terms with that this was still kind of cool to be a fan of it as I was getting older. Um, I also love the fact that for pretty much that entire run up to Divided We Fall an Epilogue, YTV in Canada got the first airing of it, so I'd get to watch it, I'd get to come into the forums and be all guys like, hey, guess what I just watched? Spoiler alert. Oh my god! <laughs> it was just so much fun to do, and I mean, I love that thread. That thread is one of the defining ones for me, and James, I know you hate me for bringing it up like I did, but I mean, I just wanted to show you know some of the new guys, how we were like back then, and how the DCAU has played a huge part in building this site, even before World's Finest Podcast. And the fact that when it got to that third season, and the fact that it wrapped up just around my 18th birthday, just around when I finished high school, just around the time when I moved out of my parents' place, it really felt like it was, it was my childhood from as early as I can remember to the close of my actual childhood when I left the nest to strike out on my own it was always there <laughs> it's kind of like a security blanket I guess and then when you guys started oh even before World's Finest Podcast started up because I remember you two were talking quite at length about just doing a JLU project of some kind and then it just ballooned into this and I mean wow I mean, like I said, the the effect of World's Finest Podcast on Earth2.net, I mean, how many people from the globe have listened to the show, and how many of them have joined our forums and found our site because of your show? Hell, 
where would Earth 2 Down be without World's Finest Podcast? I honestly believe that if you didn't break out on your own with World's Finest Podcast, I never would have got the idea to break out on my own for an amazing podcast. There certainly wouldn't be an Avatar The Last Podcast. Look how many times other people have taken your format, even just on this site, and applied it to other things, like Avatar The Last Podcast, like Bigger on the Inside, like Shake and Blake. There is definitely, I mean, you can't understate the importance of this show to this site. It is absolutely spectacular that you guys have just come through with the quality that you have, the number of, you know, funny bits, Stoner Mike, um, James going insane over stuff like Mean Seasons or the Terrible Trio. I mean, I love this show to death. I mean, like I said, to go 100 episodes, to keep that schedule that you have, to not, not just not dip in quality, but to constantly improve. Like I said, I, I listened back to episode 90 of Earth 2.0 of the show, which, for you know those that don't know, doubles as the first episode of World's Finest. And not only the quality in your audio equipment, ow, my ears. <laughs> um, but just the fact that your, your, your plot summaries went from about 20 seconds to 20 minutes in some cases. You guys have absolutely set the standard for this website. And... For all of the, us that have followed in your footsteps since then and breaking out on our own podcasts, we have you to thank for it because you were the first one. Um, I mean, geez, th this it's going to be weird seeing Earth2.net the show, or sorry, not seeing Earth2.net the website without World's Finest Podcast. I, I, it's, it's a sad time for this site, it really is. But it's also a happy one. Because I know you two aren't going anywhere. You're still going to be on Earth yet on the show. you still got Dark Knight discussions to go. Um, and I'm sure whatever projects you guys do next, either apart or together, it's going to be awesome. I definitely look forward to hearing it. And I really do hope that you guys do come together for something in the near future because you guys are too good to not do it. Anyhow, um... I've I've rambled on for quite some time now, so uh, I I don't want to I don't want to steal your line for the end of the show, but uh, gentlemen, you know the feeling. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know what to say to that, Kellen. Um, you know, um, thank you, because um, thank you very much indeed. Yeah, he's he's absolutely right. If it weren't for World's Finest Podcast, um, Earth Two dot net probably wouldn't have grown the way it has um a, a lot of the forum members hell probably most of the forum members were generated by this podcast um i think because you know we already had earth2.net i believe had dread media launched before earth2 or before world's finest podcast i can't remember off the top of my head i, I can't either that's a good question yeah I'm, I'm gonna look that up right now hang on just one second just bear with me guys it was because it, it was it started as a segment on the show, didn't it? Yeah, that was September 2007. And when did we launch? Also 2007, right? April 25th of 2007. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, we're actually almost up to five years on the uh, on the segment coming out. I think Mike actually mentioned that in his voicemail, if I'm correct. Um, or if not, it's been mentioned somewhere recently. You know, because when it started out as a segment first, that's the fifth anniversary we're almost coming up on. But, yeah, so I mean, there was... 
What's wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be four years? Because it was 07? 7 to 8, 9, 10, 11. Okay, four years. Yeah, sorry, my math was Making sure we're, we're on yeah. the same page here. <laughs> yeah, just making sure we're in the same year here, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, so there's Earth2.net, the show, and then World's Finest Podcast. And I do have to wonder if World's Finest Podcast hadn't spun out of Earth 2 at the show, if we would have spun out Dread Media and then An Amazing Podcast, or if they or if they all would have stayed contained within, if you know you and I never came up with this idea to do this and then make it its own uh, uh, program. Um, um, so, yeah, um, you know the site very much does owe a lot, a lot to this show. That's that's all I can say about that. I think I think Kellen summed it up nicely there. Yes, thank you again, Kellen. Mm-hmm. I don't hate you so much now. <laughs> <laughs> I keyed, I keyed. Yes. So uh, here we go. Uh, the last time Ian Wilson uh, is is our official clip monkey. <sighs> no, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not doing a recap this episode. You know why? Because I did the first one as a one-off. I did it for Batman the Animated Series. And what happened after that? You demanded more. And more. And more. You know how close to the deadline the episode 99 clips package was. And yet you want me to encapsulate 250 hours worth of material in two weeks? Fuck that. No, because I've gone on with this long enough. You expect me to voluntarily devote weeks of man-hours for two people I've never even met? After that first segment, my girlfriend left me. And ever since, my personal life has been a mess. All I've had since early 2008 is a number of meaningless, if highly satisfying, flings. Well, no more. Your podcast is over, it's finished, and I am free. No longer am I Pip-Pip, the British clip monkey. I am the respected Ian James Wilson M.A. So Fuck you, Sims. Fuck you, Doe. And fuck the denizens of infantile tossers that your podcast has infested Earth 2 with. You can all kiss my ass. <sighs> what a lovely dream. I mean... If only I had the balls to stand up to them like that. But in the same way that Professor Milo didn't get to shoot Amanda Waller down in flames and met a more deserving end, I'm back again for this, the ultimate retrospective of World's Finest Podcast. And I have had some suggestions of how I should conduct this recap. And by the way, I'd like to make a request for Ian that if he does do a DCAU montage for episode 100... Please do a Kazooie Oki version of all the theme songs of all the shows featured on WFP. 
Uh, that's up to Ian, so we'll, we'll see if he does that. I'm pretty sure episode 100 isn't even going to feature you and me. It's just going to be, like, three hours of clips that Ian strung together. And that's going to be it, really. <laughs> hey, I, I don't think the, the listeners would object. <laughs> well, neither of those things are going to happen. Essentially, if you want to go through my more detailed analyses of each era of the show's history, go back and listen to episodes 20, 38, 50, 67, 90, and 99, for they are the retrospective episodes. I heartily recommend them, as they're my favourite episodes. I forget why. So the format for this final package is that I am going to replay my ten favourite clips from the nine separate shows that Mike and James reviewed. It would be ten if we were counting the webtoons, but I don't think I even clipped ten segments when making the mini-package for the Flash Zetatic retrospective. So we begin at the very beginning, with BTAS. Having recalibrated the first episode from its pilot recording as a segment on Earth2.net the show, Mike and James battled with technology, scheduling, and disappointment by noticing that some aspects of the legendary show had not stood the test of time, particularly in episodes that guest-starred for Joker or Poison Ivy. But the tropes that are commonplace in WFP today were founded here, in the dim and distant past of 2007. I must warn you that the audio quality of some of the things you're about to hear is borderline offensive. I don't know. This is another one. Two Joker episodes in, and I'm not pleased with them so far. Though, again, this one does have its moments. Yeah, like Captain Clown. Oh, you can't beat Captain Captain Clown. It makes me laugh. Just, I'm sorry. I just love, you killed Captain Clown. Clown. <laughs> he goes, because I don't want the world to know that I can't see. <laughs> so he says, I've got an idea, and dives underneath the water. All of a sudden, Robin says, it's about time. And it's like, okay, is he going to give him underwater head or something? I mean... <laughs> Is Batman going snorkeling? Our first episode today is the Terrible Trio, and before I say anything, I'm 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 just going to go ahead and say that uh, not only is this the worst BTAS episode ever, uh, it might be the worst DCAU episode ever. The ventriloquist is like, I didn't say that. My lips didn't move. And Scarface is like, You're a ventriloquist. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh my god, that is so awesome. You know? It wasn't. It wasn't me, boss. Yeah. Of course, it wasn't you, Rhino. You're too stupid to be a traitor. Yeah. Oh, thanks, boss. They get these creepy pod people, baby Hulk-like swamp thing creature things that try to eat Batman's balls off or something, <laughs> and then like everybody melts into goo thanks to some weed killer that Batman planted in that, that, that Batman fed into some frickin' pipes earlier in the episode while Robin was doing some flippy doos off the roof. I mean. That that's really the end of the episode. People like these are worse than the Joker. <laughs> Bullshit. So you know she points the gun right at his head, and she's gonna pull the trigger. And the Joker, oh my God, right? He's staring down death. And what's he say to her? You don't have the guts. Yeah. I'm like oh my, I mean this this scene shows you their relationship in a nutshell. Bruce Wayne is Batman. <laughs> they were gay. I don't care. I will argue that until the day I die. That's Michael David Sims talking right there, people. <laughs> 
Well, quite. With Mike cementing his reputation early on and the general format of WFP being established, not to mention James buying a better microphone, the subject matter turned to the less well-regarded show of Superman the Animated Series. And initially, this wasn't entirely fair, as the initial episodes not only impressed the hosts, but fully established important things within the mythos, such as Krypton's Last Days, a good version of Clark's upbringing in Smallville, and how Superman comes to meet his own rogues gallery. Unfortunately, the show started to taper off, even if it did start laying the foundations of the DCAU at large, with guest spots from a variety of new heroes and villains. Here are my favourite bits of Mike and James's coverage. Me am not your host, James Doe, and with me are not Michael David Sims. Goodbye, James. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye to you too, sir. I mean, that is awesome dialogue. I can't own mm-hmm. you? Okay, I'll kill you. Wow, <laughs> they, they just so nailed Lex Luthor. Had I known one human's death would pain you so, I would have killed more. And kill more yes. shall. Take that agony with you to oblivion, Superman. So if Superman is strong enough, to pull something out of the grip of a black hole, there is nothing on Earth or in the universe that can ever threaten him again. So Lois then on cue as after he leaves says, I understand, Lois. Really? You do? Yep, you're a complete moron. Why, thank you, Superman. I think I'm a total loser, too. You know, I love seeing the calendar go by so we get to see his months. What are they, pants? Pants, George, and relish. <laughs> On the 30th day of pants, yeah. Mixie will build a robot that will fail miserably. Yeah. And he's like, no, the suit is mine. <laughs> they can't they can't just take it away from me. <laughs> he's like, Caesar Carlini, I haven't seen you in, wait, I've never seen you before. You need to get out more. And she wants a husband. Ree, she wants to get laid. Woohoo! More on that later. Batman, in one of the true defining moments of the DCAU, hurls Superman across the room into a table. Indeed. The advent of Superman, and the mini-movie world's finest, which saw redesigns of Batman and the Joker, helped to usher in the next wave of Batman adventures, which I shall call Gotham Knights, as there was another name. As both shows aired concurrently, Mike and James reviewed episodes of each show for four months. Whilst this coincided with the decline of STAS, Gotham Knights was just as up and down, as BTAS was before it. Oh, I got hit with some radioactivity. Joker gassed me. You know, whatever. <laughs> I mutated. I threw a rock at myself. <laughs> and he says something to the effect of, it'll burn through anything, even ice. <laughs> now, when I think of things that don't melt easily, ice is usually pretty far down on the list. Harley and Ivy only have one bed. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's a Catwoman episode. I am... I'm just all thrilled about that. <laughs> you know how much I love Catwoman episodes, Mike. Yes. This episode and then in Growing Pains really start to build Tim Drake up as a character. It's old wounds. Woo! <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, this episode, you said it already, is, is just classic. He's got it, it's virtually a skull face. It's half in shadow. He's got a noose hanging around his neck. Yes, yes. I mean, it is disgusting. He calls Batman Senior Batman. But no, let's do 
a commentary about Farmer Brown and his steroid-enhanced daughter and their stupid fucking chickens. You know, most of the time, I don't want to watch it because I hate seeing Harley abused like that. And that's yeah. not, of course, that's not a knock on the episode. It's just, it's a compliment to the storytelling of the writers. Rather than follow the chronology within the DCAU, Mike and James decided to follow the production order and leapt 50 years into Gotham's future for Batman of the Future better known as Batman Beyond. With a blanket canvas to play with, the writers created a whole new universe for Mike and James to review. Just as dark as Batman has always been, the hosts enjoyed the futuristic setting, but had issues with the handling of Terry McGuinness, to the extent that Mike mistook him for a soap opera character and rated one episode a zero for implied infidelity. And that's not even getting into the Voldemort figure of the entire show, She Who Must Not Be Named. Now, I will respect this law for now, because I try not to push my boss's patience to the max. Oh, damn. And Terry's like, you killed my father. And Blight just says, do you have the slightest idea how little that narrows it down? In one person, he is Dr. Milo, Sergeant Mills, and Livewire. <laughs> My God in heaven, the horror of it all. Max is a snotty bitch. Apparently, Mad Stan, whom we haven't been uh, previously introduced to, is on the loose, and <laughs> Batman has to stop him from blowing up a library. And Mike is losing his mind in the background here. <laughs> I love Mad Stan. So I felt good for her that she found love that she could actually attain, as opposed to Terry, who would just be cheating on his girlfriend. Again. I did like that Bruce was forced to reluctantly call him Batman in front of everybody. Because <laughs> you could just tell he did not want to do that. In the case of the one I'm assuming is knee-jerk, his limbs fall off. That was awesome. Fuck me sideways on Christmas Eve. I hate this episode so fucking much. And he puts on the gray ghost cap and mask. Yes. So the aged Bruce Wayne gets to finally breathe a gray ghost. Yes, that was so cool. <laughs> In this one, it starts off with Terry taking Bruce to see Batman the Musical <laughs> for his birthday. A superstitious and cowardly lie. <laughs> <laughs> They plan and plot, but they always get caused. Very... <coughs> Having reviewed the promise of this iteration of Batman and the best of all the DCAU-related movies in Return of the Joker, the way was paved for arguably the most incisive era of WFP, as the hosts took on some of the more obscure DCAU shows. Staying in the future, the next show was a spin-off from Batman Beyond, called... The Zeta Project. Listeners as much as emailed in to say they probably wouldn't listen due to the fact that most of them hadn't watched it, but Mike and James did find reasons for people to seek out the show. Of course, those reasons were slightly negated by douchebag scientists, the inconsistent character of Bennett, the main antagonist, and of course, Bucky. Yeah, I like the fact that they're building continuity from one episode to the next. Uh, and they're building up this side character. I mean, really, your three main characters are Rose, Zeta, and Bennett. Mm -hmm. But they're taking the time to build up Agent Lee, of all people. 
And this whole episode was a focus on Agent West. So they are focusing on these smaller characters. And, you know, that's that's always been a strength of the cartoons in the DC animated universe. There are a lot of douchebag scientists in this series, aren't <laughs> there, Mike? There's a ton of them, yes. And the episode ends with Wade having a newfound appreciation for his robots. And no longer are they just his servants. They play basketball with him. I'm not making that up. No, he's not, folks. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> oh my god, this episode is terrible. In every aspect, this episode is terrible. Rush tells uh, yeah. Bennett that West has gone off on the hover thing, and Bennett just says, shoot him. Shoot him down now. And Rush, Rush just goes, aw, don't tease me like this. This is uh, one of those rare ones that is so good, I could throw it on and just watch it. For fuck's sake, why do they keep bringing Bucky back? Rose says, he knew he was going to help us, so why would he be so rude? And Zeta looks at her and he's like, family trait? <laughs> Agent Bennett can be added to the list of characters that I just absolutely cannot stand. This is the episode where they meet the space hippies, right? Mm-hmm. There's all these hippies outside protesting. They're all like, hey, man, space should be for us, like, for everybody. Make it, like, affordable, man, so, like, we can all see the stars. And I'm, like, not even exaggerating people. So No, he's really not. Yeah. One thing I, I did really, really like about this episode was the way that they explained how Zeta regained his memories. Yeah, that was uh, clever. Shifting... Yeah, it really was. Shifting the memories to this thing and then shifting it right back. With Justice League on the horizon, WFP still had one more show to critically appraise before the fans could be appeased. Static Shock didn't have the best reputation going for it, but the core family dynamic of the Hawkinses put it one step beyond being a childish cartoon that suffered from Monster of the Week-itis. Naturally, that was true of most of the antagonists, and those that were recurring villains had so many names that Mike and James didn't know how to pronounce them. But aside from those problems, and irritating celebrity cameos, Static received an overall thumbs up. Let's just not talk about Toys in the Hood, which nearly ended the show at episode 63. So they're continuing that trend with the body of a 15-year-old girl. That is so fucking sick to me. It's one of those things that almost makes me want to say, you know what, we're done with Static. We're skipping the, the, the look back, and we're going straight to Justice League. Francis of the Fire Nation Local 78. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Continue. Speaking of Ebon, awesome, awesome character design. Hells, yes. And the way they used his powers, where, you know, he envelops... These, these people and, you know, they, their body piece by piece seems to be disappearing into the shadows. That was awesome. They're, they really are, as you said, building uh, Robert Hawkins up into a great uh, secondary character. Hey, hey, hey! It's Slipstream and where's my food? Like, come on! <laughs> you know, I know it's only three episodes in, but it's really nice to see that Static's buddy is actually useful as opposed to she who shall not be named <laughs> for Batman Beyond. Again, finding new ways to use his superpowers. And tell him the Hoop Squad says his career's been rejected. <laughs> no, no, this episode is rejected. Spectral and Speed Trap, right? Yep. 
that, I remember that, makes you want to put a bullet through my fucking head. This episode, I think, is the best example of how awesome this show can be. Mm-hmm. Is it tackles, you know, really very real problems in society, and it doesn't sugarcoat it. It was episode 68 when WFP reached the opening episode of Justice League, the show that truly created the sense that all of Bruce Timm's animated work was connected in one great universe. However, the hosts came away largely surprised that several episodes failed to live up to the 8s and 9s out of 10 that they were expecting to bestow on every episode that wasn't the admitted stinker of Warworld. In fact, it would only be the latter half of the second season when the show would stop being so up and down and really step up as it prepared for the epic finale of Starcrossed. So Batman takes the opportunity to rattle off one of the single greatest lines in cartoon history. Wally West... Clark Kent, Bruce Wayne. Awesome. Yeah. What does so, Flash say? Show so, off? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hawk Girl, Flash, and John. I just, I heard Hawk Girl, Flash is John. They are then rather rudely interrupted by the one, the only, Lobo! <laughs> because we see that he did indeed sever off his own motherfucking hand. Hard fucking core. <laughs> Superman is overjoyed. And he runs up to Batman and hugs him. You know what? The climax of this episode, it only happens because he's got major blue balls. That's all it is. He just can't get laid, and that's all he wants. If Krager didn't walk in, I don't think any of this shit would have happened. Light Ray flies up on them and slaps Diana on the ass. <laughs> I'm Ophir. That crystal's that crystal is really purple, but we'll call it black. So he smiles and says, you're dumber than you look. Flash says, oh yeah, well... You're naked. I can't watch that line without welling up. But before we could complete the Justice League coverage, there was the little matter of Teen Titans to sort out. Mike and James firmly believe that it is in continuity and merely has a difference in style. Listeners of all types have either agreed with this or disagreed with this, to such an extent that Mike saw a valuable revenue stream in which to capitalize upon. Anyway, I will stick with WFP through the Teen Titans era, but yikes, so not in continuity. Sorry, just had to say it. Buy a t-shirt, sir. (laughs) That's our retort. Yeah, and if you already have, buy another. (laughs) (laughs) Buy a shirt. Buy a shirt. Thank you. Thank you. And buy a shirt. P.S. Teen Titans is so in continuity. <laughs> buy a shirt. Or you could just, you know, buy a shirt. Don't forget about our store where you can buy a shirt. Anyways, people are just going to ask you a question and you're going to be like, buy a shirt. Yeah, it won't even be Teen Titans related. You hey, you want to go get some pizza later, Mike? Buy, buy a, shirt. a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, what? <laughs> just, How's the yeah. weather outside? Buy a shirt. Exactly. P.S. Teen Titans is not in continuity. And Mike, before you say it, I already got a t-shirt. Buy a second. Oh, and how could I forget? Just buy the shirt. Visit the store at earth2.net. I guess that does it. Thank you, everybody, for writing in and for sending in those voicemails. Buy a shirt. But as for the show itself, the hosts were ultimately very impressed, and the overall rating for Teen Titans was higher than that for any other program that WFP had covered up to that point. 
And for good reason, too. What do you think, sir? Um, this is probably one of my favorite episodes of Teen Titans. I, I, I am not shocked by this <laughs> in the slightest. I am the source! <laughs> Considering Blackfire's personality, I think she might have done more than kiss someone to learn the language. This is true. And maybe that's why she's a little more fluent. Who knows? <laughs> but <laughs> she fucked the language out of him. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. The Puppet King? They only fought him once. I'm a recurring villain. Cyborg is in the cow, jumps out and uh, arms his gun and says, Mooya! Which I, quite frankly, have to say is probably one of the best lines of the program. (laughs) Hey, oi! No throwing things while teacher is talking. He said, oi, that's awesome. I think that's the first oi in the DCAU, isn't it? I love Cyborg putting on the glove because he's going to give Robin a rectal exam. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) To check him for battery, so to speak. Ron Perlman in a leading role. Yes, please. (laughs) Many of your earthly ways are still strange to me, but that was just plain freaky, correct? This might be the worst series finale I have ever seen. Okay. Ah, well, never mind, James. For the pain was soon nullified by the coming of JLU. This was the show that the hosts had been wanting to do since episode one. So, 90 episodes later, it was time to take on the show that left the DCAU on such a high note. Not every episode was brilliant, but the Cadmus story arc and the addition of awesome new characters like Green Arrow, The Question, and Booster Gold, suck it James, meant that preparing to record these last few episodes was hardly a chore. This episode would already get a really high grade regardless, but Waller's Rich Boy line is worth at least a point just by itself. Yeah, I know, tell me about it. And beyond that, I'm just in love with The Question. (laughs) Everything he did in this episode was brilliant. The whole thing where she's like, do you go through my trash? And he's like, please. I go through everyone's trash. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like the Booster Gold character. I've never, I've never liked the Booster Gold character. Uh, So right there, I'm not going to like this episode. Chuckles is all like, you know what? Fine, I'll be running this joint in. Oh, God. And a giant meteor comes down and obliterates the dinosaurs and Chuckles. And uh, Black Manta, I fucking refuse to call him Devil Ray, is there. The Atom has the like one of the best moments in the DCAU ever, riding in Wonder Woman's cleavage. Okay. I have always wanted to bust this one out on WFP, so here it goes. Meanwhile, back at the Legion of Doom. <laughs> nice. I love... Shaira's reaction to the anti-Hawk Girl forums. And yes, we get the legendary JLU scene of Batman on stage singing Am I Blue. I like what they were doing with Doomsday here, and I hate the Doomsday character. I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's a terrible character. But, you know, from killing Milo, thank you, to... Yes! <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, Milo's in this episode, minus one. Doomsday kills him, plus two. Right, That's your lot. It's somewhat odd that the biggest thing I've done with my history degree is to essentially record a biography of a podcast. But in the same way that Earth2.net for show could be considered the BTAS of the site's podcasting network, due to it being the first and best remembered show, World's Finest Podcast is very much 
the Superman the Animated Series, in how it has helped grow the listener base and pave the way for other great podcasts, such as For Your Is Only and Shake and Blake. I consider those very much to be the Justice League and JLU of Earth2's podcast output, because woe betide anyone who ends up being the Zaser Projects. Congrats to both Mike and James for completing their mission to such a high standard, and thank you for allowing me to be your fifth Beetle. Or indeed, third Beetle, given that there are only two of you. So whilst I head off proclaiming myself to be the George Harrison of World's Finest Podcast, I leave you with one final thought on behalf of us, your loyal listener base. For God's sake, Mike, give Heart of Ice a ten already. If you can give that Larry episode from Teen Titans, a show that isn't even in continuity, by the way, an undeserving perfect score, then you should be able to give this Emmy-winning masterpiece the nod. Why do you hate BTAS, Mike? God. Worst podcast ever. Um, so I, I know we've said this before, Ian, but, uh, you know, honestly, thank you. I do know how much time goes into those. Uh, well, no, okay, I don't know how much time goes into those, but I know it's a lot of time that goes into those. I know you just don't put those together willy-nilly at the last minute, that you really are taking notes as, uh, as you're listening to, to our show, um, yeah, when James and I started this, I never imagined someone would want to sit down and listen to the old shows and clip them together and show pretty much what asses we were the whole time, you know, <laughs> and do it in good humor. You know, it's all it's uh-huh. all meant in fun and love. Um, so, uh, on, honestly, in hand on heart, hand is really on heart here. Thank you for putting all of those together, for the time you put into them to... Um, to, to the to the fun ribbing we've given each other uh, throughout the years uh, that you've given us back, um, that that's that's one of my favorite parts about having done this show is uh, having Ian put those together and uh, not even necessarily taking pot shots at us, but using things we said <laughs> to allow us to take pot shots at ourselves. Well, it's like you said, we were total asses. <laughs> Well, I think that's what made it fun is, you know, yeah. this this wasn't a scripted show. We just, granted, we have notes. Of course we do, you know. If you pay attention, sometimes you can you can hear me scribbling on my notepad, crossing things out or writing a note uh, as we're speaking. But we never, ever, ever had a script. I never went in saying, oh, I'm going to tell this joke or... I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that. There were some points I wanted to make, but if I got to them, I got to them. If I didn't, I didn't. And when I got to them, rarely, if ever, did I did I get to them in the exact way I wanted to get to them, because I was bouncing off of you, or you were bouncing off of me, or the idea evolved and changed in my head um, as we were talking to each other. So, you know, that, that, that's, I, I really think that's something that made this, this show so, so great, is we did just bounce off each other. Yep. I, I, I sound like I'm I sound like I'm orally filleting this show. Like it was great. <laughs> Our format was awesome. I'm not. I just when I say great, I just mean fun, really. That that's really what I mean. Um and uh, you know, I well, think Ian in his segments pointed those pointed that out, reminded us of that. Absolutely. I it Ian's clip segments 
highlighted the really arguably the funnest moments of this show's run, uh, and how he did what I guess seven of those. Good lord, um, something like that. Yeah, yeah, seven. Um, thank you so much, Ian, for spending all the time on all of those. And I, I a lot of times I'll just be sitting at my computer working on something, and I'll just play one, just one of the segments, because I I have them all saved in my computer as just as their segments, Uh-oh. not even part of the uh, the podcasts uh, themselves. But I'll just listen to the segments just because they are so funny. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, uh, I was honestly I was going to ask. Uh, how many times Ian laughed while doing the first two minutes of this latest and last segment. But <laughs> yeah. then I thought, nah, he probably meant it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, I keyed. But seriously, Ian, I I, I speak for Mike when I say we, uh, I am eternally grateful for you do, uh, spending all the time to put those ridiculously hysterical segment shows together. They They are awesome. And one of the funnier things was, and of course our listeners don't see this, are some of the file names Ian would come up with for these uh-huh. things. Like this one is called Cheerio Duckies. And I was like, oh my god, that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then Flash Zetatic. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I don't remember some of the other ones, but I just remember those ones really sticking out in my head. <laughs> I know another one was Continuity Montage. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, obviously the Teen Titans one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so yes, yes, Ian, thank you very much. Um, so here we are. Uh, where, where do we start? I'm sure we both have lists we want to talk about. Um, I, I, I don't know. I know you probably have many, many more notes than I do. So so you, you can start us off wherever you feel like it. Um, I guess we'll just start with the DCAU as a whole, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yikes. <laughs> this is like This is like trying to pick up the Daily Planet's globe off the top of the roof <laughs> because I I don't even know where to start. I guess I'll start with um, Batman, the animated series. It's um, this was you know this was the show that started everything, and it was far from perfect. It, obviously, it had it had its many bad episodes, most of which were Joker and Catwoman, by the way. Yeah, oddly enough. Uh, but my God, when you get right down to it, that show was. It was phenomenal. It had brilliant music. The animation was sometimes hit or miss, but for the time, that was really great animation. And, you know, it introduced us to Kevin Conroy, uh, who, for my money, and I'm kind of uh, showing my hand here a little bit, is is the best voice actor in the entire DCAU. Yeah, I knew eventually we'd get to a list of who our favorite voice actors were. And I don't think it's unfair of us to both admit he was at the top of our list. I think that was just a given, honestly. Yeah. Um, but you know, what, what do you have to say, I guess about BTAS? Um, no, what you've said so far, um, I, I agree with, you know, I went back and, uh, I, I re, you know, I was looking, you know, I was choosing, what am I going to regrade? And, you know, I did choose at least one BTAS episode and, uh, you know, I was excited to go back. I haven't watched any episode of BTAS in maybe since we've covered it. There might have been one or two episodes I've watched since then, but I don't remember if that's the case. And when I went back, I was like, yeah, the animation's a little dated. Yeah, sometimes maybe it's it's a little stiff here and there. It's a little clunky. You can definitely see, like, 
the, the the dust, the lint on the animation cells. Because remember, they were they were painting on black, you know. So it, it definitely showed up, but at the same time, it was so fresh and new. Um, even though they were paying homage to a style from the '40s, the old Max Fleischer Superman cartoons, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were they were paying homage to a, a style that was 50 years old at that point. So it's it, you know it's weird to say it was fresh and new in the '90s, but it was. It was bringing the style to a whole new audience, and even though it mostly holds up, it does fall apart in some places. I think these. I mean, when did the DCAU debut? Ninety-two. Two, two. Yeah. So twenty years later, almost twenty years later. Oh my God! Can I head desk right now? Wow. Okay. Almost twenty years later. It now feels more in touch with the cartoons that they were paying homage to. Again, the Max Fleischer cartoons, um, because it does look a little dated, a little more dated. Um, and to me, that adds much more charm to it. Um, yeah, I look at some things and I cringe here and there, but to me, it was so wonderfully drawn um, that I'm appreciating it all these years later on this whole new level. And I always appreciated it for its animation. But now there's this extra level to it because I love the Max Fleischer cartoons. Absolutely adore them. And now, not to bring up the debate one more time, but now I almost see Superman from the 40s and Batman, the animated series from the 90s, in their own little continuity. And everything after Batman, the animated series, so everything starting with Superman as part of the DCAU. Because Batman, the animated series, just doesn't fall in line with the rest of the DCAU, but it, but it does with the Max Fleischer stuff. Um, getting away from the animation and just talking about the the characters and the writing, it gave every character a soul. I mean, you felt for Harvey Dent. Um, you absolutely wanted to cry for Mr. Freeze. Um, even someone like Clayface, you understood him. Um, you know, did you did you want to go along with what the villains were doing? No, not necessarily. You know, you and me, we wouldn't pick up a Tommy gun or a freeze gun and try to blast some dude in the face. But all the same, you saw where they were coming from. And you don't see that in other cartoons from that era. You don't see that in other cartoons now. So that they were being that mature, that they were thinking, you know what, we're going to have a younger audience because it's Batman, but we're not just going to play to them. We're also going to play to the teenage audience and the adult audience. Um, I think it was a very wise move on their part um, because had they just done a kiddie cartoon, there wouldn't have been a Superman the animated series. There wouldn't have been a Gotham Knights. There wouldn't have been a DCAU. There wouldn't be a World's Finest podcast. Um, I, I, I really feel they did most everything right, pretty much out of the gate. Sure, they stumbled here and there. That's why I'm saying pretty much everything. But they did a damn good job starting off, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess we should just go to the next one, Superman, huh? Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts about Superman? I love this show. I And here's the thing. With Superman, I never got to watch it much when it was first uh airing on like Fox kids or whatever I was watching it on back in the day. I saw, I mean, I saw several episodes, but never in huge chunks. Like I saw this episode, then the next one, then the next one, then the next one, stuff like that. There were plenty of Superman episodes that were brand new to me, uh, when we got to them on WFP. 
And for the most part, I was very impressed with what they did. I mean, uh, as really any of these shows, there are going to be some stinkers. You know, your prototypes, uh, <laughs> Unity, whatever. But by and large, this show, it expanded the DCAU in that it expanded us into the, the galaxy of the DCAU. Because we, we now had... You know, because Batman was very grounded. It's it's all it's crime drama. It's villains for the most part without superpowers. Then, when you go to Superman, you have all those intergalactic villains. So we're expanded into, you know, we get Dark Side and we get the New Gods and we get, you know, Jacques Aramala. Uh, but <laughs> uh, but still, I mean, it that they were expanding it. We got the Flash. We got Green Lantern, Steel. Uh, all of these characters were first introduced in this show. And that can't be understated. And then we got really, for the for the vast majority, great animation, uh, great music. It, the music here really paid tribute to Superman because he is, you know, the greatest hero that ever lived. And I, their their orchestra and their composers were they really took that to heart and they made some fantastic scores for this show. And this show ranks pretty high on my on my show rankings list that I have here. You know, it's got everything on it t- from BTAS through uh, Justice League Unlimited. Even the webtoons are on this list, and I'm pretty sure you pretty sure you know where they rank. Yeah. But but still, Superman is pretty high on my list. Uh, I I love this show so much. I there are so many of these episodes where I could just go back and watch them for fun. Where we would give, I, I believe we had said, like when we were doing our final thoughts about Batman, the animated series. Um, maybe it was you, maybe it was me. It doesn't matter. But I believe it was thrown out that we should give that series at least an extra point for starting the DCAU, um, for being different, for, for taking a chance, being a darker Batman cartoon. Superman, the animated series, deserves the extra point, so to speak, or truly the extra credit for doing you know, what, what you were saying there, really expanding out the universe. Um, with, without it, we really don't have the DCAU. You know, Batman the Animated Series was a great success for them. And had this one failed, there definitely would not have been a Gotham Knights. You know, going in, I don't know if they knew there would be, you know, the new Batman Adventures, Gotham Knights, whatever you want to call it. And then they spring World's Finest on us. And I, and I gotta think they did that because Superman was doing well. Uh, that Warner Brothers or you know came back to them and said, "Hey, let's let's go back to Batman. You, we like what you're doing with Superman. We like what you did with Batman. Let's let's go back to him and continue this." Um, so I, I know there's a lot of people that aren't big on Superman as a character, that aren't big on Superman the cartoon, um, but you really do have to respect it for everything you said, James. You know the music, the characters, but really also for uh, being the first true piece in the DCAU puzzle. So from here, we go to Gotham Knights and well, do we need to discuss Gotham Knights here individually? I guess, I guess guess we should because it introduced us to new characters. Yeah. And the design change, this is where it starts to fall in line with the rest of the DC animated universe. Um, I mean, it still has, you know, when we're in Gotham, it still has a different style than your metropolises or your wherever else, whatever other cities in the DC animated universe. Uh-huh. But it's not the Gotham City we saw from BTAS. 
Um, so we definitely have to talk about this as its own entity. Yeah. And really what I remember most about Gotham Knights and will forever remember most about Gotham Knights is those different character designs and the risks they started taking. This is where they really started taking a lot of risks in terms of uh, designs, plots, you name it. Uh, the plot of Growing Pains, woo! Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, for all intents and purposes, we saw a little girl die on screen. She might not have been a true being. She, yes, she was a piece of Clayface that had been sent out into the world, but she started to have feelings. She started to become her own person, and then she was gone. We saw her die. That get murdered. Exactly. Um, you know, you you you're just not going to see that on any other program. You're really not. Yeah. And they actually call it murder. You're right. I mean. When when they're booking Clayface, you know, doesn't Robin under his breath say and murder when yeah. the, when the cops like, are rattling any, off his charges? Did we yeah. forget like whatever the cops says? Did we forget anything or any other charges or whatever? And he's like, yeah, murder. Batman is standing there next to him and he doesn't even say a word because he knows yeah. that Tim is right. Yeah, absolutely. But then and then also as I was saying, the the character designs here drastically changed, and most of them were for the better. Uh, there were a few stinkers. Like I, I don't really understand what was going on with Killer Croc, but yeah. but Scarecrow's design. Ooh. My God, <laughs> that design is probably my favorite of any character in this universe. That that Gotham Knights Scarecrow design with the noose and the the pumpkin skull looking mask thing. <laughs> I I think we both were wondering how that even got on the air. Yeah, by the censors. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but again, it goes back to this this show being the first where they started taking those those risks. Well, and you know, we, we definitely can't forget what they did with Mister Freeze here. I mean, a head in a jar on spider legs was that in Gotham Knights? Yeah. Oh, you're right. Batgirl saw him. She that, that was one of remember in Gotham in Gotham Knights they started doing the Oh My Gods. Yeah, and this was one of them. Where she sees Freeze coming around the corner, and I believe she gasps, oh, gasps, oh my god! Uh, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, we, we knew Mister Freeze was tragic before, but now he's a head in a jar on spider legs. I mean, what? <laughs> like, how did you do that? <laughs> what would make you even think to come up with that? What is wrong with you men? You know. <laughs> But hey, speaking of Batgirl, uh, another one. She gets thrown off a building. And granted, it's yeah. just a dream, but we see her body crash into a car. Yeah. From like however many stories up. Mm-hmm. And she yeah. dies on screen. Yeah. Again, and dies in her father's arms at that. Yep. Um, Gordon dies. Doesn't Gordon die in that episode? Uh, well, at, at the very end of the dream, Batman. Yeah. And both go falling off of the building after really after Bane dies too. Yeah, yeah. Batman pretty much attempts to kill Bane, doesn't. Bane gets up, but it did kill Bane because he dies with his. You know, he does have one more act, but he does die. Yeah, so we see at least four people die in those episodes. People are getting shot up left and right, like when when Nightwing's on the building and he's just surrounded by helicopters and they just start shooting at him. You know, you got to assume he got grazed or got hit with a couple of bullets. Yeah, we see him walking away in custody, but he was probably shot. You know, um, Tim's life is ruined. Uh, Alfred's life is ruined. I mean, everything goes to hell in that episode. And you're right, yeah, it's a dream. But you don't know that until the last minute and a half. Mm-hmm. 
you're watching that going, what the hell are they doing to this universe? You know, I, I really like what they were doing with Gotham Knights, the new Batman Adventures, whatever you want to call it. Um, mm-hmm. and, I mean, listen, and I'm going to mention this later, uh, but Mad Love is in this in this oh, yeah. universe too. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, you're right. Some of the designs weren't great. Killer Croc, eh, not so good. Not totally crazy about the Gotham Knights Catwoman either. Pasty yeah, white and just that black outfit. Not really digging that one. About thin as a toothpick. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did like to... the more human penguin look, though. That was pretty oh, good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was better. Not the Danny DeVito penguin. I wasn't crazy about the Riddler's redesign. Uh, yeah. The bald, the bald Riddler, yeah. Um, I did like I did like the Mad Hatter's redesign uh, because he was. Now, I don't know how he shrunk a foot and a half, but yeah. <laughs> but all the same, I like that design better than the original. Yeah, and uh, I like I, I like Bane's redesign too. It's more S and M, yes, mm-hmm. but but it it works for me. <laughs> it does. It work as far as that character goes. It works. Yeah. Moving on to Batman Beyond. Sure. So now here's where they're really taking a huge risk. They have they've had great success with BTAS, you know, got to assume really good success with Superman the Animated Series and Gotham Knights, and then they're like, you know what? Let's go 50 years into the future. <laughs> Bruce Wayne, hey, he's an old man sitting in the cave. Alfred, dead. Dick, who knows? Robin, don't know. Batgirl, eh, she's a cop. You know who's Batman then? Some kid we never heard of before. Yeah, but what? Um, <laughs> That, you know, we've said this since the start, that they took this risk, that they had the guts to do this, um, I give them a ton of credit for. And I definitely give the network a lot of credit for it, too. Because they could have been like, yeah, let's stick with the formula that works. You know, Batman and Superman, maybe bring in Wonder Woman, not going into the future. You know, don't don't have to do any of that. You know, so everybody deserves credit for this show right here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it also, because they said this was the DCAU, it also tied them down. Anything they said here, if they were going to continue, and of course they did, but if they were going to continue doing the DCAU in the present day, anything they said here, they had to make sure lined up. Yeah, with what happened in the past and the future. Yeah, there were ramifications now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'll be, I'll be the first to admit here. This was really not the strongest show. In this no, it really series. wasn't. Um, it was kind of middling. Looking at the scores, it was very middling. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate. It really is. But on the whole, I'll still go back and watch a ton of these episodes. Oh yeah. Um, and this also, this part of the universe also gave us Return of the Joker. Mm-hmm. Hello, mm-hmm. <laughs> fucking amazing movie. Any way you look at it, yeah. um, the animation here, you know, by and large, was spectacular. It was mm-hmm. more, you know, we got, you know, we're a few years in the in the future in terms of art. You know, the the animators that we had, they have more uh, better technology to work with, and what have you. And uh, the animation was great. I liked that they incorporated rock music into their yeah. into their uh, scores. Uh, I thought that worked just perfectly with the the scheme of the show it did this show did introduce us to she who shall not be named <laughs> and for that it is going to forever be stained no it also had the egg baby episode i mean come on egg baby 
that episode was fucking hilarious, and I will hear nothing to the contrary. <laughs> okay, to be fair, I did go back and rescore Egg Baby at one point. You Let's did. see, what did I give it originally? I'm trying to look for it right now. Actually, I originally, wait a minute. No, you, I didn't. You did I, I, it. I, tr- I tried to reconsider it. You gave it a 9, I gave it a 6, and it ended up staying the same. So, you know, I'm not saying Egg Baby was terrible trio level of badness. I'm not saying it was uh, Critters level, level of badness. But, you know, definitely a little above average, but it's still the Egg Baby. Ah. <laughs> uh, you know what? It, if you're going to do that, then Fractured has to come down. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's got Larry. <laughs> you know, all right, well, then I guess Larry. we agree to disagree. Larry. See, now Larry. you get me started on Larry. Come on. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I don't know. This This show had... Really, if you look at it, it had as many flops as it did successes. Yeah. With maybe maybe uh, a little more emphasis on the, the successes, uh, because I think we both did give around a five point six or something in our averages. You were a five point six. I was a five point three. Yeah. So I mean, it's just ever so slightly above average. But I mean, look at all the great things that came out of this show: Return of the Joker, Terry McGinnis, you know, except for that one episode uh, where he. <laughs> He uh, fucked around on Dana. Mm. Great character. Great, great character. Uh, and Will Friedel, uh, you know, I've never heard of the guy before this show. He was he was perfect uh, for Terry McGinnis. He, he really, you could tell he loved playing that character. And then, of course, we get Kevin Conroy uh, being old Bruce. Yeah. It, it really showing us just how deep, deeply great of a voice actor he is here. Well, think about that. Think about, you know, and I'm sure we'll get into this again uh, when we speak about the voice actors later on, but he, uh, throughout the c- course of this show, he had to play Bruce Wayne. Um, he had to play old Bruce Wayne. He had to play a young Bruce Wayne, because, you know, in uh, Mask of the Phantasm, he had to change right. his voice a little. Uh-huh. Um, then, let's not forget, he's also doing all the Batman voices, because Bruce Wayne and Batman voice are different. He also has to do, you know, he's doing those at various ages. He also has to do Thomas Wayne. Um, he did, th- what was that, Perchance to Dream? Mm-hmm. He's doing Thomas there. He's, he's doing so many different voices. And yeah, you can tell it's him. But that's the point. You're supposed to be able to tell it's him. Because he's either doing Bruce's father, Bruce himself at various ages, or Batman at various ages. And, you and singing. Always, and singing, that's right. <laughs> you always believe that there's a continuity there, that this character is aging, that, that he's growing, too, that there's a family connection when he's doing other Waynes. It's, he's, he's just brilliant, and I think he did an excellent job in this program playing the elderly Bruce Wayne, and then an epilogue doing the ancient Bruce Wayne. Uh-huh. Again, he's got to change his voice. And uh, and I, I, I should mention that this show also gave us a superstitious and cowardly lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that cannot be uh, forgotten. No, no. Um, you know, I, I do think, though, with as regards to Batman Beyond, one thing that unfortunately brings down the show is how they mishandled so many of the villains. Yeah. Because they really did not do a very good job with most of the villains. Ink was mishandled. Blight was mishandled. Uh, Spellbinder was horribly mishandled. Uh, there weren't really many villains that came out looking uh, good or as big threats. Um, I think uh, Shriek was written pretty okay. Um, 
I'm trying to think. Stalker. I can't remember really much about the Stalker character. Who the uh, hell was Stalker? The, Stalker was the one. The the or was that that was his name? Was it the hunter guy who was trying to hunt oh, down a Batman yeah. for the sport of it? Bloodsport yeah. was that the episode mm-hmm. he was in? I don't know if that's the episode, but I remember the character now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think he was okay I, I, as far as I can remember. Uh, what about Curare? Curare was good. Yeah. You know, she didn't have any lines, but yeah. uh, she was definitely a threat. So she was written pretty well. Um, the there was a creepy stuck in wall earth mover guy. Oh God, yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ! <laughs> How they got away with that one, I'll never understand. That, that's got to be one of the creepiest moments in all of the DCAU. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Oh, don't forget, for, don't don't forget the villain, uh, the rat guy who kidnapped Dana, huh? Oh, oh, believe me, I'm going to have plenty to talk about this episode later on. I'm, I'm pretty sure you can guess what list that episode's going into. Like, why did I give that a four? And I re- Okay, I rescored that a two. Never mind. I was going to say, I really gave that a four? What the fuck? Yeah, I wanted to grade it a zero, but because yeah. Mad Stan was there, I couldn't. Oh, I just, yeah. in, good, in, in good conscience, I could not give that episode yeah. a zero because... There's another villain for you, Mad Stan. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I got to interject here while you're talking. While we're talking about scores, when you were going through the spreadsheet, did you notice anything interesting in the early episodes? Yeah, that I was grading things point fives. Yeah. And then stopped. Yeah, I was looking at these scores, and I'm like, we were giving. Well, you, not me. Yeah. But yeah. like, we were we were giving point fives. How the hell did that happen? Because I thought it was pretty strict about a ten point scale, no halvesies. And I'm looking, and I'm seeing these scores, and I was like, oh, 8.5, 6.5, okay. And then you're right, it just stops. And as far as I recall, I don't think I ever sent, a me- I sent you a message or anything saying we're going to drop the point fives. I think you just did it. Yeah, I was like, I, I think it was for me, it was just like, you know what, I need to just stop with the point five uh, stuff because it's just, it. I, I'm trying to put this into words, but I'm, I can't think of what it, what the word would be. But uh, when Mystery of the Batwoman came around and be, and after that I just I stopped with the point fives because yeah. it was uh, I think you know with the, the the eights fives ones fours whatever you want to give it they're, they're more definitive I guess right yeah. for lack of a better word your last ha- halvesy was I think chemistry yeah I'm looking here at five point five but and I actually um, regraded that to a six oh yeah so there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm sorry back to Batman Beyond. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to uh, say about this show, and I'm I'm sure there is, but I just I'm not thinking of it right now. Okay, well that's fine. Uh, Gotham Girls and Lobo, moving on. Uh- <laughs> yeah, Zeta Project. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, I appreciate what they were trying to do with Gotham Girls and Lobo, but what? <laughs> yeah, but what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, the Zeta Project again. Another chance they were taking, you know, a spinoff of a spinoff featuring a character no one's ever heard of before. Only appeared in like two or three episodes of Batman Beyond at that. I mean, it's it's loosely connected to the DCAU because it's a spinoff of Batman Beyond. And because, you know, we did point out, and, you know, it was recently pointed out again at the forums, but we did point out, I think it was you as a matter of fact, that Agent West might be a relative of Wally West. He's he's a ginger with a West last name. He's a uh, law enforcement. Somebody officer. on the forums pointed that out. It might have uh, been Nightwing or Coite or somebody. You you mean just now or ages ago? No, I'm talking about. Oh, you mean back when we were first reviewing? Yeah. Oh, that I don't remember. I, it was pointed out on the air. Someone pointed that out. Um, I don't know if it was an email or us, but it was pointed out a long time ago. So I think they purposely did that to try to again connect it, make another tenuous connection to the DCAU, but. 
Yeah, the Zeta Project. I'm looking at our list here. No, I can't say that. I was going to say it was the only show that as a whole fell under an average score of a 5. But it's not the only one. Static Shock also had an average score below 5. But Zeta Project was the first one to do that, if you don't count the webtoons. Yeah. Um, and I don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So that, that really tells you all you need to know about Zeta Project, I think. You know, I appreciate the fact that, uh, I forget which listener it was, but said that uh, Rosalind, Rosalind, whatever, no, what was her name? Rosalie Rowan. Rosalie Rowan? Yeah. Or Rosalie, that, that, I should say. Yeah, that, that you know, that, that that was one of their favorite characters, and they would love to see more of her in the comics. Um, you know, you know. so I don't want you to think we're poo-pooing it. Not then, not now. We're definitely not. It just really wasn't the best cartoon. Um, it probably was... Again, excluding the webtoons, the the worst entry in the series. But I don't mean worst as in, like, it was terrible. Just, I don't know. Just something about it just didn't work. That said, it had some really great episodes. I'm looking at it. Rose Reunion. That was with her brother, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, Cabin Pressure. You gave that an 8. I gave it a 6. Uh, the Hologram Man, 8 and 7. We, you know, we have a couple of 6s in here. Um, a couple other 7s. Uh, Resume Mission. Uh, the first episode, The Accomplice, we both gave sevens. Yeah, it was a really strong opening episode of that series. Yeah, and then it just kind of dipped, and it would come up a little and dip again. I mean, Crime Waves, we both gave ones. Taffy Time, 3.2. Kid Genius, <laughs> 1 and 0. I mean, oh my ugh. God. You know, it's... You know, because we, we see that with the other shows. It'll start out strong and then dip, and then it'll come back again. And Zeta could just never really come back to where it started with The Accomplice. I mean, Zeta was never going to be, you know, a show that ranked, like, an overall 7 from us, you know? In fact, yeah. only one show got an overall of a score over a 7. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it really was going to have a hard time getting up to the 6 level. So I think they did as good as they could with that franchise. I wish it could have been better because it was interesting at times. I do like how Bucky grew. We hated him at first, and by the end, we were sort yep. of like, wait, this kid isn't so bad through gritted teeth. You know? <laughs> That's what I was going to say because I, I haven't said, really even said anything about it. Right, yeah, I've just things. been going off about this one, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that was one thing I did like about the Zeta Project is how they actually managed to make a character we hate pretty good for his last two appearances. Yep, uh, yep. The 180 there was quite spectacular, actually. I'm, mm -hmm. I can't even imagine how they were able to do it. Yeah. But, um, you know, yeah, this show, it really is pretty weak. Uh, it it doesn't have very good animation no. uh, for the vast majority of it, uh, which is rather strange, considering it's supposed to be a futuristic show. But, um, yeah, it... Uh, <sighs> I too agree with the emailer that uh, Roe was a great character, and I I would love to see more of her in the comics. Yes, um, but and I was and I remember when we did our Static Zeta uh, retrospective that I was sad that the show ended because it did have potential. There was there was potential there, and I will argue to the death anyone who says otherwise. Uh, but you know, by and large, it just if it did not work. Uh, because because of weak characters, just bad scripts, bad storylines. That I'm glad that they had a backbone story and they were they were sticking to it. Uh, 
with uh, Ro and Zeta trying to escape from the NSA or whoever the whatever the group was. I think it was the NSA. But, but yeah, because that was the first time they had done that with this show too, or not with the show, but with the universe. I mean, before this, we hadn't seen an overarching story like we would later on with the Cadmus stuff. Yeah. So that's something you absolutely have to give Zeta. We didn't see that in Batman. We didn't see it in Superman. We didn't see it in Batman Beyond. We would see little story arcs, like the whole Dark Side Fourth World stuff in Superman, but there was no that wasn't the thrust of the series where Roe and Zeta being on the run. That was the thrust of that series. Yep. Um, so yeah, that, that was a good point you made there. I never really thought about that. Yeah. That but, that they they had a mission and they stuck to it. Mm-hmm. Uh. But, I mean, overall, the story really didn't lead anywhere because it just ended. They didn't, they didn't renew the show, and you know, yeah. I guess for obvious reasons. Yeah. And really thinking about it, I wouldn't be surprised if you could get a couple of seasons out of a live-action Zeta project. On, like, sci-fi or something? Um, sci-fi or Fox, maybe. I don't know. Fox is sometimes iffy with their sci-fi stuff. But, yeah, I, I bet you could get a couple of seasons somewhere. Um, that's possible. It's, it's, it's got some legs, as as you said. It's it's not a bad concept. The dynamic between the two characters of Ro and Zeta, uh, it, it it was good. It really was. They played off each other very well. Um, yeah. And it, it's, I remember when you were talking about uh, Rose, like, oh, he, he's so rude. Why why would he do that? And then Zeta's like, family trait. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> so there is chemistry between these two characters. It yeah. could work. Mm-hmm. My only fear is if they were to do it live action, and we got this in the cartoon, but I forgive it a little little more in a cartoon. Um, but if they were to do it live action, you know, they would do Zeta like Zeta was, or like Data from Star Trek: The Next Generation, where you have this robot who looks like a teenager or an adult, but is very childlike. You know, doesn't get um, you know sarcasm and euphemisms and things like that, and that can get old. That can really get old. And my cats are fighting on the kitchen table. Why? I don't know, but they are. They had to make one final appearance. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> Meanwhile, my dog has been asleep the entire time. He doesn't care. He's not a, yeah. thrill, not a fame seeker. Yeah. But, uh, so, if they, could, if they could do the program where Zeta was a little more mature, a little more learned... Um, wasn't the naive kind of robot, I think it would work a lot better than the stereotypical, the robot who's very childlike that we've seen way too many times. But may- maybe there's another way we can get uh, the Zeta Project back and get Ro, uh, more Ro stories out there for our listener. When we went to Static. Yep. Now, here we go. Here's another one that collectively scored less than a 5. And I should say, you gave it a 4.98, I gave it a 4.96. So almost a 5 from both of us. So no, it wasn't overall a great show. Again, highs and lows. Unfortunately, more lows than highs. But at the same time, what I have always and will always praise Static Shock for is the family dynamic of Virgil's family. Family dynamic of Virgil's family. But you know what I mean? I couldn't remember their last name, Hawkins, right? Yes. I meant to say the family dynamic of the Hawkins, okay. Because we, you definitely didn't get that in Batman. Yeah, Alfred's there as Bruce's uh, foster surrogate father, whatever. But he was an adult at that point. You're not really getting a lot of the family dynamic. Superman, we got the Kents, but we're not seeing him as a boy. You know, not getting it in Gotham Knights, 
not getting it in Batman Beyond, not getting it in Zeta. Here, though, we've got a young superhero who has to deal with a sister, a father, and it's a loving family. Uh, yeah, they got a little cliched with the way Virgil and his sister interacted. Sure. But Mr. Hawkins was always a bright spot on that show. He was always there to impart some wisdom. Yep. And it never felt uh, ham-fisted. Um, it never felt forced. It, it always felt genuine. Um, this show had a lot going for it. I just wish at the end of the day the that they didn't try being so hip with it. Because that's what they were really trying to do with this show. I yeah. mean, they really were trying to aim it at a younger audience, at a, dare I use the phrase, and urban audience, you know, um, and in so doing, they, they were trying to make everyone a little more street, a little more this, and it's just, you, you've got older white guys trying to write, again, in quotes, urban. That doesn't work. <laughs> it just doesn't. You, you need younger writers to do that. They don't have to be black. You can have white guys. You can have Hispanic guys. You can have Asian guys. You can have whatever, you know, but you definitely need a younger audience writing that kind of show. Um, and I really do think that's where Win Zeta or excuse me, Win Static failed. That's why it failed. But you get some wonderful episodes in there. The racism one. Um, I know you had issues with it, but Jimmy, the gun episode. I, I still graded Jimmy a seven. I no, think. you definitely did, but you did take. There were some issues I, no, you I had did. with it. I did. Yeah. You know, the one where Virgil. I forget what was the one where Virgil went back in time and got to see his mom. Uh, was that flash, flashback? flashback? Yeah. yeah. You know, okay, we gave it six. It's not the best scores, but again, dealing with some truly emotional stuff. He's getting to see his mom who gets shot down, and I believe it was the night she gets killed, too. Yep. He can tell her what to do, but he, he just he can't at the same time. Um, so, But then we get shit like Toys on the Hood, you know? <laughs> yeah, Romeo um, in the mix. <laughs> yeah, oh, God, yeah. Shaq and the Hoop Squad. Hoop Squad! Attack of Living Brain Puppets. <laughs> God. Um, Single worst title of any show in this entire universe. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, seriously, no matter, no matter how bad Static could suck at times, the family dynamic was always there. And... I love that show for it. It's honestly one of my favorite shows. Despite the scores we gave it, it's one of my favorite shows in the DCAU because of it. Um, and I, Static is a show where, you know, if they had the season sets, I could just pop the DVD in and just let it play. Okay, sure. yeah. Sure, if I, if, and I mean, just episode through episode. Now, if I come across a brain puppet or toys in the hood, yeah, I'm going to skip past it. But, by and large, I can just kind of leave it going. Sometimes it'll be background noise. Sometimes it'll be a great episode. And there are plenty of great episodes in this series. When Static is not being a douchebag to other heroes, he's a great character. And and Richie is a character I hold near and dear to my heart in, in the grand scope of this entire DCAU. Gear Richie, that, that character is awesome. He... He is a great compliment to uh, to Virgil Hawkins, and they they have great chemistry. They're best friends. You can tell they've been friends for a very long time, um, and that they've helped each other through like tough times in their life, uh, like you know, like Virgil losing his mother. And um, it, and I remember when we were first introduced to uh, to uh, Richie, uh, or I should say maybe two or three Richie episodes in. I was I was just in, in loving the the fact that he wasn't she who shall not be named. Yeah, you know, Static's compliment character, his sidekick, dare I say, is is somebody who 
actually is useful, actually contributes something to the plot, is not in the way all the fucking time. That's really what I take. I know the family dynamic is awesome, and I I can fully understand why that's the thing you love most about the show. The thing I love most about the show, though, was the static and gear dynamic. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised I didn't bring up that dynamic because it really was um, it was there. It was real. Um, these characters existed before the show. They will continue to exist after the show. And I love one more thing about gear that I liked was when he found out he had superpowers. It was just super intelligent. He, he wasn't exactly thrilled with this. Yeah. Like, oh, great. <laughs> I, I, I have a big brain. <laughs> but then he realizes that, yeah, this can be a very useful power. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, moving on to Justice League. Mm. Ooh, what's what's that? Mm. <laughs> well, we've we spoke about this. Uh, what, gee, what was it like two weeks ago? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So yeah, we'll probably be. That's right. We'll probably be quicker with Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Regardless, Justice League, for all its flaws, the first season, it really wasn't that good. You had some great episodes in there uh, with uh, Legends and Injustice for All, but by and large, it was not a very strong first season at all. Uh, but by the time Savage Time rolled around, they knew what they were doing. They fixed their mistakes. Very few stinkers from then on. Uh, you have your hearts and minds, sure. Eclipse, yeah, sure. But then you, you've, you've still got things like Hereafter and Wildcard, Starcrossed. Uh, we disagree on A Better World, but I still think that's a great episode. And the point remains, they, they knew what they were doing. They fixed their mistakes, and they got it right in that second season. My God, it was epic. Yeah, I mean, earlier we were talking about, you know, how a show might start strong or might even start kind of low and it'll dip a little further and then come back up. You know, and when I when I say that, this is the show I'm talking about. Definitely starts kind of middling, dips a little, comes back up, dips a little some more, comes back up, and then you're right, Savage Time hits and it's just go, go, go. Ooh, it is, hit, hit a pothole. Go, 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 go. Um... Uh, that that's really all I have to say about Justice League because as as I said just a few minutes ago we we just got done speaking about it uh, a few episodes back I, I really don't have anything else about Justice League right now yeah. mm-hmm. so Teen Titans <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love this show so much um, and really when you get down to it. This show is the best show in the DCAU. I firmly believe that. Uh, and I think that is reflected in our grades. Um, I believe our average... For, well, was our average for Justice League Unlimited higher or was this higher? I can't... Justice League Unlimited is higher. Okay. Uh, yeah, our averages for this were 6.8 and 6.84. This is the only show I actually scored higher than you out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Justice League Unlimited, you gave a 7.6, I gave a 7.5. Ah, um, right. So yeah, very close these shows were, but yeah, in terms of scores, uh, Justice League would be at the top, Teen Titans would be in the second spot. Now, if that's where we rank the shows overall, we'll actually see. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, this, this, this was high. I mean, again, so high that I actually scored it higher than you. And again, not by much, it's not like... You know, you gave it a 5, and I gave it a 12, you know. Yeah. Um, This show is so fantastic, really wire to wire. Um, Season 3, 
not the greatest of seasons, admittedly. That was but, a cyborg season, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And, but it wasn't it wasn't terrible. It wasn't even bad or mediocre. It was still good. Um and I'm trying to think of uh the episodes, like some episodes within season three that still made a great haunted. My God, that episode is so fucking cool. And that's it right there in the middle of, of, uh, you know, season three spellbound is in, is in season three. Uh, revolution is in season three. I, I, so you know what, that even their worst season was still better than many other DCAU shows, individual seasons. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you. Yeah, I think the only I think the only one we majorly disagreed on. Well, no, I rescored some of those. Was uh, uh, can I keep them? I you gave it a four. I gave it a nine. Oh, and there was things change. Oh, things change. I forgot about that. That's right. Um, but besides those two episodes, we were pretty much neck and neck with with a lot of our scores. Yep. Um, and you know I, what I was going to say earlier was the prophecy, but I eventually rescored that a ten. Where originally I gave it a 7 and you gave it a 10. I don't even know what to say about this show without just gushing, gushing, gushing. It's mm-hmm. I, All these characters, even Cyborg, which admittedly was the weakest, you know, most weakly written of all the, the Titans. You know, still, I don't care. He's, he was a great part of the team. I loved his, his dynamic with, with Beast Boy. Yeah. Anytime those two are on the screen, it's hilarious. The voice acting in this show is probably the best... Uh, all around because, and I say that because there's not really any bad performances that I can remember off the top of my head. Anyway, uh, the the core cast, uh, and I include Ron Perlman in that, were just fucking phenomenal. I really can't add anything to it. Um, I think. See, this is hard because there's always favorite and best. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, 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 there's a part of me that wants to say this was my favorite. Um, I think it has the most rewatchable episodes. It really does. Um, there are... So, okay, let, let's go back to my regrades. Mm-hmm. 10, 10, 10, 10, 9. <laughs> you know, I... Enough I, said. Exactly. There were episodes that I had, I had already... I was already ranking them high. I mean, let, let's let me let me look at this list here. Nevermore. Sorry, I have to scroll up and down here on this list. What season was Nevermore? That was the first season. Nevermore. You give a ten. I gave an eight. Eventually, I changed that to a ten. Betrayal. That's when we start to get into the. That's Terra, Ter- right? Terra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Terra season two, right? Yep. Yeah, but okay. Again, betrayal. Ten and eight. I moved that up to a ten. You know, then we get into the Raven storyline, Birthmark, and the Prophecy. I bumped those up to tens for real. Bumped it up to a nine from a seven. I don't know. I mean, I, I think most of the time when I rescore, I might go up a point or maybe even down a point or two. But I was going up several points, giving them perfect grades at the end of the day. Um, there were probably a couple extra that I would have uh, looked back at had we uh, expanded it out and said, oh, can we do six or seven episodes? This is the most fun show. Let me word it that way. That's that's where I've been leading with this. Uh, that's um, for sure. You know, definitely one of my favorites. Hard to say if it is my actual favorite. I know I'm going to have to decide that uh, at some point during this recording. But this was the show I had the most fun with. None other. Now, there were episodes of the Justice League that had great fun. The Flash episodes. Duh. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um... But from start to finish, Teen Titans was just 
fun. Yeah, you got the dark stuff. Yeah, you got some depressing stuff, some emotional stuff. But they always made sure to give you as much fun as they could. Justice League? Justice League. Okay, so what about Justice League Unlimited? Again, uh, we just spoke about it, so I don't know what we can say. Yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. It's it, They took everything that was great about the first two seasons and then just multiplied it by about a thousand. They gave us, as we were saying a few minutes ago, a backbone story arc for that first season. Uh, or first two seasons, I'm, I'm not sure how it really divides really, uh, here, but... Uh, Look at all the tens we gave during <laughs> during during the course of Justice League Unlimited. Gal- the Galatea episode, the Once in Future thing, Question Authority, Panic in the Sky, Divided We Fall, uh, um, Alive, Epilogue, just, just tens all over the place. And then tons of nines and eights. That's really all that needs to be said right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, where Superman the Animated Series really started expanding out the DCAU, you know, showing us the Flash showing us Kyle as the Green Lantern. Um, I think we got... Yeah, we definitely got Sinestro over there. We got the Weather Wizard. You know, all these... Steel, right. You know, the Justice League Unlimited was like, let's take what we did with Superman and explode it to the nth degree. Yeah. Um, Just throw all these characters in there. Not all of them are going to have speaking roles, but someone's going to geek out because Aztec's there. Because Stargirl's there. Fire... Uh, nice. Fire and art. Someone's going to geek out because Hawk and Dove were there. As much as we didn't like them, someone's going to. I believe Dez is a fan of those characters. I'm not sure he liked what they did with them in that episode, but sure enough, you know, there they were for for someone to grab onto. You know, the the question, oh my God, we've gushed about the question so many times, and we have to continue to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. This show really showed you that this is a universe where maybe you thought there was the Justice League and an extra hero here and there like Zatanna or whoever, you know, before that, I should say. And then this one, it's like, no, there's there's an army of these guys and they've got a big space station. And along those same lines, it also made you, if you really stopped and thought about it, made you realize why the humans were afraid of them. An army of superheroes and a space station with a BFG? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd yeah. be afraid too. Even if they were Superman and Green Lantern and Wonder Woman, I would be very afraid. And I think they did an excellent job by having Green Lantern voice that. Yeah, he's a crazy left-wing pinko commie. Green Arrow? Yeah, Green Arrow, sorry, yeah. You know, he's definitely those things I just said. But he's not wrong when he says those things. And it's very important they got that across because they want to show you that... Even the heroes are starting to doubt what they're doing. Batman, they dropped it, but starts to doubt what they're doing. Question gets in Superman's face about what they're doing. Um, I, I really love that it wasn't just black and white when it came to the heroes versus Cadmus. There were definite shades of gray on both sides. So, where do we go from here? Well, do you want to rank the series? Sure. Okay. Um, for, do you want to do it from best to I don't want to say worse. Well, worse because Gotham Knights or Gotham uh, Girls Webtoon, and, and yeah. Lobo. So okay, we yeah. can say best to worst. <laughs> uh, where do you want to start? Best to worst or worst to best? Uh, well, let's do worst to best. I mean, okay, it's logical. Yeah. So um, we're both going to say Gotham Girls and Lobo. Yeah, obviously. Um, you gave that a two point five. I gave it a two point five. Uh, that's at the bottom of the list. Score wise, quality wise, everything wise. Yeah. 
what would you put in ninth place? Uh, the Zeta Project. You give a 4.8, I give a 4.7. Why is that in ninth? For all the potential there, it it just did not succeed in a lot of areas. I have to agree with, with what you said there. Um, yeah, going back to it, I praise it for turning Bucky around. But at the same time, they just they just didn't do everything they could with the concept or the world. Um, so it, that's ninth for me, too. Uh, what would you put in eighth? This is going to be kind of weird. I, I, I really don't want to rank it this Uh-oh. low. Uh-oh, I'm wondering if we're going to agree on this one, too. Okay, go ahead. It's Batman Beyond. It is Batman Beyond, isn't it? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, as we kept talking about it uh, a few minutes ago, I just kept remembering how poorly the vast majority of Terry's rogues gallery was, mm-hmm. was written. Um, you know, uh, we got return of the Joker fucking amazing movie, even, mm-hmm. not even cartoon movie, just an amazing movie right. in and of itself. Um, that has to be given to the show's credit. Uh, they, ex- you know, they expanded the DCAU into the future. Awesome. Got to give it credit for that. Uh, they got, you got old Bruce, uh, and more fantastic voice acting from Kevin Conroy, Will Friedel, everybody there. But really, it just there was a lot of disappointment in this, and it, most of it revolves around the Rogues Gallery and yeah, you know who. As we were talking, I was like, "Oh shoot, I never ranked these. I didn't write anything down." So I started. I wrote down all the, the all the series, and I started ranking them. And I wrote Batman Beyond an eighth, and I'm like, "Really?" And then I was like, "Yeah, that." That that comes in eighth. There are just some things that maybe not quality wise in terms of the way it was animated. Because obviously we're putting this in eighth. That means we're saying static was better than this. Yeah. Even though static on a if you on a purely grade level is worse by a couple by like I don't know, Batman Beyond, you give a five point six, I give a five point three, static four point nine eight and four point nine six. Static is worse on a grading scale than Batman Beyond, but Static had an extra level to it that Batman Beyond just didn't have. And, um, you know, I I think one of the reasons why the rogues didn't always work is because, you know, when you're doing Batman, the regular Batman, Bruce Wayne, when you're doing Superman, you can play off what's already there. You can adapt a Joker story. You can adapt a Lex Luthor story. You know how Luthor is going to act. But then when you do Batman Beyond, you're creating a whole new world, a whole new Batman, a whole new rogues gallery. Because mind you, they said from the start that their goal wasn't to do Two-Face Beyond, Clayface Beyond. We had similar characters. We had Ink. We had Mm -hmm. the Jokers. Sure, Mr. Freeze even showed up in a very logical way. You know, when you have to start from scratch with everything... And you can't base it on these pre-existing storylines. I, I think it was a very rough thing for them to do. And I think that's why the villains didn't come across as the strongest uh, rogues gallery that we ever saw in the DCAU. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they just spent... They, they had other things to focus on. It was about building Terry up, his relationship with Dana, his relationship with Bruce... Um, his family life with his we didn't get much of his mom and his brother but you know we got to see a little there so when the villains showed up generally they were just kind of villains and that was it you didn't know too much about them you didn't care to know too much about them yeah okay so then what's in seventh for you seventh will be static shock okay um again the uh i guess what makes it better than batman beyond is 
you know, I think some of the villains here were very well written. Um, Ebon was a fantastic uh, villain, des- design wise and threat wise. Yeah. Um, and that's more than I can say in just than just about anybody that Terry faced. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I I know I'm getting into like funny WFP moments, which is going to be for later on. But still, our butchering of F stops name <laughs> really is one of the things I will remember forever from this yeah. podcast. <laughs> um, not the best villain, but he was funny at times. Like when he's burning the theater down, and he's like, "Cause the movie sucked." <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness! Because um, what was he watching? Was it Star Wars? Did we, did we imagine it was Star Wars? What was I, it? He, he, we were I think like, it was a Star Wars parody. Yeah, it was. And we were like, oh, maybe he was watching one of the prequels. <laughs> yeah, I want to say he was. I don't know. Maybe we made that up. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, in all seriousness, no, it is a very solid show uh, with a great family dynamic. Uh, two, the two lead characters of Static and Gear are great. Um, but, you know, it does it does suffer from the fact that the wrong people were writing for it, I think. So. So seventh, I think, is a good place for it to be. Okay, I'm going to disagree there. Um, for me, I'm think I'm going to take more flack for this than putting Batman Beyond in eighth. But in seventh, for me, is Justice League. Hmm. Um, yes, it got better uh, uh, at, at the midpoint, but that first half, there really is some bad stuff in there. Um, mind you, that's where Stoner Mike was birthed, you know. Um, <laughs> War world. I, yeah. And I also think, for the most part, they didn't need to be two-parters. I, I, I appreciate that they were trying something new. Don't get me wrong. I definitely enjoyed that. But I don't think they were ready for it. Um, the two-parters should have been used for... Okay, we've got the three-parters, like Starcrossed. Uh, was Savage Time a two- or a three-parter? Three-parter. Three-parter. So we've got the epics. Two-parter should be saved for not an epic, but something that's a little more uh, powerful emotionally and action-wise than a one-parter, but just not as big as a three-parter. And then stick with the one-parters. But having everything, or almost everything, be a two-parter, I think it did hurt the show overall. Um, and uh, that, that, that's, that, that's really why it's going to be ranked lower for me. I think if they could have condensed a lot of those into one episodes... Man, uh, Justice League would have would have been so much stronger. It would have not not rocked it out of the gate. I don't know why I was going to say that, but that would that's what I was going to say. But uh, <laughs> um, I think I would hold it in a higher regard um, from the beginning than I do overall. Okay. So there we go. Uh, so then, what's sixth for you? Sixth for me is going to be Gotham Knights. Okay. Um, really, you could. You could make the argument for it being higher, certainly. Um, but there were a lot of really, really bad Gotham Knights episodes. Critters. Critters. Joker's Millions. Love is a Croc. Holiday Nights. Uh, fuck. What am I th- mean Seasons. My God in Heaven, Mean Seasons. Torch uh, Song. Torch Song. Uh, there were a lot of stinkers in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But, that being said, you still got... You know, Old Wounds, Legends of the Dark Knight, Mad Love. Uh, hell, even Beware the Creeper was fun as hell. Uh, growing Pains, Cold Comfort. Over the Edge. Over the Edge. So, you know, it, it's this 
Gotham Knights was really the best example of a tale of two cities. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As in, in in this entire DC animated universe, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so I think it being six out of 10 is really the perfect place for it. Okay. Um, I, I, pardon me. I, I stopped giving our scores for a second there. Uh, for static, you gave that a 4.98. I know I said these earlier, but I just want to remind people. And uh, I give that a 4.96. Justice League, you give it 6.4. I give it 6.1. Gotham Knights, 6.18, 6.16 from me. Uh, so let's see. What would my – we're on six, right? Mm-hmm. My six is static shock. Okay. Um, I'm not going to say too much more. I think I've had my say about static shock. Um, no, I will say one thing. That was one of the biggest surprises for me in the DCAU was going into that show kind of, I hate to use the word, but I'm going to meh, and coming out going, <laughs> you know what? That was that was a fun, entertaining cartoon. And mm-hmm. I think maybe because I went in with lower expectations, I came out the other side seeing it in a slightly brighter light than uh, maybe you did or our listeners did. So, yeah. So then uh, that was my six. So what's your five? Five for me is going to be Justice League. Okay. Um, I hold this show in high regard, mainly for the second season, obviously, because the the first. I think you have a great point there as far as the two point or the two point the two part episodes go, uh-huh. because when you have everything being a two parter, it really kind of takes away from the drama of seeing to be continued. Exactly. I love seeing the words to be continued because it hooks you. That's what it's supposed to do. But when you know it's going to be a two parter, then it kind of loses some of the effect. That being said, the second season of this show is as good as anything you will ever see. Uh, besides, like maybe two or three episodes, that the the episodes were so awesome and so epic. They they brought uh, Dark Side. This is where they brought Dark Side into Justice League. This is where um, we. This is really where John Jones became. Uh, it came into the forefront to be a really strong character. Um, we got... Wait, they brought Darkseid into Justice League? What am I forgetting? Twilight. That was the season premiere of season two. Oh, duh, duh, duh. I forgot about that. You're right, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, uh, but uh, we got uh, the Joker in the Wild Cards episode, which was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, hereafter, where Superman and Vandal Savage walk around... <laughs> Uh, and Vandal Savage is just loony. It, it, <laughs> phenomenal episode. So doesn't he offer Superman tea or lunch or something? It's like, like, so what do we do now? Lunch? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's quite a collection of books you have there. Yeah, uh, you, you have to do anything you can to keep from going insane. Yeah. He's already insane. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's great. Uh so yeah. I mean, the the first season, yeah, it. It was extremely disappointing, by and large. But second season was phenomenal, and I'll I will put it up against any season uh, of any show in this in this universe. Okay. Um. So that was your number five, correct? Correct. So my number five is going to be Gotham Knights. Mm-hmm. Um. And I'm just going to say everything you said a few minutes ago when you ranked it number six is the same reason I'm giving it number five. I can't add anything. I can't dispute anything. So let's just move on to your number four. <laughs> okay, this is where it gets a little tricky, mm-hmm. um, because there's two shows here vying for vying for third place. Oh. Uh. Um, 
and I'm trying. I'm really trying to decide between them, but I think I'm going to have to put Superman in fourth. And I'm also putting it in fourth. Superman, I love this show so much. Uh, I really do. I think the reason, even though it did expand the the DCAU exponentially, uh, is because BTAS was first, and it's and Batman is a character that is my favorite comic book character. I've made I've made no secret of that fact, and BTAS just holds a little bit more of a a bigger place in my heart. But it it's like these. These two are like so close together; it's it's almost immeasurable how close they are together. I could, on a different day, maybe I would swap these two. I, I'm obviously giving away what my number three is, but still, <laughs> being fourth place in this list is not is nothing to be ashamed of. It's it's a, still a great show. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, honestly, I feel the only place on this list that should carry any shame is the tenth for the webtoons, and they barely count as is. Um, I, I think even ninth, you know, both of us, we did the Zeta project. No, it wasn't great, but they were trying something, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that place carries a little shame, but once we get up into eighth for Batman Beyond, it could have been better, but no shame. No shame. It was still a wonderful show. As you said, it had a, a, a what do you call it? The, I just lost it. Return the Joker movie. Return, Return of the Joker. Joker. Yeah. Yep. Um, so for me, getting to Superman, why I put it in fourth place, um, because there were better shows, I feel. <laughs> That's really it. I mean... That's as good a reason as any. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it definitely deserves to be up there. It definitely gets a, a bonus point for um, changing how we saw the DCAU, for truly making the DCAU from expanding on uh, what they did with Batman the Animated Series. Um, and, yeah, for taking risks. The late Mr. Kent. Hello. Hell Guy yeah. dies in a gas chamber. What? <laughs> you know, Apocalypse Now, Turpin gets in, uh, incinerated with the Omega Beams. That was Apocalypse Now, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. Um, you know, they they were definitely, it might have been the big, bright, metropolis, Superman cartoon, but they were definitely touching on some very dark, morbid themes. Um, so it does deserve to be this high up. It just doesn't deserve to be any higher as we've both said. Mm-hmm. Um, did I say what we graded those? Oh, no. Oh, 6.2 and 5.8, you and me, respectively. Okay. So, what's your number three? Well, uh, I pretty much gave it yeah. away there. Batman the Animated Series is number three. Um, and honestly, the reason that one is number three is... No, Alfred, that's not the reason. <laughs> uh, no, the reason is because... Justice League Unlimited and Teen Titans are are just so consistently awesome that BTAS can't be ranked any higher uh, because BTAS it did it started everything it started the ball and it deserves all the credit in the world for being that and it was it was wonderfully scored wonderfully acted uh, yeah there were. A, a lot of bad episodes, no doubt. I think we were both really disappointed with how they handled the Joker. And really, it's for that that I can't rank it higher than the other two shows. Um, well, for me, number three, JLU. Hmm. Um, I know. I, I, I Trust me, I know. <laughs> but when, I, when I was creating <laughs> I'm not going to give you any shit for it. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I understand. <laughs> yeah, when I was ranking them, I was like, really? Number three? Wow. Um... Didn't really see that coming, but at the same time, I should have seen it coming. 
it just boils down to the fact that I had more fun with Teen Titans, and I have a deeper appreciation for Batman the Animated Series. That's really it. Um, in terms of what we scored, JLU, you give it a 7.6, I gave it a 7.5. It should be the number one show. Absolutely. But I just can't give it that. Um, again, because of fun and what BTAS means to the DCAU. Mm -hmm. So JLU just has to take the number three spot for me. Oh, and I should say, uh, BTAS... Uh, you gave that a 6.1, I gave that a 6.0. Mm -hmm. Since I didn't say that before. Um, so that was our number threes. What's number two? <laughs> it's going to be Justice League Unlimited. Okay. Um, the consistent awesomeness of this show uh, speaks for itself. The Cadmus story arc was probably the most epic storyline that they pulled off in the entire DCAU. Yeah. It was just... <sighs> I don't even know how I can possibly say, well, you know, Teen Titans is better than Justice League. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm going to have a hard time explaining that in a couple minutes. But we are both going to take so much shit for that, aren't we? <laughs> oh, we are. <laughs> we are indeed. It just dawned on me. <laughs> Not only is there the continuity debate, we just both ranked it higher than JLU. We're disputing the place it goes, but we're both ranking it higher nonetheless. <laughs> Uh, this might be my favorite WFP moment of all time. Oh goodness gracious! Um, yeah, I'm not. Even, I'm not going to say a bad word about this show. Yeah, no. there's. Yeah, okay. There was one or two pretty lame episodes. Okay, that's it. You can't say anything else bad about this show at all. There's nothing to take off for this show. Um, so. Yeah, I'm, it's number two, though. So my number two, it's it's Teen Titans. Did I give our scores for these? I know I did earlier, but have I done it while we're doing this? We, not, not right now, no. Okay, 6.8 and 6.84. Um, again, not going to say too much more about this. It really is just the, the level of fun. There is a, 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 a consistency of quality in this, too. Definitely is. That's another reason why it's so high. But there are so many episodes of Teen Titans that I can just throw in, sit down, and watch. There's even sort of mid-level ones that I can just throw in as decent background noise. I won't necessarily pause when I get up to go to the bathroom or make a sandwich or something. You know, mm -hmm. um, you know all the dynamics in here. You know, the romance between Robin and Starfire, the friendship between Star and Raven, the friendship between Beast Boy and uh, Cyborg, um, the, the weird tension between Raven and Beast Boy, that's great. The, the relationship that ends up developing between Starfire and Cyborg, you know, especially in that Troc episode. Uh -huh. um, the, you know, Robin's leadership and the respect everybody has for him. Hell, the, 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 what was the episode where he go, was it? What was it called? The Quest or something like that? Where they all dress up as Robin, including Silky. Yeah. Uh -huh. You know, um, you you honestly came away from that show feeling as if these characters did live together, did work together, deeply cared about each other, um, and. Uh, that, that, that's one of the reasons why it's up here. You also have to look at um, 
what Ron Perlman did with Slade and what the writers were doing with Slade. Mm-hmm. Um, he really was the sixth member of that cast. Yeah, Tara was there for a little while, but Slade really was that sixth member, and for good reason. I mean, Deathstroke is, you know, a mainstay in the Titans slash Teen Titans universe. And uh, what they did with Ron Perlman was just brilliant. Um, uh, and his, his voice acting was just some of the best stuff you're, you're going to see in cartoons, uh, So especially in the DCAU, too. Mm-hmm. Um uh, the Trigon storyline, the Raven storyline, whatever you want to call it, again, just deep and dark and depressing. But you come out the other side uh, with this whole new relationship between Raven and Robin. And uh-huh. she has a reason to live because Robin showed her that through the deepest, darkest stuff, you can still hope. There's always hope. Um, so... For, for for me, that that's why this one's so high. And don't get me wrong, I, I love what they were doing in JLU. I really do. But I never quite felt these dynamics in that show. Um, so there we go. Yep. Uh, so your number one is... Teen Titans. Yeah. Uh, pretty much everything you just said. Mm-hmm. Right there. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't add another thing to it, really. I can't. Okay. I just can't think of it. Uh, I Raven is one of my favorite characters in all of the DCAU, uh, and really her, her her interactions with everybody are are just great. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I just I can't even put into words how much I love this show. And I this was the show. You know, besides uh, I think besides Zeta Project because I had never seen a single episode of that before we did the uh, before we covered it on WFP. I think this show was the one I had seen the least of Oh, okay. in terms of episodes, because I'd seen a lot of Static Shock, I'd seen a lot of Batman Beyond, and all the other shows. Uh, but I, don't, I never saw more than, I would say, 10 to 15 episodes of, of uh, Teen Titans back when they originally aired. Mm-hmm. And I had to go to great lengths to procure these DVDs <laughs> when, yeah. for us to review them. I got them all off of eBay, because they're not being manufactured anymore. Yeah. And... Uh, I just I, I would sit there and watch these episodes, and when I was done watching the fifth episode or sixth episode, I should say, for whenever we were reviewing them on a WFP, I would just keep watching the next set of episodes. <laughs> yeah, I was just I love this show so very very much. I I have no qualms with putting it number one. So for me, obviously, at number one is uh, Batman the Animated Series. Uh-huh. If I didn't say it before, you gave it a six point one. I give it a six point zero. <sighs> It's not just because it started the DCAU. It's not just because of Kevin Conroy and what they were doing with the villains, which I mentioned earlier, you know, making us feel for Two-Face and uh, uh, Mr. Freeze and to some extent Clayface. It's the style of it. I love that style. Is it a little dated? Yeah, but as I said, it makes me, I'm just saying me here, appreciate it so much more. They didn't go with a modern-looking Batman series in terms of, you know, the, the city. They were, you know, they were going with a very 40s-style look. I appreciate that, uh, that the network let them do that. Um, it's astounding that they didn't make them change it partway through. You know, start throwing in color TVs, update this, update that. They got to do pretty much what they wanted to do. So, I mean, really, that's, that, that's why it's at the top for me. And it also... 
and I don't know if we've mentioned this yet, is it got us away from the super friends campy mm-hmm. kind of Batman. We had never seen this Batman on TV before. Exactly. That, that's where I was kind of going uh, with it. You know, we had the Adam West. We had super friends. Um, we had we had we had him teaming up with fucking Scooby Doo. Yeah. You know, and of course it was an offshoot of the Super Friends one, but all the same Scooby Doo. What? No, go away, you stupid dog. Um, go away, you stupid show. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, and yeah, sure, BTAS owes a lot to the Burton movies, which I don't like. I've admitted that. <laughs> there, there's there's a several hour <laughs> podcast with me admitting to that. You know, and the sequel. Um, so, you know, I, I do give the Burton movies some respect because it spawned this cartoon. But at the same time, the the executives, not the producers, not Deanie and Tim and all them, you know, they might have wanted to do this, but the but the, the true executives could have been like, um, yeah, no. Brighter colors, bring a young Robin in, put him in little booties, and cast Adam West. They could have. And these guys just would have had to go, okay, and just done it. But they but they got away with this. They changed the scope of not only uh, uh, Batman, not only how we perceive the DC universe when it's uh, put in, onto uh, television here, but how we see uh, superhero cartoons and how we see animation. I can't stress that enough. I really do believe that BTS changed animation as a whole, thus allowing other shows to take risks in its wake. I can't argue against anything you've just said. Yeah, it's Batman the Animated Series. That's that's all I can say. Not everything holds up. Yes, there's lint on, on the animation when you look at it, but that's part of the charm. Um, now, here's something that I have to ask you. Overall, when, we, when I average out all our scores, the DCAU for you would be a 5.72, for me a 5.34. Is that fair? Is that accurate? I mean, it's accurate mathematically, but at least I think it is. Someone can double-check me because I've given all our <laughs> scores tonight. But um, would you change that? Would you raise it up? Would you lower it any? What do you think? Uh, I would probably be inclined to raise it. To what? Uh, maybe to an even six. I don't know. Look, here's the thing. When it comes to this, the mathematical average here, you've got to take into account that – a lot of those, the numbers that went into that were from a bunch of throwaway episodes that weren't necessarily bad, but they weren't good either. Right. I mean, look at all of the five, fours, fives, and sixes we gave. Mm-hmm. I mean, that has to be the majority of our grades, or four, fives, and sixes. Probably, yeah. So those kind of bog it down a little bit. Um, so that's probably why I'd be inclined to raise it to at, you know, at least an even six. Because that, that by our scale, that is above average. Yeah. Um, I say I'd actually bump it up to a seven. Um, again, because it, it changed everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it changed cartoons. Um, yeah, there are the ones that are going to bring it down. Maybe you should put it at a six or a six and a half or whatever. But no, I, I really, even though mathematically I give it a 5.34, I have to bring this up to a seven. I just do. Keep in mind, I said at least a six. So. Right? No, I know that. I'm just, I'm just making, I'm just making a definitive stance. For me, overall, the universe is a seven, not the mathematical five point three four. So, where do you want to go from there? Uh, you, you've got a lot of lists, I know. So, uh, you know, you, um, you choose where we go next. Since we're just still talking about DCAU, we could just talk about best and worst episodes. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't have anything prepared for this, but I'll try to go off the top of my head. Sure. Sure. Okay. 
Um, do we want to start with the best ones? <laughs> um, yeah, let's start with the best. We did the last one, worst to best, so let's do this one, best to worst. I need to preface this by saying uh, I didn't choose anything in the vein of like Return of the Joker or Mask of the Phantasm because those were never part of individual seasons of a show. They were standalone movies. Okay. Uh, so I that was my personal choice to do that. Okay. Um, here's some of the episodes that didn't quite make the cut. Heart of Ice, The Main Man, Legends of the Dark Knight, Nevermore, The Prophecy, The End, Mind Games, Sons of the Fathers, Twilight, Apprentice, Birthmark, Fearful Symmetry, uh, Question Authority. Those are just a few that didn't make the list. That shows you how great these episodes are going to be. Okay. Um, I really didn't want to start with my best one uh, because it is kind of a, a, a choice that's going to take a lot of people aback. Okay. Uh, the best episode for me was, and I, I feel it necessary to point out that this particular episode gained extra credit, so to speak, for being just a regular 22-minute episode mm. uh, as opposed to like a two- or three-parter. Mm. But my f- number one episode of all is The Late Mr. Kent. Okay, okay. Um, what this episode managed to accomplish in 22 minutes is more than quite a few two-part stories were able to achieve. Yeah. Uh, regardless of which DCAU show you want to name. Um, this episode is just one of the most superbly written episodes of any show, cartoon or otherwise, that I can ever recall. And, uh, <laughs> I've seen some pretty awesome TV shows in my day. It... This one really does play out more like an episode of Criminal Minds than it does Super. <laughs> um, so, I mean, right away you're hooked by what happens in the beginning. There's a funeral for Clark Kent, and Superman is standing right by <laughs> watching. Mm-hmm. So right away you're hooked, and then you've got the, the the thing with the detective planting the the bomb in Kent's car to kill him, and Superman has to face the dilemma of revealing his secret identity to save an innocent man's life. It's it's fantastic drama, yeah. and. This Detective Bowman guy is just a guy you instantly hate. Uh, and uh, Superman is given such great character development here simply by uttering one line. I'd go crazy if I had to be Superman all the time. And he prefaces that by saying, but I am Clark, you know? Yeah. And he, lest I forget, this episode has the greatest ending to an episode ever. Yeah. Ever, ever, ever. Nothing is better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and is this episode necessarily important to the grand scheme of the DCAU or the Superman mythos? No, not really. But it's a fantastic, like, noir detective story. It's filled to the brim with suspense. It has some looks into Superman's psyche and a really poignant moment where Lois is lamenting not treating Clark better when he yeah. was there. And and then that single moment at the end where, where Bowman is executed is... That's as memorable as any in this cartoon universe. So I don't feel weird or tentative in calling this the greatest DCAU episode ever. Okay. Um, see, yeah, this is a little hard for me because I am just sort of doing this on the fly. Um, I'm just going to do, like, my favorites, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, where – did you have a separate favorite list or are you doing – No, I just did best. Okay, yeah. Um, these aren't in any particular order for me. I'm just throwing out some of my favorites here. Almost got them. Mm-hmm. I love the framing uh, that you know that, that that they're using an anthology story, you know. To I mean, I'm at a loss for words for this one. They they had never done anything like this before, and I don't think they did anything like this again. It's an anthology story 
with this framing device of Catwoman's gone missing and Batman has to find, has to find her, and that's why we're getting this uh, all these all these various stories. And I think if you were to show someone who's never seen a Poison Ivy episode, a Killer Croc episode, a Penguin, or even a Joker episode, to if you were to show this to them. They'd walk away not just getting the Joker, but also the Penguin, also Poison Ivy, also Killer Croc. And they'd also get the relationship between Batman and Catwoman at the end of the, end of the day. Mm. Um, it's animated so wonderfully. I mean, the shot doesn't make a lot of sense, but at the end, when the light sways and we see Croc and then we see the shadow of Batman, you know... And everybody realizes what's going on. It doesn't make sense in the slightest, but stylistically, visually, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. Some great lines in there. I threw a rock at him. Come on. <laughs> One of my favorite lines in the DCAU. Obviously. You know, uh -huh. that, you know, earlier I kept saying that Teen Titans is so much fun. Fun, fun, fun. That's a fun episode of Batman the Animated Series. And normally that show didn't lean towards fun. Exciting, dramatic, some funny lines, sure. That's a fun episode from start to finish. Um, if I were to rank my favorite or best, I don't know if that would be number one, but that would be near the top, I will say that. My number two would be World's Finest. Um, now this one was also released under the title of the Batman Superman movie, right. but... Since it has a clear-cut spot in the span of Superman the Animated Series, it I put it on here. I mean, for fuck's sake, it is our namesake. Yeah. It, it has to be in the top three. Yeah. Uh, they tackled you know, the initial meeting of Batman and Superman pretty much as well as humanly possible. Yeah. Um, they aren't buddy-buddy, laugh-a-minute super friends. Their first meeting sees... Superman chide Batman for his tactics. Batman grab him and hurl him across the room of a strip club, and <laughs> Superman retaliate with a uh, shoulder charge. Yeah. And then, the, then Superman uses his X-ray vision to find out who Batman is, and Batman uses a tracer to find out who <laughs> Superman is. It's just such great antagonism. Yeah. And, yeah. and even when it ended and they had teamed up, there was still some lighthearted jabbing at each other, and they still didn't really see eye to eye. It was. I, it was just so awesome. And then the the Luthor-Joker dynamic was great, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that whole thing is just so epic and so important. Yes, yes, very much so. Because it does reintroduce Batman, um, you know, does tie the universe together. Um, it really does take, you know, the not the first, but like the second step into what would become the DC animated universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that episode, almost more than any other, like, in terms of importance to the DCAU, probably On Leather Wings, then whatever the first Superman episode was, what was that? The Last Son of Krypton. And then probably World's Finest. Those would probably be the three most important episodes. That's just my opinion, but, mm -hmm. you know, I'm throwing it out there because I'd like to hear what other people think of that. Um, I'm also going to throw that one on my list of favorites. And I'm not going to, because I can't, um, add anything to what you said. All right. Yeah, you hit that one perfectly. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, I guess then my number three would be The Savage Time. Um, this one edged Starcross for me in our little JL, JLU retrospective. Um, for, you know, for me, I did World War II stories, first of all. Um, and then we, you know, we get all these 
uh, Silver Age characters. We get Sergeant Rock. We get um, uh, God. Why am I forgetting their names right now? Uh, the the Blackhawks. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we get this was our first encounter with Vandal Savage, who, quite frankly, was probably the most consistently awesome villain throughout the first two seasons. If you think yeah, about, it. yeah, yeah, easily. Name name a bad episode he was in. Mm-hmm. You know, so well, uh, the the Princess Audrey episode wasn't terrible. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of middling, but mm-hmm. it wasn't because of him. No, that is true. He, he was, was handled well. He was very much a bright spot mm-hmm. throughout that whole thing. So, yeah, I, I don't – just the whole grand scope of that episode is – wow. <laughs> Frozen Adolf Hitler. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Vandal Savage supposedly you know, dying in that horrific plane crash. Wow. Uh, Green Lantern not u- not being able to use his ring for the entire, basically the entire thing. It's nice to see that. Uh, Batman wasn't there throughout the, almost the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was it was kind of neat to see the rest of the league shine uh, by themselves. Sure, we got the Batman like uh, alternate the alternate universe Batman, but uh, by and large, no Batman. But yeah. yeah, just the whole thing was great. Again, not not ranking these, but man, growing pains. Yeah, um, you know they they really they they really let us into the heart of uh, the young Tim Drake there. Um, you, you you really get to see what makes him operate. That he'll go out on his on a limb to protect this little girl that he doesn't even know. And by the end of the story, when she's effectively or essentially been killed, he's not gonna. He's not going to forget that anytime soon, if ever, if ever. And you know the next time he goes up against Clayface, he's going to have a serious grudge against the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean Clayface is going to become his big enemy, like the Joker is Batman. You know, like you could say, um, well, Tony Zuko is Nightwing. But Clayface is definitely going to be one of young Robin's big, big villains. And I say his biggest again, but one of his big ones because of that. Um, doesn't have a huge lasting impact on the universe, but that doesn't matter because it has a lasting impact on the character and on us. Yes, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish I'd, I had put this it on my list. I just there were, it would probably be eleven on okay. my top yeah. ten <laughs> in terms of really everything, but. Uh, um, next on my list would be epilogue. Yeah. Um, and I do wonder how it is that I can call an episode perfect several times, <laughs> yet it's only fourth best. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really, sh- I'm not really sure how that works, but <laughs> I, I've said all that needs to be said about this one in our, in our, when we reviewed it, it's, yeah. it's the perfect bow for the gift box that is the DCAU. <laughs> yes. That's a great way to put that. Um, I'm going to stick with, uh, Gotham Knights here and, you know, score-wise, it only got an 8 from me. It did get a 10 from you, um, but over the edge. Mm-hmm. You know, I do still dislike the fact that the whole thing was a dream. No, I didn't want them to kill Batgirl, expose the the, the Bat family, kill Batman and Bane and Commissioner Gordon, you know. I didn't want that, but... I don't know. I just feel kind of duped at the end of the day. But I don't want to talk about the bad parts of that or my my gripes with it. You know, the positives with that one is if you don't know that that's a dream going in, 
your mind is going to be blown. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, as Batgirl's falling, you're like, okay, okay, there, someone's going to catch her. No, someone's really going to catch her. No, really, really, it's about time someone... Oh, damn. Nobody caught her. Yeah, and just the way she hits the car, the way she... What does she say? Daddy. Isn't that what she says? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you start feeling for, for Gordon. Um, and I, I love that little moment where he calls Bruce, and he's like, no more games. I should have stopped you a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And that's where you... You know, this is an older Commissioner Gordon than we saw in Batman the Animated Series, but that doesn't mean he's any less of a badass. And there he really shows what a badass he is. He is taking it to a man who can take down Bane and Killer Croc and Superman. And he's going at him hard. Um, and just just the emotion throughout that whole episode for everybody. Um, again, not a perfect episode for me, but definitely one of my favorites. Uh, next for me would be Starcrossed. Uh, I mean, again, this fits in a very specific place in the jail timeline. Um, so I felt I could choose it here. But, I mean, I, we, again, we spoke about this not too long ago. So, But it changed the complexity of the Justice League forever. Everything that happens in JLU is is linked back to Hot Girl's betrayal. And in terms of importance in the DCAU, this one has to be way up on that list. I, again, we've we've spoken about this at length on several episodes, so that's yeah. pretty much all needs to be said. Um, for me, again, I'm, I'm just looking at the list here. That's why I'm sticking with uh, Gotham Knights mm-hmm. here. Old wounds. Hmm. We see the breakup of the original dynamic duo. Um, we don't necessarily see Nightwing's origin, but we get the story of why he's not Robin anymore. And when you look at it in the context of what happened in BTAS and then what little we get here, you can see that it was building to this. You know, there's this scene where uh, the... the what was it? Robin's Reckoning. You know, where Batman's found Zuko. That was that episode, right? Yeah. And Robin goes after him hardcore. You know, you know, Robin throws down the the little CB and he's like, I don't know if I'm going to listen to him ever again or whatever. And um, it's like, whoa, okay, this, he's really coming into his own. He can't be the, the kid sidekick, the boy wonder uh, for, for much longer. Um, they really did a great job building this slow story arc with Robin that naturally led to him becoming Nightwing. Um, and, you know, in Old Wounds, he starts to, uh, in some way, make amends with Bruce. You know, he doesn't, we don't see any, we don't see him make amends with Bruce on screen. Um, in fact, Batman isn't even in that episode in the present day. It's all flashbacks. But you know at the end of the episode, he's had a change of heart, and he's going to start teaming up with him a little more. He sees that Bruce really does have a good heart, despite his rough edges. Totally agree. Mm -hmm. Next for me would be Apocalypse Now. Uh, This was our first real showing of Darkseid, because his cameo debut in Tools of the Trade, uh, I don't really count. This is is where we first see Darkseid in all of his essence. Um, And of course, it's the death of Dan Turpin. So, I mean, enough said. Yeah. 
Um, you know what? I'll go to Static Shock and uh, Sons of the Fathers. Yeah, you know, that's not how racism works in the real world, or at least, you know, racists aren't turned around like that in the real world, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think it got those higher scores from us, because that is that episode, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think it got those higher scores from us because they were dealing with such an issue. And except for maybe the ending, um, they, 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 um, they were pretty right about it. You know, Mm -hmm. um, I just don't like the fact that I think the reason I give it a nine is because it was wrapped in a neat, pretty little bow. Right. Um, but, but all the same, they, uh, they dealt with an issue that you just don't see cartoons dealing with. Um, children's programming rarely, if ever, deals with such a subject matter. And, uh. Yeah, um, I, I always give credit where it's due, and I have to do it here. And it's it's a it's a really it's weird to say that it's an entertaining episode, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah, um, it's not it's not Hawk and Dove where they're like liberal, 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 liberal. You know, <laughs> um, they they definitely uh, handled the message of this episode a lot better than than yes. they did other uh, episodes with messages. Um, I think it's very funny that you uh, put that one there uh, because my next one is Mad Love. Oh, okay. Uh, and it was funny because it was between this and Sons of the Fathers for oh. which of the great social commentary episodes I would include. Yeah. Uh, and I chose this one because ultimately it is the most realistic. Yeah. Um, just like you said, Sons was fantastic, but it did end too optimistically yeah. for my taste. In real life, you know, racists are – they rarely have that wondrous epiphany where they just change their minds. Mad Love, though, it shows you how how a person can be just so obsessed with uh, a partner that they don't really – they don't care that they're being hurt emotionally and physically. And Joker comes within a hair of killing Harley Quinn, and she comes so close to finally just swearing him off. But in the end, she's, you know, she's just helpless, and that's what makes this one so poignant. Yeah, you know what? I, I got to throw that one on the list, too, for everything you said. I'm not going to add – a word. My last three of these, I kind of interchanged because I couldn't really figure out the order I wanted for them. First one is the once in future thing. Uh, we we <laughs> spoke about that at great length. It's just <laughs> fuck. Jonah Hex, Terry McGinnis, uh, young Bruce meeting old Bruce, the techno modified Jokers, Chucko getting squished by a meteor. I mean, the episode has it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it It's just an epic, epic story. Um, and its ramifications really carry all the way to the third to the last episode of, of Justice League Unlimited. Then my, I guess, number nine really is Haunted from Teen Titans. Mm. And you would think that because my favorite Teen Titans character was Raven that I would pick, you know, Nevermore or Prophecy or The End or something. But, I mean, I graded all those ten, but I picked Haunted because you really get to see what makes Robin tick and what causes him to completely lose his mind. It's... It's dark. It has no comedy whatsoever. Uh, it's phenomenally animated and scored. You get Ron Perlman, which is frankly always fantastic. And the episode has a nice little cliffhanger that I think kind of foreshadowed to the to a bit of season four's backbone plot, hmm. where they're like, uh, "That thing was activated from somewhere outside the tower." Yeah, that's kind of creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, and then finally, the last one on my list is Hereafter from Justice League. It's an episode that's jaw dropping. But then it transitions to fun. It, it's not something you normally see uh, in terms of uh, a plot development. 
But the Vandal Savage and Superman interactions are just so <laughs> fucking awesome. Yeah. But in, in a more serious note, you get Batman admitting that he has nothing but respect for Superman. And then Superman saves Batman's life. Again. <laughs> but bottom line, this episode showed us why Superman is so important to the Justice League. And it was easier for us to have forgotten that because they really hadn't given us many good Superman stories to this point in yeah. Justice League. Yeah. Uh, to the creator's own admissions, they you know they didn't do well with their writing of Superman in the first season. And that's really why this one barely, and I mean barely, edged out Growing Pains for my top ten. Okay. So that's pretty much my, the rest of my list right there. Okay, I'll, I'll read off uh, three more then for myself. Um, comfort and Joy. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just, I really do like this one. Just just for this quiet look at uh, these characters. Just mm -hmm. uh, letting us uh, into their hearts again. Uh, the Ultra Humanite and Flash, the Farty Ducky, <laughs> John with the Kents, Shaira and John, um, their relationship really developing. Um, yeah. Yeah, com comfort and joy. It's, I know it's not going to be a lot of people's favorites, but it's definitely a personal favorite of mine. Um, let's see. Um, man. Sorry. Oh, um, you know what? Well, do I count it as a two-parter or a one? I know, I'll count it. Yeah, I'm going to go Panic in the Sky slash Divided We Fall. I'm going to count those as one. Oh, that's fine. They pretty much are. Yeah, I mean, you know, everything that was happening with Luthor comes to a head, and the Flash saves the day. I mean, what else can I say about that? Yep. Um, I can't. I, I, I honestly can't. Whenever, No, I, I can because I'm still talking. Um, <laughs> but, you know, any time there was... Any time I watched that, pardon me, I just well up when the Flash runs away right after Luthor says, are you going to fight me, boy? You know, and he just runs off, and the music just builds and builds and builds, and he just beats the shit out of him, and he wins, and then you think he dies. And I think it takes a slight dip when, Shai, when John's like, wait, I can feel him! You know, that's a little weird. That's one part I'm not really crazy about. Um, but then when they pull him back, and Wally's like, I can never run that fast again. You know, and he comes back for Shaira, the woman who he had a crush on in the beginning, but has really become his big sister. Um, yeah, I just, man, my heart just, just thumps when I watch that, 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 uh, the, that, that climax. Uh, but the build-up to it is great, too. Uh, so I think the, the last I'll mention of my favorites, and there's definitely more, guys. Don't think, and again, don't think this are. is at my top. Uh, well, this one may be at the top for me, actually. Fractured. <laughs> Who didn't see that one coming? I mean, really, honestly. It's got Larry. <laughs> you know uh, what? If it weren't 12.45 in the morning for me and my fiancé hadn't just gone to bed, I think I would have yelled Larry like I'm prone to do, but I would have let her sleep. So, <laughs> it's again, you know, this is what I said about Teen Titans. You go into the show expecting fun. Yes, you get the drama. Yes, you get the, the deep, depressing stuff sometimes. But this is what you get almost all the time from Teen Titans. Just Larry, 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 you know? It, it changes animation styles a couple of times. We get the normal stuff. We get the cartoony stuff that looks like it's been done with a crayon. And mm -hmm. then later on, we get the really dark, grim, what was his name, Johnny... Rancid? Was that his name, Johnny Rancid? Are, are, are you 
Yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, the, the, yeah, the guy in the motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. Th- yeah then yeah. we get the dark world, and then we come back to the normal stuff. You know, you, you see stylistic changes throughout. Uh, really make that one one of my favorites, if honestly not my favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what about uh, well, your worst? I have to start with ten at this one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I should note that these are some episodes that didn't make this list. Christmas oh, with the whoa, Joker. Whoa, can, can I jump in here real quick? Oh, please. I don't means... know if I'm going to contribute to this one, because generally speaking, if an episode is terrible, I've forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. Like, Critters is bad, Terrible Trio is bad. You know what I mean? I remember those. But, like, I'm looking at this list, I'm looking at the ones we've scored, like, twos or threes, and I'm like, I don't remember much about those, so I really don't know if I'm going to say anything here. So I'm sorry I interrupted. Oh, that's fine. Um... Again, these are some episodes that aren't on this list. Okay. Static Shack, Winds of Change, the, uh, Revved Up, War World, uh, Christmas with the Joker, Crime Waves, Critters, uh, you know, Attack of the Living Brain Puppets. Those are some ones that didn't make my list. <laughs> so that just goes to show you how bad these ones are. Uh, for number 10 is Metamorphosis. We said all we need to say about this in Justice League. Number 9, Kid Genius. Everything that happens in this episode is pointless or ridiculous. Roe does nothing. Bucky is at his most annoying. The villain just kind of drives away with all these people trapped as babies. Never gets his comeuppance. Nothing is ever resolved. It's just an idiotic episode from start to finish. Number eight, Mean Seasons. Batman trips over a chair. (laughs) I will repeat that. Because it bears repeating. Batman, the world's greatest detective and one of the greatest martial artists in the world trips over a chair (laughs) and that's just five seconds of this wretched episode (sighs) number seven prototype sergeant mills is one of the worst characters ever he turns into the psycho douchebag in the span of about 23 seconds and luthor is a fucking moron in this thing by being willfully blind to the suit's defects but i mean the voice acting in this especially mills voice actor was just atrocious no the suit is mine we belong together they can't just take it away from me number six rats (laughs) you talk about an episode that just pissed me off to no end this is it and I believe this is the one where I said this episode blows goats for quarters. Oh, um, yeah. Um, this, the Rat Boy character, like, he's got to be one of the most absent-minded fucknuts in the entire DCAU. Yeah. He's stalking Dana for weeks. He knows Dana has friends and a very concerned father. But he's like, nope, nope, nobody cares about you. Nobody. <laughs> and then he gets, he gets flabbergasted when Dana mouths off to him, despite the fact that all these girls he's killed before all mouthed off to him. <laughs> yeah. But really, I mean, the one what pissed me off most about this was the this was right at the heart of the Dana Terry tension angle, and this should have been where Dana broke up with Terry, but it just never leads anywhere. Yeah. Uh, Mad Stan saved it from a zero. Five Joyride. Um, this is this is an episode. So, this is an episode that's so unbelievably dumb that you actually feel your IQ plummeting as you watch it. It's a, a, a group of jokers that actually admit they cannot read steal a top secret nuclear-powered hovercraft, and then just go joyriding all over Neo-Gotham. Four. (sighs) Moon of the Wolf. I was just looking at that one. I'm like, what the fuck is Moon of the Wolf? Is that the one with the... Dr. Milo. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. Werewolf Estrogen, Dr. Milo. (laughs) Batman's knocked out for hours and not unmasked. Uh, Werewolf dude gets electrocuted by the Deus Ex Machina bolt. (laughs) (laughs) What did you say that was? Storm? (laughs) Yeah, he summons the the storm power. 
<laughs> so he's, you know, he's a psychic and he's Thor and he's, yeah. he's Storm and whatever yeah. else. I don't know. And then worse yet, they set it up. The way they were setting it up, they uh, they were actually implying that Romulus, the werewolf dude, might actually come back. Yeah. <laughs> Horrifying thought, isn't it? <laughs> Wasn't that also the one where they couldn't cure him unless he had full-on AIDS right. or something like that? Isn't that right. what I equated it to? <laughs> full-on lycanthropy, yes. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, number three, Hoop Squad. Um, <laughs> What this episode had that most of the other episodes on this list didn't was that this one was actually insulting. Because yeah. you have, like, five NBA superstars, yet only one of them is portrayed by their real-life counterpart. Mm. And that was the most boring of them all, Carla Malone. Yeah. Whoever voiced Yao Ming was fucking just atrocious. His acting he, his acting made Yao sound just utterly retarded. I mean, and that this seemed to be like it was going to be like a backdoor pilot episode to an entire series of this garbage yeah. instantly makes this one of the worst three. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Number two, the terrible trio. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, I don't even have to say anything about this because how many times did one of us say, "Is this such and such show's version of the terrible trio?" All the time. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know that obviously means that number one is Toys in the Hood. Yeah. I mean, I I think it was pretty obvious when I said the terrible trio was number two that this was it. Yeah. I will never be able to top your rant on this from when we originally reviewed it. Ever. But honestly, even if the whole Daisy uh, stuff didn't happen, this episode would still be in the one to two territory. Mm. They, they gave Superman like the blandest, most lifeless music I've ever heard. The dialogue is god-awful. The animation is pitiful. It has glitches all over the place. And just the nonsensicality of everything that happens here just buries this episode in, into the, like, drizzling shits. Yeah. And uh, so that's my list. And I should note, the only uh, show that did not have an episode represented on this list is Teen Titans. Yep. So that goes to my Teen Titans is the best show. Yep. <laughs> Very good, yeah. Yeah, like I said, I'm sorry I can't contribute to that one, but... I was I was I wasn't remembering some of those until you were ranting about them. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. It's it's kind of my thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so where do we go from here? I, well, there's two ways we can go with this. I think we could talk about voice actors, or we could talk about like great WFP moments. Um, let's talk about let's talk about voice actors and characters at the same time. Okay. Because um, I think they kind of go hand in hand because. You know, obviously a great character is made partially great by the actor. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Do you have a list here, like a, a ranked list, or do you just have some names written down? I have a ranked list, but, I mean, some of these could change depending on my mood on any given day. We've already said, number one, Kevin Conroy. Exactly. I, There's, you, I, can't, you can't put anybody above him. I'm sorry. No, you can't. Um, I, and I got nothing else to say about him. I, had, I said my piece earlier. My number two is Ron Perlman. <laughs> okay, that might mine, mine too. <laughs> <laughs> Clayface and Slade. I mean, really, that that's all you need to know right there. Yeah. Um, number three is where I'm. I'm guaranteeing I'm going to differ from you. Um, Michael Ironside. Okay. Uh, his dark side is so so evil and so um, menacing. I cannot imagine anybody else portraying him. Anytime I read Darkseid in a comic book, I imagine Michael Ironside voicing it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Rosenbaum for Flash and the little bit we saw as Kid Flash. And uh, Ghoul, too. <laughs> the the uh, uh, Joker oh, guy. Oh, yeah. But yeah, because he was Ghoul. 
Because he, he did that. He was doing uh, Christopher Walken. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I just love that. I, I so dig that portrayal. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the heart he brought to Wally. Um, that, that's just it. Just the heart. I mean, he took this this character. I mean, the Flash is cool sometimes. I've read a little Flash here and there. But I, I don't read his book on a monthly basis. I don't pick up trade paperbacks. I don't, you know, read reviews online to follow the Flash's monthly adventures. I just don't. I have a little interest in him, though. And the, the it, pretty much any interest I have is from the way Rosenbaum played him, the way he was written in uh, the DCAU. Um, there were very few, if any, missteps with that character. And uh, I think the, uh, the producers uh, owe a lot, a lot to uh, the, the way uh, Michael Rosenbaum acted. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, next for me is Clancy Brown. Okay, um, yeah, I don't think I can disagree there either. Yeah, I mean, he is the definitive Lex Luthor. Period. I will, I will hear no arguments from anybody on the forums or anything. And frankly, I don't think many people are going to argue with that. No, really. No. But um, yeah, he, he is Lex Luthor, just to a T. Everything about him—the panache, the the evil, the the intelligence—everything he portrays that character perfectly. Oh well, Rosenbaum was my next one. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you said everything that needs to be said about Rosenbaum. The dude is—he is such a professional voice actor to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, he he takes great care in voicing anybody, uh, and you can tell because he's done so much voice acting work. Yeah. Next would be Mark Hamill. Okay. Uh, for his again, he is the definitive Joker for me. Uh, I I can't imagine anybody beside you know Heath Ledger, but that was one movie, and unfortunately, it's only going to ever be one movie. Um, for for me, just the consistency, the the maniacal laughter that he came up with for that for the DCAU Joker, um, I it's just it speaks for itself. Um, I think in this spot. I would put, and I'm sorry, I can't remember uh, the actor's name. Uh, who did Rachel Ghoul? Oh, David Warner. That's who I would have in this spot. Cannot argue with that. Um, he brought class to a villain. Um, Lex Luthor thinks he has class, but at the end of the day, he's just a mad scientist with a lot of money and a business behind him, you know? Mm-hmm. Rachel Ghoul, oh, he's mad. He's definitely mad. But he, he he's not the cackling mad villain, which Luthor could become sometimes. Um, and the way he was voiced, you could sympathize with him. Um, the first one with the Jonah Hex, when Batman and Robin are riding in the car and we're getting that flashback story about Raish's son. Oh, yeah, and the Batman way that episode ends. Go. Yeah, Batman yeah. lets him go. And um, you really do, you know, I mean, because it's, it's, it's all from his point of view, from Raish's mm-hmm. point of view. And what'd you say his name was? Warner? David Warner. David yeah. Warner. He really sells that character, especially those last few minutes where I, I forget the exact wording, but it's like, let me just take my son. Oh, yeah. I, I It's kind of funny because I wasn't going to talk about this episode at all, the showdown, which is that episode. Yeah. Um, but it was funny because I watched that episode last night, huh. and uh, I just remember that last line of the episode where he's like, we'll cross swords another day, detective. Yeah. For now, just let me take my boy home. Yeah, and great uh, line. 
Yeah, it's one of those things where I don't think Raish is being manipulative at all, but he does know, you know, knowing what he knows about Batman slash Bruce Wayne, that Batman isn't going to deny him that. You know, if Bruce could have one more moment with his parents, he would take it at any cost. And even though Raish did break the law, you know, and he mm-hmm. is a, a wanted terrorist, he's, he's going to let him have that moment. Raish will strike another day, and Batman knows he'll stop him. Um, and, uh, you know, again, it, it, it's, it, I'm talking about the character here, but really I'm talking about the voice actor and the emotion, the heart he puts in to those, the whole episode but, and his other episodes, but really that final line. Um, th- that's probably one of my favorite Raish moments, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that, that's who I'd have. And then after him, I would have Mark Hamill as the Joker. Yeah. Um, next for me is Hendon Walsh. Um, the innocence and just fun aura that she brought to Starfire cannot be understated. That character would never have been so lovable if not for her voice acting portrayal of her. And I firmly believe that. Um, and also she voiced Ace, uh, from, you know, the Royal Flush Gang, um, and, and I, t- I said when we reviewed Epilogue, that that moment where Ace is di- about to die always makes me well up. Uh, again, tribute to her her voice acting ability. Yeah. Uh, that's my that's my number seven, I guess, is where wherever we are right now. Yeah. Um, why don't you give your number eight? Because I think I doubled up there when I said race then Joker. Um, next is uh, Ephraim Zimblist. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Al- he is Alfred. And uh, until Mike, until Michael Kane, uh, Kane came along in in uh, the Nolan verse, I mean, Zimbalist was was uh, Alfred Pennyworth to me. Uh, period, point blank. Uh, the you know, I I didn't grow up with you know the Alan Napier uh, Pennyworth, and uh, you know I was never a fan of the Michael Goff Alfred in the in the Burton or Schumacher movies, but Ephraim Zimbalist, I it, he. He was able to uh, be the sarcastic Alfred, but also the the caring Alfred. Like when he comforts Shaira in Starcrossed, great, great moment. And it really, it really puts a, I guess, a bow on that whole story because he he brings it back to where she can, maybe she feels like she can return someday to the league because she knows right there she's going to quit the league. But then Alfred tells her that that you are a hero. I don't care what they say or what they choose to do in that room. You are a hero. So that really, I think, if not for that, she may never have returned. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I, I'm also going to put him in that same slot. Okay, so next for me would be Dana Delaney. She is the definitive Lois Lane. Uh, it, she, she brought such a just a warmth and uh, to that character. I mean, she is, you know, she calls Clark Smallville, of course, all the time. And but there's such a there's a charm to her character that I can't even really describe and put into words. That I just love listening to her portrayal of Lois Lane. Uh, I, I I keep I'm going to keep saying this over and over again. She's this person is this definitive character for me. This person is that definitive character. She is the definitive Lois Lane for me. Okay. Yeah, for me, I mean, the definitive Lois Lane is um, uh, Margot Kidder. But I can definitely see 
Dana Delaney being a lot of people's definitive Lois Lane. Uh, for me, again, I don't know the voice actor's name. Uh, who did Commissioner Gordon? Um, that guy. Uh, Bob Hastings. That's it. That's who I have to put in uh, in into my next slot here. Um, this was the first time we had seen a competent Commissioner Gordon. You know, we either had the doofus in the old TV show, or we had the doofus in the movies. Yeah. Take your pick. Either way, there are a doofus. Um, and this Gordon... Now, maybe he wasn't the grizzled Gordon from Batman Year One, but this was still a Gordon that was going to kick your teeth in. I said this earlier, you know, where in old... Not old wounds, over the edge. He's older, but he was going to take it to Batman. Th this Gordon, you knew, could uh, <laughs> take care of himself. He didn't... He needed Batman's help to take down these big, bad uh, monsters, basically. But he didn't need him to take down the mobsters. Uh, Gordon, this you know, the way this Gordon was portrayed, thanks to Bob Hastings, was you, you knew that this was a really good cop. Um, and it comes through in his voice all the time. He's got a lot of compassion in there. I love, it's few, but I love the scenes with Gordon and Barbara. Mm -hmm. uh, he really does come across as a, a caring father, especially um, at the end of uh, Over the Edge, when he's basically saying, hey, 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 shut up, plausible deniability. You can't tell me you're Batgirl. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he's just like, okay, let's let's get into that dinner or whatever they were about to do. You know, it, it just seemed like a very true fatherly moment for me. Um, so, yeah, that, that's who I have there. What's next for you? Um, last on my list, in, in my top ten list, is... Uh... Tara Strong. Um, her voice acting resume is miles and miles long, so I don't even need to talk about how skilled she is. But she uh, she brought such great and – and I realize this is weird to say for Raven, but emotion to Raven. But it, her, especially her work in season four during the Trigon, the Terror of Trigon arc, uh, she – she gives this the character such an aura of hopelessness, but yet, like, she's really inquisitive to Robin. Like, why are you still doing this? And you just you just feel for the character so much that she's just that in despair. And finally, when Robin is able to save her, and then she saves the day by killing Trigon or whatever she does to him, um, she again. Goes up to Robin and she's she hugs him. He's like, no, somebody believed, and just her. I I love her portrayal of Raven so much. Um, I guess last for me is uh, Jeffrey Coombs or Combs as the question. <laughs> Very nice. I've gushed about his acting all throughout Justice League Unlimited. That is, and uh, I, I think I kind of gushed about him a little earlier in this episode. I'm I can't add anything else. Um, except to say that he made you believe that, yeah, that guy was a bit of a crackpot. Um, <laughs> and I, I loved his his flat delivery. Um, that's what made that character work for me. You know, that, that he was just so flat. <laughs> well, it's deadpan. That's, yeah, exactly. I love, I love that character so much. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you here. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was sort of touching on characters a little, and you were sort of doing it. Do you want to rank any characters? 
I don't really have any character rankings. Okay. But I think we've se- we've said so many characters that we yeah. love. Question, Starfire, Flash, all the Bruce Waynes, yeah. all the ages of Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. uh, Dark Side, uh, Row, yeah. uh, God, Static, whoever, Gear. It, yeah. Yeah, we have we've touched on many characters here today. Yeah, I mean, like I've said many times in the past, the Flash is at the top for me. I don't know if I can rank any after that. They're they're just all so compelling. Um, I, I really don't think I can do a two through ten. But Flash is always going to be at the top. I've explained why so many times, and uh, I'll do it one more time. It's his it's his heart. The way he deals with his rogues. It's Michael Rosenbaum voicing him. It's the way they write him. Um, he was just wonderful. Always fun to watch. I actually did have some least favorite characters written oh. down, but it wasn't it wasn't a definitive list or anything. It oh, wasn't okay. ranked or anything. It was just kind of jotting down okay. characters I wanted to mention mm-hmm. for the make sure that I mentioned the last time that I def, just ultra hate them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Sergeant Mills again. Um, Specs and Trapper. Oh God. <laughs> oh no. Specs is history. <laughs> Say hello to Spectral. I have all the colors of the rainbow static. <laughs> <laughs> Had to get that one in there again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just, uh, I'm trying to think. I actually deleted this list earlier. Because oh. um, I didn't know if we were going to be able to get around to it. Yeah. But um, Calendar Girl from Mean Seasons. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just shut the fuck up. <laughs> You're 30. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, can I throw one more potential list at us? Sure. It's a list that we've had asked, uh, it's been asked for us to do several times throughout the course of this show. Mm-hmm. The list of douchebags. Aha, yes. Um, we could do that. Uh, I'm just, I'm just going to say right off the bat, for me. No, before we do that, you know, we got to define douchebag. It's it's not someone who's evil. It's not a dark side. It's not a Joker or a Luthor. You know that's evil. We're talking about those people who they're just jerks. Yeah. Or they just have these jerky moments. And right at the top for me, it's Static. Every time, every single time a new hero came into town, he was all like, "I'm the best there is." Superman shows up. Who are you, Mr. S on his chest? Yeah. No, no, he doesn't treat Superman like okay, that. Okay, fine, I, I he will, doesn't. But he, he does call him Super Dude. Does he? I forgot about whatever, that. But whatever you see my point, though. Um, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he... I mean, Superman had some truly dickish, douchey moments himself. But <laughs> Static, I really got to put at the top of that douche list. <laughs> yeah, like, shebang. He treats her like shit. I know. Like, each time. yeah. Um, who else would you add to the douche list, ranked or not? Besides Specs and Trapper, yeah. they're obviously on the list. Yeah. Uh, Madeline Spaulding uh, from Static Shock. Oh, God, she was the brain puppet girl? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, God, I I wish I had remembered to make this list. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, fucking Mandragora. Oh, yeah, yeah. That dude, <laughs> he, def- he is the definition of a douchebag. <laughs> Constantly yeah. goading on Canary and Arrow, just mm. and then, oh my God! <laughs> wait, 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 Dove, Dove, 
know, liberal, 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 liberal. <laughs> yep. Like, stop it, please. I don't necessarily disagree, but stop it. <laughs> you're, make, you're making all your all your like compatriots on that side of the aisle look like assholes. Exactly. Stop it. <laughs> um. Oh, uh, fucking, what's that guy's name from Metamorphosis? The uh, stag. Oh God, yeah. That dude, uh, who is so overtly evil, <laughs> just like, oh, by the way, I'm evil. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm I run a company that's purely evil. Did yeah. you notice that I'm evil? All of my products are evil. But see, that's the best part is he's putting on this evil front, but he's really just a douchebag. <laughs> you know, if you really think about it, he's he's not as evil as a Luthor. He's really just a douche. <laughs> yeah, and then he's like a toast. Java to unbridled capitalism. Oh, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, oh, crap. Oh, and since, you know, we're, we're going to have to say it. I'm sorry. Maxine Gibson. No, I thought we were going to make it. Oh, no. It had to be said, my friend. No. I'm sorry. No, you're you right. Just, yeah. You can't just say she who should not be named. It, it, yeah. She has to be named by name. Yeah. Um, and, and one last time, we really should hammer home the point that we never meant to disrespect the voice actress. Oh, yeah. Chris Summer is a great voice actress. Right. It was all about how the character was handled, not by her, how the character was handled by the producers, by the writing staff, by everybody that was related to it but her. She really did the best she could with what she was given. I really don't think it was ever her fault. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, I guess a few more here. Um, shit! I just had it. What? Did, oh, every scientist in the Zeta universe. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, we just we had like douchebag scientist of the week. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Bucky. <laughs> Bucky. Bucky. Yeah. Until the last two episodes. Yeah. Yeah. He's still a little uh, douchey at the end, but he does redeem himself. But he's funny then. He's yeah, actually yeah, exactly. he actually has some good one-liners. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what was the dude in Centuries of the Last Cosmos? The dude who stole the guy's program or whatever? I, I don't even remember his name. Oh, yeah, I don't remember, but yeah. Speaking of which, I, I remember my opening for that episode. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> okay. Okay, wait, wait. You know what? I got one more. Even though I like the character, he is a douchebag. Uh, control freak. <laughs> He's a douchebag. <laughs> yep. yep, yep. But I do enjoy the character. <laughs> Which says a lot about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, really, uh, Mad Mod was kind of a douchebag too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We love, just, we can love the character, but he's a douchebag. I'm was. sorry. Yeah, he's just all like, yeah, you're snotty American brats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, God, is there anybody else I want to bring? Oh, up? I'm sure there is. Uh, Billy Numerous. He was a, he was a douchebag. Oh God, he was just a dumbass. <laughs> I gotta rank him in the dumbass category. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was gonna n- no, I'm not gonna say that. Okay, it, because uh, not really he or she, but this per- this thing does not belong in the douchebag category. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm blanking on who you're talking about, but okay. <laughs> I cannot be digested. <laughs> that thing is like it, it's evil, but hysterical exactly that's why i'm struggling there you know i mean it's gonna destroy a planet that's evil yeah exactly it's funny (laughs) (laughs) so i don't know where to rank that one (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, the sorcerer. You will like me as the supreme ruler of the world. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, oh, oh. There, there's a. There's two more douches we can add to this list. Um, what's his name? Boyle from uh, the Mister Freeze episode. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, the the Riddler's old boss who stole the Minotaur game, or not stole it, but didn't give him any royalties. Right, right. Th- those well, are two. Those are really true. Those would probably actually be at the top of the douchebag oh, list. Uh, don't forget Roland Daggett. Oh yeah, he yeah. is like king douchebag. Mm-hmm. Oh, where should we move from here into WFP moments? Yeah. Okay, let's, so let's go over our 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 shit. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, man. I I wish I would have written some stuff down. Now I'm gonna have to do this from memory, and I suck at this. <laughs> well, I'm sure if when I start naming stuff, you'll just remember. Yeah, stuff. that's normally how it goes. Exactly. Uh, I don't have a ranked list or anything. This is I just started writing things down that I wanted to remember to bring up. First and foremost, our noticing that the computers in DCAU are all explosive weapons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Our constant butchering of F-Stop's name. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Zoe and Rada and Virgie and Ritual. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Buy a shirt. Oh, uh, yeah. um, he has to take that into himself before he puts it into the balls. <laughs> what? What was that? That was um, Brainiac. You, you said that. It was something about Brainiac. Well, of course it's something I said. It's utterly stupid. You know? <laughs> Well, remember, I said Captain Ku Klux. <laughs> that is true, but that was funny, though. <laughs> shit was hysterical. <laughs> he has to take it into himself before he puts it into the balls? <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> I swear to God, I know it was Brainiac. It was, I think it was the orbs with the memories or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think. I certainly that hope that's right. what it was. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just you trying to like di- like diagram that sentence? Just I lost my shit there. <laughs> oh, you getting called puritanical by an emailer? Oh my god, that that was one of the. I'm, you know, I'm gonna pull back the curtain here a little bit, guys. That was one of the few times where I really got angry. Um, I don't know. I don't remember how much of it showed on the air, but behind the scenes, I was furious um, because. Yeah, he- it up in his uh, static retrospective. Yeah, because sure, maybe I went a little overboard with the whole. Because I think it was in reference to the X-raying of the kids and Toys in the Hood. Was that Toys in the Hood? Yeah, Toys in the Hood. Of course it was. You know, may, maybe that's what it was in reference to. But I feel very strongly about the way minors are portrayed sexually around adults. Um, you know, when it comes to anything like that, it just, I just, it's, it's, it's a touchy subject with me so yeah maybe i went a little overboard there but i think you know to call me puritanical based solely on that or maybe one or two other things was just wrong because yikes (laughs) yeah i mean when when you really know me and i think you know on this show i've i've openly expressed that i'm pro equal rights for everybody you know that i i don't discriminate um that, you know, there's certain things that are illegal that I think should be legal. Um, uh, I'm not going to get into them here, but if I did, you would see I'm not puritanical. So, you know, when I was called that, I, I really did get upset. Um, did it did it provide, you know, a, a great moment for the show? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> but at the same time, I was riled up by that. Okay, so before we 
I bring this down any further. Uh, the greatest question that you ever posed in WFP. If Bruce had slept with Talia while Raish occupied her body, <laughs> would it be gay? <laughs> no one ever answered. No I don't think they answered. did, no. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Yeah. Um. Uh, oh, uh, the the Hoop Squad series would not be in continuity. Goddammit! <laughs> no. no, we no, <laughs> no. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh yeah, I have to bring this up because I was going back over our scores and everything, and I looked at episode forty-one. Was that the worst batch of DCAU episodes ever? Um. That. That was an average of 2.8 from us. Well, okay, not counting the Gotham Girls episode, the Webtoons episode. Um, but, yeah, that, that, just so our listeners know, that's Disappearing Inc., Ascension, Joyride, Earthmover, and Splicers. Ugh. Yeah, that, that's a terrible batch there. That, that probably is the worst, yeah. Do you mind if I mention some off-the-air oh. things? Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I, go ahead, because I, I, I want you to start bringing oh, some okay. stuff up. <laughs> yeah, like, some of my favorite moments are, did it get frustrating sometimes? Yeah, but the continuity debate, you know. <laughs> Believe me, I'm going to go in-depth with this on my column. Yeah, yeah, you know, like I said, it could definitely get frustrating, but at the end of the day, it was all in good fun. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's a very fond memory of mine. Another one is... Um, some of you may not know this, but the reason there's a World's Finest Podcast website is because a listener, um, his name was Mac Richardson Jr. Um, he wrote in, and he, at the time we just had like a placeholder site. I don't even think there was anything on it. Wrote in and said, hey, I can build you a site for free. Um, and I think all he asked was that we allow him to use it in his portfolio. And I was like, yeah, because I just didn't have the time to build one. You know, I mean, I definitely know how to do it. I just didn't have the time. And I didn't have an idea for a design either. And he turned in this design, and I was like, I really like this. Um, so just the fact that we had a listener um, give up his, his time like that, you know, um, that, that, that meant a lot to me. And, and again, it's something that's off the air, but it's one of my favorite WFP moments. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when... You know, I, I put the call out for donations on several occasions, and people generously gave, whether it was a couple of bucks or considerably more. You know, I've never revealed how much money has been uh, donated, and I'm not going to do it here. But whenever that happened, you know, that, you know, I, I, I used the phrase on this show before, uh, it warmed my heart. Um, I don't know. I don't even know how to finish that. I just <laughs> You all care. Greatly. Well, yeah, you do. You know, you, you do what you can to, to, to show your support and your love, whether it's donating uh, some money here, sending in some emails and voicemails, building websites. It was, it was always uh, a treat to, 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 to have uh, you guys contribute in, in the way you could. Um, again, you know, especially when uh, we needed financial support, be it uh, buying new equipment or web support um, or whatever. You guys you guys always showed up for us, and that was great. Um, this next one I'm not going to really go into detail to, um, go into detail with or whatever, but um, I don't know, a couple of months ago, we received this email where, um, and we never read it on the air because the guy asked us not to read it on the air, and that's why I'm not going to go into detail here. 
but he he outlined how we got him through, and I think we were still getting him through, a very sad point in his life. Mm-hmm. And, and early, I, what's that? Uh, and I, I mentioned this in, in the column, too. Okay. It's very, very touching. Yeah. Do you go into detail in it in your column? A little bit. Okay, but... I may have to edit it a little, because he kind of asked us to keep it a little private. That's why I'm being vague here, you know? Okay, okay. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, something I said earlier in the show was, you know, I never expected to inspire people to podcast. Never. Never did. We were just doing this for fun. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we just had a couple of listeners, I would have been happy. And our numbers, anytime I look at the numbers, I'm like, woo, those are good numbers. Um, <laughs> but, you know, to find out that we were inspiring people to make new podcasts, to branch out and try something that they maybe never thought of before, um, that, that we had left an impression on them, um, it touched me deeply. But this this one listener, what he had said in this email, you know, that we had got him through an extremely dark, depressing time. That was the last thing I expected, ever. Because um, again, we were just we were just doing it to have fun. We weren't thinking, "Hey, we're gonna help people." No, we're just we're just two guys with microphones, just bullshitting. <laughs> just a you couple know? of schlubs talking about cartoons. Exactly, and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It just it 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 was the single most moving experience I ever had on on this program, um, and I'm just I'm just glad we we were there for him. Um, and that really is my favorite WFP moment. I know I've been listening a lot of off the air stuff, but that's it's not that I don't remember on the air stuff. I certainly do, but I just wanted to pull the curtain back and show people that there were these other great moments that they didn't necessarily experience. Or they didn't know touched us in ways that that did touch us. So th- th- those are sort of the ones I want to list. What are, what are some more? It seemed like you had some more. Bring us back up. Of course, Stoner Mike, as has been re- you know mentioned several times. Probably what will what WFP will be remembered for most are the impressions and <laughs> the random counts. Yeah, <laughs> which we sadly admitted we stopped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we tried a great hair account, but it just never really was able to we were never able to keep track of it honestly some of my the most fun moments i've had on this podcast are just the random impressions that we just bust out out of nowhere (laughs) i mean that's how the source impression came to be i was just like i was just like all right i'm gonna try and impersonate this thing and apparently it was perfect (laughs) (laughs) that's good man (laughs) (laughs) um oh and and you do a a mean mo fear i gotta tell you (laughs) oh man I don't even think I could do Mo Fear right. I, I, I would, but my voice, my, my, I'm really dry mouthed right now. And it's been a while since I've heard Mo Fear, but I thought you did Mo Fear. We both did. Oh, okay. Yeah, I couldn't even attempt to do it right now. I wish I could, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Mo Fear. We must save the world from these snake people. Oh, my God. What the hell are we going to do? Yeah, there we go. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm a fear for light speed candy bars. <laughs> or whatever the hell product I'm hawking. Yeah, what was he hawking at the end there? I don't remember. Actually, I think it was a hemorrhoid cream. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, the one that creeped you out the most. Oh, no. Oh, no problem at all, baby. <laughs> You may be Flash in Luthor's body, 
but I don't care. <laughs> oh my god. And I already did Sergeant Mills earlier, so. Yeah. <laughs> my god. <laughs> the man of 20,000 voice actors. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, and Specs and Trapper I did earlier, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Say hello to Spectral. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did a pretty good Captain Boomerang, too, but I don't... I remember... That was Task Force X, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's another episode that deserves uh, a mention on here for being awesome. Yeah, you know, I didn't throw it on my list because of the gripe I've mentioned so many times. It's one of those, oh, it's 11th on the list type things. Yeah, exactly. Um, maybe on a better day it'll get moved up or moved back down, but on this day it is definitely in that sort of 11 position for me. WFP and and my you know, spotty appearances on Earth 2.net at the show have... Uh, but more so WFP have really helped me get over my fear of listening to my own voice oh, while okay. I'm recording. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, my equipment back in the day was atrocious, and it didn't help that any when I listened to that. I was like, oh, my God, this is yeah. even worse than normal. <laughs> but then, but, you know, nowadays I can just go back and listen to, you know, any episode post, like, episode 15 or 13 or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, eh, cool. I, I, I don't, like, have that hatred of hearing my own voice anymore. And that's that was no small feat hmm. because I really, really did not – I don't like watching myself on – tape um uh like during my act my high school days when i was on acting all the time i i never watched the tapes of my performances that we were allowed to do oh. so but th this really this podcast helped me get over that wow what i really enjoyed about this show was sitting down and just watching these cartoons and looking at them with a different sort of eye you know i really think uh, World's Finest Podcast taught me how to look at something that I liked with a critical eye mm -hmm. or look at something I didn't like with uh, an objective eye. You know, um, you know, I, I can definitely look at an episode where I'm like, man, this is not my cup of tea. But at the end of the day, it's not terrible. You know, I think that's why we get episodes like a five or a six. You know, mm -hmm. we don't have a scale that ranges from 1 to 3 and 8 to 10, you know. Um, you and know. I like our, I liked our grading scale, the 1 to 10. Yeah. Uh, because it's it's not used hardly at all. And, uh, and I, when I it is used... Yeah, and when it is used, I think it's used wrong by other... By a lot of people. They I think they really use a 1 to 10 grading scale wrong. Like I said, it's usually... there's It's like 1 to 3 or 4... And then eight, nine, ten. They skip everything in the middle there, and it's like no five is average. It is absolutely perfectly average. Not great, not terrible, but it's a score you got to utilize. Um, and th this this show really did teach me, especially with our regrading, how to look at something objectively again, whether I like it or not, uh, going into it, and find those things that were working and weren't working. Um, and then when we had a chance to regrade it, go, yeah, you know what, I was wrong initially. This was better than I thought, or worse than I thought, or maybe it was the same. Um, so, yeah, and then, you know, another uh, uh, great thing that I'm going to take away from this show is really getting to know you, James. 
Um, Absolutely. As, as, Likewise, sir. <laughs> yeah, as, as we said earlier, you know, we've known each other like eight years now, but really before this show, we'd only spoken a few times. Um, I know we had you on Earth 2 at the show where we interviewed you about anime and manga. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then was it straight to WFP? Did we record anything else in between there? Um, well... Let's see. When was the first main page awards? Was that two thousand? Let's see. This is the fifth one, so that would have been two thousand six. Okay, so uh, there might have been a main page awards before WFP. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. So we might have recorded two, maybe three times before we sat down and done, did World's Finest Podcast. So I didn't know what kind of dynamic we'd really have going in. You know, I, I, I but I had, a, you know, I had a general idea of what it would be because of how we were at the oratory together and at Earth Two Net together. But yeah, just really getting to know you and your tastes. And even though we're not in the same room, we don't see each other, we're not on cam, I can tell when you're going to speak, for the most part. Sometimes we still step on each other after 100, plus, 100 episodes oh, of this. That and, shit happens. <laughs> yeah, and, and various episodes of Earth Unit at the show. But I can generally tell when you want to say something, um, when you're not going to say something. Um, so I know we should move on, um, or I can keep speaking. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was just a real treat getting to know you and, you know, you becoming a, a really close, one of my best friends, I would say, again, even though it's weird to say, cause we've never met, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree, sir. I, the sentiment is, is shared. Yeah. There, there's just no way you can do a hundred podcasts oh, of yeah, help more of this yeah, and then all the hundred of this done. and then other ones. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Th- I think, I think that friendship, I know it really grew, uh, over the years, and I and I hope our listeners felt it grow um, yeah. over the years. So, yeah. But enough of the mushy stuff. Let's get on to our <laughs> regrades. Good times. Yeah. Now, how many episodes do you have to regrade? Five, like I, normal. I have. I have five. See, I have because... six. Okay. I mean, I might stick with six. I might cross one off. We'll see. Well, I mean, it is the the end. So, I mean, I'll allow it. Oh, okay. Oh well, thank you. So, um, <laughs> where are you going to start? I'm going to start with Mean Seasons. Okay. Um, this is the only episode that I'm regrading a second time. Uh, okay. I'm dropping this back down to a zero. Because <laughs> originally, if you remember, I did give this a zero. Okay. But then when we did our Gotham Knights Superman retrospective, I upped it to a 0.5 because it wasn't the terrible trio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, since we got at least one episode that was worse, I'm dropping it back down to a zero. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, for the record, I didn't, um, I chose episodes that I didn't regrade, or re-evaluate. There were a couple where I'm like, oh, I can do that one. Oh, no, I already did re-evaluate that one. So I went with all fresh ones. Um, But I appreciate what you did there, sir. (laughs) That was sort of like when I did a, what was it, Christmas with the Joker? Because like everybody was ragging on it, me, and I'm like, I'm not gonna rescore it. Ha! Awesome. That was another great WFP moment. <laughs> that, that was. I forgot about totally that. Totally pulling everybody for a loop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. And it's actually, you know, I mentioned that's the only one I'm regrading twice because I had really re- uh, or had considered uh, upping. Uh, Can I keep him? Another point. The silky episode. But since I just I didn't want to regrade another one, re like re regrade. So I just stuck with Mean Seasons, because it deserves the zero more than Can I Keep Him deserves a seven. <laughs> um, let me see here. Okay, I'm going to start with, I'm going to go back to Batman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. And uh, Perchance to Dream. Hmm. Initially, you gave this a 6.5. Later, you would regrade it down to a five. Yep. I gave it a four. 
I'm going to bump this up to a five. Um, the, the reason I'm doing so is I, 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 you know, I needed to look, I needed time with this one. I needed to look back on this one and I definitely appreciate what they were doing here, but all the same, it's still flawed. Um, why would the Mad Hatter put himself in the machine? You know, or a projection of himself in the machine. You know what I'm saying? Just so he can expositionalize to Bruce? That doesn't make sense. Um, and I really think this needed to be a two-parter for us to have the emotional impact that they were going for with this. Um, I wish I could give this one a, a higher grade, but I can't. I really can't. Uh, or a higher grade being like a six or a seven. Um, but it is going up a point for me from a four to a five. It is. It's a very flawed episode, yeah. no doubt. Uh, what's up for you next? Uh, let's see. Which one do I want to do next? Uh, I guess I'm going to go with Critters. Okay. Uh, I have no clue what I was thinking when I gave this a three. <laughs> did you? No clue at all. You did? Wow. <laughs> so I went back and watched this. Oh, my God. Further lowering, lowering my IQ. Um See, when we were originally reviewed this, I called it putrid. And nothing that garners that adjective should get higher than a two. At best, at best, it's a two. So I'm going to lower it down to a one. <laughs> Farmer Brown, the architect, geneticist, ninja, and his steroid daughter and their mutant chickens can all go fuck themselves. I almost did that one, too. But I'm like, I, I gave that a two. I'm not watching that again. There's no way. Um, I had to know why I gave that a three, and I <laughs> fucking life me. I couldn't figure out why. That said, I may go back and rewatch that one, if only for the commentary, because I do respect the fact that they're like, we're, yes, we're going to do a commentary on an episode we know was garbage. <laughs> Except the fact that they say they like it. They, well, they, yeah. Because they they're like, yeah, the fans hated it, but, you know, we still like it. Yeah, but they admit it's not great, though, all the same. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, okay, up next for me... Monkey fun. Um, do you remember this one? Lois and it's the Titan. Superman, yeah. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. Superman, the animated series. Um, you gave it a five. I gave it a seven. I'm going to bring that down to a six. Um, I still think that it's a silly, fun story. Um, putting Superman up against a giant monkey. Come on. How can you not like that? Um, <laughs> but it, it's just not seven quality. When I really look back on it, it's really not. Um, there is some. I gave, did I give that a five? You gave that a five, yeah. Um, and I think that's. A, I'm going to stick with a six, but I think your five is a fair assessment too. Um, but I have to do one more Mikeism on WFP. Okay, I really do. I don't think I ever noticed this before. Okay, Lois. She they, they ask, hey, can you watch Titano? And she's like, I was ten when I last saw him. And now I've got a job in an apartment. You know, what the hell? So she brings Titano home, and she's taking care of him. Well, Jimmy comes over to take pictures um, for the for a, a story in the Daily Planet. Lois says, look, Jimmy, can you watch him for a couple hours? i got to get out of here. Titano, she just runs away. She doesn't wait for an answer. Uh, shortly thereafter, Titano starts to grow. It gets giant. Jimmy calls Lois, and she's uh, getting a massage. Lois's masseuse is in a one-piece bikini. Why uh. is Lois's masseuse in a one-piece bikini? <laughs> I 
don't know. I mean, now I know about Asian massage parlors for guys. Maybe there's one for women, too. And I, I, you know, my understanding is with those, they dress rather skimpily because, you know, things happen. But um, Lois is going to one of those. Was Lois really needing something? You know, is she a little, you know, she go both ways? And if she does, that's cool. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, seriously, go back and watch. That masseuse is in a bikini. I'm not joking. There's no skirt on. There's no pants on. It is a, it's a one-piece bikini that woman's in. I'm almost willing to give it a point extra for that, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> okay, anyways, what's next up for you? Uh, next up for me is See No Evil. Ooh, okay. We both graded this one an 8. Yeah. Um, I went back and looked at it, and the episode's only real flaw was that um, Lloyd Ventrix, the uh, evil father who was clearly a child molester, was you know making a ruckus at the jewelry convention when he was wearing the invisibility suit. Yeah. And granted, that's a huge flaw because it was it was a convenient for the plot kind of flaw, mm. and it, that was the only way Bruce Wayne got involved in the story. So I'm not going to bump this up to a ten, but I am going to bump it up to a nine. I almost went back to that one just to watch it. Um, I, I think that's something I'm going to do now that we're done with WFP. Is mm-hmm. I am going to start going back and just watching some of these episodes that uh, we we scored highly. Because, um, again, it's been so long since I saw them. And that's definitely going to be one of the first ones I go back to. It seems like a weird one to make one of my first ones, but it's it's that strong. It is. It, that was really their, might have been their first uh, risky episode. Because it's, it's kind of a social commentary episode, if you think about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next up for me is a Static Shock episode. Um, I'm going to Jimmy. Hmm. You gave Jimmy a 7. I gave it a 9. And I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to bring that down to a 7. Um, you know, you know. speaking of social commentaries, um, mm-hmm. as always, I respected when they did this. And I respect that they did this with Static Shock. Um, I respect that they, they tackled a gun story. Um, that a main character was shot. Granted, it doesn't last. It's not like he's on crutches for several episodes. At least I don't think he was. But a main character does get shot. But the the the, the reason it's going to get a seven from me is because there are some pretty big problems with it. Um, like I've always taken issue with the fact that Virgil lied to the counselor. Um, I believe I said that in the initial review. He yeah, he flat did. out lies to her. He should be telling her, "Look, I'm static shock. I really could have stopped this. I didn't get there fast enough. I couldn't protect my best friend." And, he, and she's like, oh, so you weren't there. And he's like, uh, no. When he was. I hated that. The story is all about getting kids to, I hate to use the phrase, but tattle. You know, to, but they're doing it to protect people. They're, they're basically saying, you, you can trust adults. And then they have the hero of the story lie to an adult he's trusting? It, 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 it's a mixed message. I hate that. Um, when Jimmy's being chased through the maze at the end there is, we just got one more voicemail. <laughs> it literally, I'm sorry, whoever sent that in, it's, it's not going to get played on the air. The, the, it's not, the, the deadline was eight o'clock PM central time. It's currently one forty-five AM central time, Monday morning. I'm not going <laughs> to add that one in. Um, sorry. Sorry. Um, but when, when Jimmy's being chased through the maze 
Um, this is the scene before he gets the gun. No one hears him? No, no one hears that? They're just allowing it to go on? I mean, sure, they, they go into the locker room after he's been stuffed into the locker, but why weren't they busting into that castle they had built? It was just made out of paper and cardboard. That That's a bummer. Um, and then when they announce that the uh, Halloween party, the 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 what's the phrase I'm looking for? The, the haunted house, that's it, what is going to be in the community center. Mr. Hawkins is in there, and those bullies start picking on Jimmy. And Mr. Hawkins doesn't say anything. So you know what? I was going to give this a 7, and I'm bringing it down to a 6, actually. Hmm. When I really look at all those things, I have to knock it down an ex one extra point that I was already going to do. That one fell three points. That might be one of the biggest drops I've given an episode. Yeah. Wow. Uh, definitely. <laughs> That's... Because I know you dropped, uh, what is it, uh, Maid of Honor three points, I believe. Oh, okay, I forgot I did. Okay, yeah, you're right. So, okay. So, uh, what's uh, up for you now? <laughs> uh, I'm going to have fun with these last two. Uh, next uh, for me is Mixie's Pixelated. If Mike, if Mike can grade Fracture to 10, folks, then I can grade this one a 10 as well. <laughs> the only thing I took off a point... Uh, a point four in, the, in our original review is this was the uh, skywriting of Mixie's name, but you know what? This episode is just complete nonsense anyway. So I'll just coin the phrase Mixie logic and give it a ten. <laughs> okay, works for me. Works for me. Mixie. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably coming from the same dimension, so you know it works. Oh yeah, probably. I, I just I, I love the uh, that the entire episode. It, like and it's like Gispy. Uh, Gisbetla's Nez, I think yeah. is what her name was, uh, like constantly putting on more and more skimpy outfits. Yeah. <laughs> Amazed they got away with that. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, second to last from me, things change. You gave this a three. I gave it an eight. I'm going to drop this down to a six. I still really do enjoy this episode. Mm -hmm. um, I do agree. Oh, I believe I always have that it's not the best way to have ended Teen Titans. I still like the mood of it, the sadness of it. I like the real-worldness of it, that it doesn't wrap everything up in a nice, neat little bow. But at the same time, a lot of the episode is filler, um, that being the stuff that's going on with the four other Titans. And it, it's hurt because of it. It really is. And, you know, the thing you always pointed out, we need Beast Boy. Well, what the hell is he going to do? You know, exactly. that doesn't make sense. Um so I, I, I do got to bring that down two points. And it, it pains me because I do like that episode, but it's it's not an eight. It just can't be. Okay, so what's last from you? <laughs> last for me is Warrior Queen. Oh, my God. <laughs> if this had been, I mean, this episode, if this episode had been in a later DCAU show like Justice League, I probably would have graded it higher. I don't know why I was being so prudish back in the day over this one. It's just... I mean, I still don't think it was an episode necessarily that children should see, mm -hmm. but it's a funny enough episode that I can bump it out of the mediocrity score of five mm -hmm. and into uh, your territory. I'm giving it a, I'm bumping it up to seven. Okay, okay, that that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I I do like this episode now. <laughs> um. So last up from me, and this was a late addition. This one's for our friend Ian Wilson. Heart of Ice. James, you gave this a 10. I gave this a 9. 
I believe the reason I gave this one a nine is because there's animation flubs. Batman's logo being inverted. Instead of black on yellow, it goes yellow on black. When he opens up his compartment on his belt, for a brief second, there's nothing in it. And then all of a sudden, a card appears that he pulls out. Um, and I realized after the fact that there's been other episodes that have had animation flubs, and I've still given tens. So Heart of Ice goes up to a 10. Come to make sure I'm leaving? Actually, I thought we worked pretty well together. Not that I want to make it a regular event. Feedback in the form of emails can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Our voicemail number is 731-WFP-WFP0. 731-937-9370. And don't forget about our store, which can be found at earth2.net slash store. That's earth-2.net slash store. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sim saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. Saturday, the 19th of March, don't forget to listen to Earth2.net The Show, episode 439, in which Ian Wilson, James Doe, and myself, Michael David Sims, will deliver an in-depth review of The Dark Knight. people brave enough to take on his whole revoir. That man is Joss Whedon. And those two people are us. We're going through it all. Buffy, Angel, Firefly and Serenity, Dr. Horrible, Dollhouse, and the Avengers. And what does that make us, Hannah? I believe that makes us big damn heroes, Preston. Ain't we just? Big damn heroes. A new podcast coming only from Earth2.net this spring. Look for it.